Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Now I the time of my life. Great pre-Valentine Day show by Tony Orlando without dawn. So I figured I'd pimp my ride to the 35th anniversary of Dirty Dancing and the song that just epitomized what turned out to be an international sensation. The theme song, I've had the time of my life. Pump it up, Izzy. Pump it up. So we take each other's hand. Oh, the memories come flowing, although, as all of you out there, I just did. I was down in Florida with my beautiful hipster millennial wife, Nancy. And we had the time of our life. Something I don't normally do, ladies and gentlemen. So I dedicate this to Nancy and all the patience uh, that she has in dealing with yours truly. But we got to set it up. Super Bowl. Ah, whatever. Stupid Bowl. Uh, what do they call that? Is he the game? How ridiculous. The big game. The Schmitz game. Whatever you want to call it. We're not going to talk about that tonight. We're just going to delve into subjects that rarely other talk shows go into. Coming off a historical day here at WABC where earlier from 2 to 4 was the rebirth, re-resurrection of Anthony Weiner as my partner, Saturdays 2 to 4, with a big press conference before... was the time of my life. I've got no complaints, ladies and gentlemen. I'm alive. I should have been dead ten times over. I have the greatest wife in the world, and obviously the owner-operator, along with his wife, John Katsimatidis and Margot Katsimatidis, who have turned WABC into a family-owned operation of Red Apple Media. And that press conference was amazing. 
as John took to the podium and he announced the uh, resurrection of Anthony Weiner and how he gives people a second chance. We talked uh, a bit about how O'Reilly was given a second chance at WABC, Sid Rosenberg, Dominic Carter, now Anthony Weiner. Make that Weiner. See, I'm falling into my old nickname for Anthony Weiner. And incredibly, coming on the heels of the Super Bowl, I turned to John Casamitidis. I said, you know, you're the Al Davis of the broadcasting world. Former owner, operator, manager of the Oakland Raiders, came out of Brooklyn, went to Erasmus High School, whereas John Casamitidis went to Brooklyn Tech, just like Anthony Weiner. I got booted out of Brooklyn Prep. But it's interesting because when Al Davis led the AFL against the NFL, he took no prisoners. And his claim to fame in winning Super Bowl after Super Bowl and getting into, uh, what, the game after the game after, it is so ridiculous, was that he would give everybody a second chance. So if a NFL-caliber football player had problems domestically with drugs, uh, with alcohol, uh, emotionally, mentally, whatever the problem was, did time in jail. He would give him a second chance. And his his configuration was that if he took on 10 of the NFL best that other teams had rejected because of their personal failings, if five of them came through, he'd be in the, uh, <clears throat> the game uh, and win the game. And he did. And he took a chance. And it was the right thing to do. And now it's the right thing to do, and John Katsimatidis has led the way. Uh, give me a little more of that music underneath this. Yeah, I need to get into that move, that move to groove as we work through the wee hours of the morning. I mean, Tony Orlando, without Dawn, I still don't know where Dawn is. Set a great template, a great template for the pre-super spectacular Valentine's Day special. And because I chose to talk about... One of the greatest movies ever made, Dirty Dancing, this, it's 35th anniversary. In the back of my mind, because I don't remember it, I can remember Goodfellas or On the Waterfront with Marlon Brando, some of my favorite movies. I could have swore that Cousin Boosie, who was on earlier today from 6 to 10, had a cameo appearance. So let's start the uh, trivia Fast and Furious. What role did Bruce Morrow, a.k.a. Cousin Brucey, play in Dirty Dancing? And wasn't he, didn't his voice sort of permeate the movie from time to time as he was DJing? Am I right or wrong, ladies and gentlemen? Am I in a drug-induced psychosis? Did I have too much Molly? Did I have too much ecstasy? Am I just too caught up into a time warp? And my time machine, as we go through theater of the mind, is no better means of communication than radio because it's intimate, like Dirty Dancing was. It deals with your subliminal. And who could forget this song? How many of you listening out there would go up Route 17 from uh, what is the Port Authority today? I forget which bus would take you up there. And you go to the uh, Sullivan County to the Catskills. It was either the Jewish Himalayas or the Irish Alps. 
And you had all those great hotels. The Concord, Grossinger's, Browns, so many other places. And young men, young women, maybe waiters and waitresses uh, during the bulk of the day. They play Simon Says during the day and then go dirty dancing at night. I think, I think I am. Uh, the memories are coming back. They're pouring back to me now. So first question, and we got to make sure that the phones are working tonight, Is he, uh, and got to make sure, phone screener Camellia, that the phones are working. We've had some problems from time to time. I'm not anticipating that that's the case. It was the time of my life with my gorgeous wife, Nancy, as we were able to break away to Florida for a few days, where it's paradise, it's freedom, it's everything we don't have here. And now I kind of understand why so many people have flown the coop down there. But it's time for the resurrection of New York City, just like Anthony Weiner had his resurrection today here on WABC. So let's test out the phone lines to make sure they're working now. Make sure that this chronificator is hooked up with the spectrometer. With our FM station, WLIR, that deals with the Hamptons. That's our FM station. FM standing for feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, and Frank Morano. And actually, the 50,000 powerful watts of sound, WABC, the acronym always broadcasting, Curtis, AM, active-minded radio, reaching 38 states, parts of Canada, parts of Europe. And yes, even in the Bermuda Triangle, many a sailor, before going down to Davy Jones's locker, had reminisced how he had just heard Frank Morano on the other side of midnight. In fact, it was the Bahamas. With Bruce Morrow, a.k.a. Cousin Brucey, and his first radio gig. Not New York City, the Bahamas. Ladies and gentlemen, do I need to awake you? Do I need to resurrect all of you like Lazarus from the dead? I asked a simple question about Cousin Brucey, the iconic figure of spinning stacks of wax who did it here at WABC long ago when we were the number one music station in the nation. He then went over to NBC, then went over to WCBS, then was like on the whirly bird, the satellite. And then John Katsimatidis says, it's time to come home. Kind time to come to your roots, Cousin Brucey. Is this not a great lineup? No matter where you look, it's either... It's discussion and talk that is stimulating your mind or it's entertainment that transports you onto your time machine and theater of the mind. It's absolutely outstanding. So, again, that initial question to jumpstart all of this because I need to reconnect the dots. I could have sworn that great movie, Dirty Dancing, starring Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey, that Cousin Bruce... Actually had a role in that movie. I remember Jerry Orbach. We're going to discuss him momentarily. But I remember Cousin Brucey. Could have swore he had a role there. Could have swore that his voice permeated in and out throughout the movie as the voice of the DJ in the background. Some of the best music you ever heard in a movie score was throughout, throughout Dirty Dancing. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. That's one 800 848 
And, you know, I remember seeing Jennifer Grey. And I said to myself, hmm, uh, no relationship to Earl Grey tea. I hate Earl Grey tea. Joe Grey, Joe Grey, Mr. Mr. Broadway. But I always thought that Joe Grey was gay. I really did. I had no idea that he had a daughter. When people first told me, oh, yeah, Jennifer Grey, that's Joe Grey's uh, daughter. You know, it's in the pedigree. Uh, the singing, the dancing, uh, just that whole experience. Hey, wait, what are you talking about? Joe Gray is gay. Well, apparently he wasn't gay. He had his daughter, Jennifer Gray. And she looked so much like the young ladies who would go up with their families to the Catskills for their annual summer vacation. And if I remember correctly from the movie, uh, the guys busting tables, the waiters, they were all Ivy League male students who were being told by the owner and operator of this particular establishment that make nice to the daughters of our customers. Now, some of you might not necessarily like them because they're a little giddy. Uh, they're not necessarily worldly like you are. But entertain them. Take them out. Dance with them at night. Make the experience a magnificent one so the family will want to come back again and again and again. See, it's all coming to me now. It's all coming to me now on the 35th anniversary of Dirty Dancing. What what particular lodge, lodging uh, location did it take place in? I would assume it was somewhere up in the Catskills. I don't think it was Grossinger's. I don't think it was Brown's. I don't think it was the Concord. Uh, I don't think it was a bungalow colony up there. I don't remember. Now it's the Orthodox Jews who are in a bungalow colony. It's uh, the Irish, the shanty Irish, not the lace Irish, who are in the other bungalow counties, I mean the other bungalow uh, communities. And to me it was always the Irish Alps on one side, the Jewish Himalayas on the other side, the racetrack. We can't forget the trotter track there in Sullivan County, right? one 800 848 Nine two two two. Let's kick it off and go to Norma, who's calling from Stamford, Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here on our pre Valentine's Day special here at WABC. Norma, hi Curtis. Uh, Cousin Bruce said earlier that he played the magician who saw Jennifer Grey in half. Ah, the magician. That's right. So. Yeah. It was uh, almost like uh, an illusionist, right? Yeah. That's right. Now it's coming back to me. He was. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't remember that either, but he was speaking to someone about it. Well, I tell you what. I tell you what. Hold, hold your horses there, Norma, because I don't quite picture it completely. I don't remember Cousin Brucey bending a spoon there. Like what illusionist, ladies and gentlemen, that... Uh, the great, <laughs> oh, I remember him. He would sit there with Johnny Carson and Sonny Fox on Wonderama, and he would bust these illusionists. Who was I talking about? Who would who would basically bust our bubble in thinking that these magicians and these illusionists were actually doing what we thought they were doing? And then this guy would come on the show. And he would make little kids cry because he would say, what you just saw was fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi, uh magic. It wasn't magic at all. It was an illusion. 
Who am I talking about? He was a standard fixture on the Johnny Carson Show. And remember Sonny Fox and Wonderama on Channel 5? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Douglas in Lindbrook. Douglas, uh, was Norma correct in Connecticut uh, that Cousin Brucey played a magician? Yes, I told, told, he played a magician, and I believe he pulled a rabbit out of his hat. A rabbit? A rabbit, yes. Was, did I go for popcorn when that scene was on? How, how long was that scene for Dirty Dancing? It wasn't long, but I haven't seen the movie in years, so, I mean, I, I could be wrong about that. You got it. You, you, got to, you got to watch the movie again. That was one of the oh. classics, right? A, a Valentine's yeah. Day special, if not. Cousin Bruce yeah. was a magician. Now, I wouldn't say he was like a Harry Houdini-style magician, right? Yeah. No, it, no. no just, typical simple stuff. All right, pulling a rabbit out of the hat. Did he do anything yeah. else? I don't remember, sir. I, I don't. Uh, it's been a long time. I know. That's why. 35 years ago, we got to reconnect yeah. with Dirty Dancing. The other question was, wasn't his voice resonating throughout the movie as like uh, a DJ you didn't see playing stacks of wax? I don't remember that, sir. But I remember, was that Amazing Creskin? Was the guy in the Johnny Carson show? Uh, yeah, Amazing. The, uh, that's right. Amazing Creskin. He, he could uh, sort of read minds, read cars, all that. Yeah. But he didn't go out and cold bust those who were performing acts of illusion. It was a certain guy who his stock and trade was to come out and bust our bubbles. We would see a performance. He would sit with Johnny Carson. Yeah. Uh, he would sit on with Sonny Fox, and he would tell us what you just saw. It's absolutely yeah. not real. And let me show you how they did it. And then all of a sudden, ha, he, yeah. would, he would cold bust that person. Our number is yeah. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Bruce in Manhattan. Oh, this big Valentine special. Your, 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 your turn to be heard here on WABC, Bruce. Okay. Uh, Joe Gray wrote an autobiography, and he said he came out as gay. And apparently uh, he was able to perform, if you know what I mean. He closed his eyes and thought of Saks Fifth Avenue. Mm. So, but he had a daughter, right? Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. You no, close no, your no. eyes and think of uh, Bergdorf Goodman, and yeah. you can get her. I, I, understand. <laughs> I understand. What a Weisenheimer. Uh, I'm confused about that, too. You know, maybe it's just because I believe that the stereotype of seeing Joe Gray up on the stage performing cabaret. Oh, he was in a lot of great Broadway miracles, uh, musicals, a lot of great Broadway musicals. But when I first heard, oh, Jennifer Gray, his daughter was chosen. I figured, oh, well, that's just because she was uh, Joe Gray's uh, daughter. And then you saw a perform on the dance floor with Patrick Swayze, and you said, holy, jump up and sit down. What was her nickname in the movie? What was her nickname? And boy, there was a lot of mama drama in this. Let me tell you something. A lot of mama drama. <laughs> if, if you went to the bathroom, you would not be able to connect uh, the dot on the hot mess, the baby mama drama that was taking place. In what was such a simple and pure movie about the Catskills, and none of you seem to know what location it was filmed at, what great 
uh, dining establishment, uh, restaurant, hotel, did it take place in? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Shelly. Shelly, where are you calling from? Um, Gulf Shores, Alabama. Gulf Shores, Alabama. Yeah. yeah, down on the coast, right on the Gulf. Okay, okay. Now, now, did, did I sort of did I touch your memory bank, your medulla and cerebellum, when I asked some of these trivia questions? Yeah, so my obligandata too. <laughs> That's a little risque, there, Shelley. <laughs> no, it's really it's medulla obliga, obliganda, obligandata. Yeah, sure. That's a medical term. You've had a few tonight. I can I can see. But who is the person? that Johnny Carson would bring out onto the stage with Ed McMahon or would come out with Sonny Fox and Wonderama and break our hearts as kids because what we thought we saw being done by a magician or an illusionist, he would then show us that, in fact, it was fake for Gacy. I loved him. I, I really did. His name was the Amazing Randy. That's right, the Amazing Randy. And, yes. he, and he would come out, and he would be cruel and heartless. And, he, you know, he had he, he didn't care what the kids thought. He said, look, uh, I'm going to teach you that this is not real. This magician, fake. This illusionist, fake. Well, he would do, you know, psychics. He was mainly, you know, saying that they were fake because, I don't know. Like, I, some things would scare me with psychics. So I was glad to see that it wasn't real myself. Yeah, but it, it, it turned out, right? It turned out. I thought Joel Gray was gay, right? He had the daughter, mm-hmm. Jennifer Gray. It turned out that the amazing Randy was gay. I had oh, no. no idea. Before he passed the hereafter, they did a whole piece Ooh. on the amazing Randy. Uh, you know, he was um, uh, he was feeling the effects of his older age, but he had his uh, male partner that he had been with for years. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Learn something new every day. Every day. And you see, that's what my role is here is to seize on a theme. Pre-Valentine, super spectacular here that I've dedicated to my wife, Nancy. The best thing that ever happened in my life. Uh, Talk about dirty dancing, which uh, I was accused of doing on many occasions long before I ever met Nancy. Nancy hadn't even been birthed. Oh, this, I'm this, glad you had fun in Florida. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Now I know. Now I know why so many people are fleeing down to Alabama, Mississippi, especially the Panhandle of Florida, where all the hillbillies yeah. are. No. Yes, the Panhandle of Florida. You know there are some no, New Yorkers. Yes, no, some New Yorkers. Pensacola. Is beautiful. Right, there are some New Yorkers, some folks from Jersey, Connecticut, uh, Pennsylvania. There, but it's it's mostly. Come on, you have to be honest. It's mostly hillbillies, like right where you are in Alabama. Well, I'm kind of, yeah, rednecks, not hillbillies, rednecks. Okay. And you know, I'm originally from Delaware, so I'm not. You know. Yeah, well, I know why I'm you fled. I know why you fled from Delaware, Joe Biden land. Anybody would flee from uh, Delaware. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but thank Twenty-five you. years ago. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The amazing Randy turned out he was gay. Joe Gray, I don't know if he's gay. I, I don't know. Anyway, let's go to uh, I believe Sydney, uh, who's in the Upper West Side. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sydney. I think the illusionist you're talking about is Uri Geller. That's right, the guy bending the spoons. Right. 
That's right. And uh, the amazing Landy would track this guy all over the world. This, Yuri Geller was from, like, Israel. Uh, right. At a certain point, Yuri Geller said, oh, the amazing Randy, you're an anti-Semite. He said, no, I'm not an anti-Semite. I'm just proving uh, you're not bending that spoon. It's all an illusion. Right. Oh, it was so good. It was good. Do you remember seeing him on Johnny Carson? That's right. I remember him, though, on Sonny Fox, Channel 5, Wonderama, you know, the kid show. Why Why is he not, uh, you know, out there now? Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, all the memories are flowing here. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go, if we can, to Pat, calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pat. Hi, Curtis. Um, her name in the movie was Baby. That's right, Jennifer Grey. That was Baby and Patrick Swayze. He was a dance instructor uh, at the lodge, right? Oh, my God, he was adorable. Hey, I have to tell you something, though. My girlfriend from California, she's very savvy with the computer, so I asked her to send me a picture of you and um, Sid in the morning, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know you were so cute. Well, excuse me. You know, uh, yeah, I do. Have a, well, I remember when you started because I'm older than you, and and my husband and I were so thrilled with what you were doing. But I never saw a picture of you. So anyway, you're adorable. Well, thank you because it is our 43rd anniversary right now since we are into Sunday. From the first patrol I took out as the night manager of Mickey D's on Fordham and Webster in the Bronx, uh, as we re- we uh, rode the rails of the number four train, which was nicknamed the Muggers Express. That was the uh, start of the Guardian Angels, February 13th, 1979, Pat. Yeah, well, congratulations. And if anybody had called me baby on that ride on the number four train, the Muggers Express, I'd have knocked their schnoz right down their throats. It was bad enough they were calling us Charlie's Angels, the Hell's Angels. Can you imagine? All of a sudden they would have called us baby. They called us the Burger Boys because they knew we were out of Mickey D's McDonald's. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joe calling from the real capital of New York State, not Albany. It's Kinston. Uh, Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Giuseppe. Hey, uh, good good morning, uh, Curtis. First, uh, I believe the resort was uh, Kutcher's in uh, the uh, Catskills. Kutcher's. Could that have been Yeah, Kutcher's. Uh, okay. They have a. They had. That's where they did the uh, Maurice Stokes. Remember, they used to play the Maurice Stokes basketball game. That's the, right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. That's no, that right. was Kutcher's. You know. Curtis. Uh, yeah. Hold on a second. You couldn't yeah. be more hopelessly wrong on that. You when by the end, uh, you're gonna have to listen to all six hours of this program because I don't leave until six o'clock in the morning, and I'm gonna keep okay. you all on pins and needles. Because it was not Kutcher's. It was not some of the other well-known establishments. It is going to rock your world when you find out where Dirty Dancing took place. But go ahead with your continuation, Giuseppe. Yeah, so, so Curtis, you, uh, you did not honor your mentor, the great Bob Grant, this, this afternoon Ooh. when you folded like a cheap camera to the whiner. Oh, and, yeah, you really gave him a lot of deference. I was uh, very disappointed. Well, look, okay, Joe, Joe, that's why you have a panoply uh, of options in listening to WABC. 
You get all kinds of programs. Some of it you like, some of it you may not like, some of it that's entertaining, some of it that's theater of the mind like this, some of it that's hardcore political talk, current events. But I got to tell you, uh, we'll talk about it later on in the show, but uh, Anthony Weiner, you, you may not like him personally, but very few people know as much about the city of New York as Anthony Weiner. And just think of the combination. I ran for mayor. He ran for mayor. Put us both together. And we definitely know more than anybody else about the city of New York. Let's go to Sammy and Howard Beach. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sammy. Yeah, it's Brown's Hotel. That's what it's based on. I Googled it. I'll be honest with you. Uh, yeah, but ironically, the whole thing was shot in North Carolina. That's right. Do you know the name of the lodge that it was shot at in order to save money? They didn't go up to the Catskills, which would have cost them an arm and a leg. They went like so many New Yorkers are going now. If their first preference is in Florida, it's North Carolina. Is it a union issue also? No union issue. No union issue. Totally cost. Now, let's go to Chris. Uh, in fact, in the Catskills in Sullivan County, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Yeah, it's actually Virginia. Pembroke, Virginia is where it was shot. And Mountain Lake Lodge is the name of the hotel where it was actually filmed. You so, uh, you are absolutely 1,000% correct. And actually, my parents met at a like a like some sort of ski convention in 1963. And I believe it was at the Concord. And my father was from, his family was from Liberty, but he grew up overseas, like going to school. My, his, my grandfather had a government job for a while. Those memories are flowing back. It's flowing back. In fact, give me the uh, song number two, Maestro, here, Izzy, that was all part of the score. There was such a hot mess. In fact, if I remember, there was Baby Wright, who was Jennifer Gray. There was Johnny, who was the dance instructor, Patrick Swayze. Then there was a guy named Robbie with Penny. Penny was pregnant. Everybody thought it was Johnny, Patrick Swayze, but it was really Robbie. And then Jennifer Gray got involved, and her father... Jerry Orbach blew a few gaskets and said, I better never see you with that uh, Lothario Patrick Swayze. Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
This is the Shirelles, one of my all-time favorite R&B groups. And it's so pertinent to our pre-pre-pre-pre-Valentine's Day. I call it St. Valentine's Day because, yes, it is a saint in the Roman Catholic Church, St. Valentine. Uh, And dedicate this to my uh, wife with all the patience in the world, Nancy, uh, who has been with me. We'll be uh, working on six years now. Boy, she had a lot of patience. And, boy, we had such a great time. The time of my life in Florida with Nancy, able to do so much. Ended up with Rudy Giuliani, my Cumbadicic, at his Palm Beach condo with his son Andrew there. His uh, daughter-in-law, they have the brand new uh, baby. In the meantime, we did a show for WABC, the the, uh, daily Rudy Giuliani show from 3 to 4, Monday through Fridays. I did a half hour of his show in his... In his book house, in his bathroom, biggest bathroom I've ever seen. It's bigger than the apartment that I live in in the Upper West Side, 328 square feet, with Nancy and the 16 rescue cats. I said, Rudy, your bathroom is bigger than my apartment. He said, well, that's where we have to do the program. Oh, it's great. And we get down and went through Dade County, Broward County, Palm Beach County. <sighs> great. And the memories. All the places that I was stumping thugs in the 80s in the age of crack. Riviera Beach, Avenue S, on your way to Singer Island, West Palm Beach, 3rd and Rosemary, 10th and Tamarin, 18th and Springfield, and Lake Worth, one square mile. But, oh, the double trouble there. Sis drunk in Fort Lauderdale, Liberty City, Overtown in Miami. That was all the rough stuff. Naturally, I had to have some of that, right? And then the beaches, they were magnificent. And so many snowbirds that are down there. So many WABC listeners who continue to listen. Just to be honest, there isn't, there isn't really good talk radio down in Florida. So they listen on the app. They listen on the stream like any of you can. They listen to the podcast. They actually have begun to watch the Red Apple new TV network created by John Katsimatidis at WABCradio.tv. It's almost like they've left, but their connection back home to New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania is WABC. So many of them grew up when Cousin Brucey was uh, spinning stacks of wax, Herb Oscar Anderson, Harry Harrison, Right here at WABC. And then all through the years when Bob Grant, the king of talk radio, dominated the airwaves in the afternoons. Ah, the memories were flowing as I was running into New York. They're not down there because it's a second home. They're down there. That's their primary residence. uh, And it doesn't look like they're going to be coming back. You know, I I hesitated uh, right there before we got on the plane on the tarmac at uh, West Palm Beach uh, Airport. As to whether I should stay or whether I should go, when we posted it on TikTok and our social networking, 60% of the people said I should stay. The question is, is that they want me to stay down in Florida so I wouldn't be up here in New York dealing with the nitty-gritty? Uh, uh, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Bill, who's calling from Purchase, New York. Your turn to be heard here on our pre valentine Pre-Valentine's Day super extravaganza, Bill. Well, hello, Curtis. Uh, I, I I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I'm a first-time caller, 
and a long-time listener. Hold on a second. Let me straighten you out, Bill, and the rest of you out there. That's why I've got to convince John Katsimatidis, our owner and operator, that we've got a lease or rent out. One of those old hotels, Browns, Grossinger's, uh, hmm. the Concord Coochers, and have a re-education camp for our callers, who are only 1% of our listeners. We need more of you calling. A lot of you, you never thought that you could actually call a talk radio station, so you just leave it to everybody else instead of calling yourself. And you have an opportunity to do that. Look, I go to 6 o'clock this morning, six straight hours, and I interact with all of you. But there are only three things I tell you not to do. Don't ask me how I'm doing, because I'm going to tell you I've had better days. Don't say to me, oh, thank you for taking my call, Curtis. No, no, what are you talking about? Haven't you heard me solicit for your phone calls? I should be thanking you. And don't think that I picked you because I happen to know who you are. What, through osmosis? The amazing Randy would have busted me as a fake phony and fraud on that. And don't ever say, Bill. First time call, a long time listener. Kabish, Kabish, Bill, do you understand? No, no, no. Listen, you know, I did it just as a joke. Oh, a joke. I, I okay, really a did. joke. All right. I didn't. No. I didn't mean. I really. You know. Oh, that's okay. Believe that's me, okay. when I hear that, when I hear that from your callers, I, I turn the, uh, I turn the radio. No, off. no, no. Don't but do that. Don't case, do that. Don't do in that. In any case, I yes. wanted to. I wanted. I wanted to answer your question. Uh, when when uh, uh, Jennifer Gray was called baby by uh, by Patrick Swayze, I think that was her. That was her. Uh, you know, her nickname. Let me so ask he, you the $10,000 question about the Dirty Dancing 10, Partners. Did they actually have sex in the movie? Did they or did they not, Bill? Uh, I would doubt it. Oh. But I but I wasn't clear. Oh. Oh, so you're not, quite, sure, you're not quite sure if they had sex. Real sex. Yeah, real sex. You know, I mean, like movie sex. It's simulated, but real sex. Real sex. I, 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 I wasn't there. Uh, well, you didn't have to be there if you're watching the freaking movie, Bill. Well, I, I think they had sex. Right. Don't you know what sex is when you see it? Well, oh, you my. know, they're under the covers. Oh, my God, Bill. Not when you do Dirty Dancing. You see, Bill Bill probably did the Foxtrot, you know, the Waltz, you know, like Frank Morano. Frank Morano's favorite singers, again, I still can't believe this. The guy must be a hipster or millennium. Uh, but he is the president of the <laughs> – it still blows my mind. He should be president of the Rudy Valley uh, fan club. You know, brother, can you spare a dime singing with the megaphone? And then there's Eddie Cantor. He loves Eddie Cantor and Al Jolson. He can't get enough of that. He's the oldest young person I've ever known. He would probably be good with his lovely wife, Rachel, doing the foxtrot or the waltz. This guy didn't even know if they had sex. How could you How could you not have known that? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Mike calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here. Uh, yeah, you missed one of the oldie great ones you forgot to mention. It's Murray, Murray Decay from the, with the swinging soiree. Remember him? Or of course. That, 
That in fact, remember there was an. Uh, I remember my sister Alina, my older sister, had an album with Murray the K, the Swinging Soiree, on it. I still can't right, figure right. out. He was, you know, by even before Cousin Brucey, I would imagine. Unfortunately, he passed away. He he uh, he died of uh, I believe it was cancer. And but then I, did he wear did he wear like this uh, funky fedora that looked like a, a golf uh, a golf I'm fedora? Not sure. I never really saw him in person. I, I used to love to listen to him on the radio. You know, ah bay, uh, ah bay, uh, kuma sama sama, whatever the hell that meant. But I got a kick out of it. But I always say you listen to it often. You never wondered when you were young and frisky what the hell he was talking? Like maybe he was speaking to his Soviet control agent who was sent over by Nikita Khrushchev? Uh, he was a true American. There was nothing commie about him. He was a red-blooded true American. Now, wait a second. Wasn't Lucille Ball, didn't it prove to be she was a card-carrying American communist? You would have never thought that, right, Mike? No, that I didn't know. Ah, you didn't know that, did you? No, Lucille Ball. I had no idea. Well, she had red hair, right? Oh, come on! Give me, give me a break. Better red, red hair. Better She's red a- than dead. I don't know. Oh, come, oh, oh! So you're doubting me? Because no, I no, didn't. No, I didn't but, think of Murray the K, the swinging soiree. And what was the word she used again? Could you repeat that, please? It was ah bay, uh, ah bay, kumasamasama, yay! What the hell did that mean, ladies and gentlemen? I now remember that. Was that a secret sort of string of words? Like I said, maybe you had a Soviet handler. That was the Cold War back then, you know, pulsating it out on the radio. Uh, On behalf of Nikita Khrushchev, who, remember, at that time said, I will bury you. I will bury you. Hmm. Inquiring minds want to know. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Wait till you hear the story about Jerry Orbach coming up. I know a lot of you remembered him from Law and Order. But, oh, no, no, no. Jerry Orbach. What a piece of work there. He was in the movie The Gang That Couldn't Shoot Straight about the Columbos. The book that had been written by Jimmy Breslin, who was always half in the bag. But it was a great book. They turned it into a movie. And guess what? Jerry Orbach was keeping it real. What mobster choking on his lobster did Jerry Orbach and his wife Marta hang out with? Who? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Diane in Queens. Welcome to our pre-Valentine's Day extravaganza here on WABC, Diane. I thought I heard you say that Jennifer Gray's father was the great Jerry Orbach, singer, dancer, actor. But I think her father is the great, talented singer, dancer, actor, Joel Gray. Yes, uh, yes, in real life. But remember, in the film Dirty Dancing, ah. her father, Jerry Orbach, forbade her, said, you better not. Be with that Patrick oh. Swayze, that Lothario. You know oh. you can't trust that guy. He's going to get into your pants. There's no doubt about it. He warned her, stay away from him. Oh, that's true. I didn't realize you were talking about the movie. But the question <laughs> is, Diane, do you remember seeing the movie? Of course, a hundred years ago. <laughs> right, 35th anniversary. Did or did they not 
They're Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze, characters in Dirty Dancing, mm-hmm. end up having sex. I, I'll guess maybe yes. I, well, I well, what is this maybe, possibly, could be, woulda, coulda, shoulda? I don't want to be wrong. And well, by the way, I go to the Catskills every summer. From, you know, where, where do you go to in the Catskills? Well, it's a bungalow colony that's really not a bungalow colony. It went oh. co-op. Oh. Individually owned, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. Well, you know, you know, for, for you and some of the other callers here who don't follow the rules and regulations, although you did, Diana, I am going to convince John Katsimatidis to commission, maybe requisition some of the old property up there where some of the uh, famous hotels are like relics there. You know, it's like, it's like ghosts are there of the waiters and the busboys who used to play Simon Says in the morning. Then they'd bust the tables, they'd serve breakfast, lunch, then dinner in these magnificent dining rooms that would have like a few hundred people at them at any one sitting. And boy, you know what people are like there. So you say, hey, I'm here for the food. I'm here to pack it in, pack it in. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And again, what mobster choking on his lobster infamous is hanging out with Jerry Orbach and Marta. 1-800-848-WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Great, great, great sound. Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. If you went to Broadway and saw the Jersey Boys, you just say you couldn't sit down all the standing ovations you gave them. But remember, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, they, uh, well, uh, uh, oh, they in Bloomfield outside of Newark, North Ward, Newark, Bloomfield Avenue. Wild spot, you know, Joe Pesci them. So it's sort of like part gangster, part theater, very synergistic at the time. This is one of the theme songs of Dirty Dancing. But Jerry Orbach played a key role in Dirty Dancing. He was the father of Jennifer Grey. He said, don't you ever, ever get caught with Patrick Swayze again. I forbid you. And actually, like so many children, she violated... Uh, the tenant between uh, father and daughter, and did it anyway. And the question was, did they eventually have sex? Let's go to Doug in Virginia. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Doug. Hello, Curtis. Huge admirer of all of your work since I was since I was very young, and you were a much younger out there. I can barely hear this guy. What are you? What are you? Talking to us in a seashell? I, I could not make out what the hell Doug was Doug was talking about. Let's go to Eric in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Eric. Uh, they had sex during Red Dawn. It's a true question, right? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I kind of remember thinking they did. What the hell? We're not talking Red Dawn here. I know, but that's, I said it's, a true question. it's a true question you're asking. And they had sex during Red Dawn. 
No, but I don't think he was married then. I kind of remember vaguely sorry was that they did. Well, it's do you think do you think on the thirty fifth <laughs> well, anniversary, which is within this month, you should actually <laughs> go back and watch the whole thing again, Eric? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, but but um, well, no, you you know, wait, wait, no, in the movie they did. I thought you meant like uh, you know, outside the cast. You know, no, no, I, I was asking in the movie, no, so the movie you are correct. You're absolutely no, correct. Movie, yeah. You're absolutely <laughs> correct. Apparently, <laughs> there was a, uh, a a older woman who got very upset. Right, the, 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 the jewels and stuff. Yeah, 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 she seeing uh, yeah, yeah, Jennifer yeah. Grey leave the bungalow of Patrick yeah, yeah, Swayze, yeah. and she yeah, cast yeah, yeah, aspersions against both of them. See, now, if... I haven't encouraged you to go back and watch uh, Dirty Dancing. Nothing else will do that. Maybe you ought to watch it with the one you love on St. Valentine's Day. See, it is St. Valentine because in the Roman Catholic Church, uh, there is a St. Valentine. We created that. See, the others, they just pimp off of that. You know, the Orthodox, uh, Christians, uh, you know, RC, real Christians. That's what it stands for, right? Roman Catholics. But let me talk about the mobster choking on his lobster. Let's go to Bob in Bayside and see if you happen to know who's hanging out with Jerry Orbach and his wife, Marta. Hey, Big Curtis, my man. How you doing? I think I got the answer to that question. It was Crazy Joe Gallo. And uh, I think, uh, actually, can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. I think that when he got uh, killed, Gallo, in Umberto's that night, they might have been with him because it was his it was Gallo's birthday, I believe, that night. And Orbach and his wife or some other folks were with uh, Gallo, either at the restaurant or celebrating his day before the restaurant. No, no, no. Actually, actually, Bob, you uh, you couldn't be more hopelessly correct. At the time when Joey Gallo got out of Elmira, he was doing time in Elmira. Believe it or not, he had the New York Times delivered to him at his jail cell in Elmira. And he was the one who engineered uh, the shooting death of Joe Colombo, the head of the Italian-American Civil Rights League. So he was a wanted guy. So Jerry Orbach and his wife Marta would take him to the Great White Way Broadway. And the guy would get up and do uh, book readings at these trendy art galleries and gatherings. It was a really bright guy. And so it is, it was his 43rd birthday. It was in April of 1972. I'll never forget it. They started out at the Copacabana. There was like 40 of them. A lot of the showbiz people from Broadway that were enamored with Joey Gallo because he could he he could cite uh, from plays, from musicals, from movies, from books. Obviously, he had a lot of time to read books when he was up in the stir in Elmira. Imagine he was reading the New York Times. Who the hell got the New York Times delivered to him in Elmira? Did they have a truck driver from the mob-controlled union drive it all the way up there? Remember, this is what in the sixties. And so they go to the Copacabana and they're having a great time. And they say, hey, why don't we go for a nightcap, you know, final meal at Umberto's in Little Italy. So they go down to Umberto's. And they're sitting there, Jerry Orbach, Marta is right next to, uh, is right next to Joey Gallo. And so the Colombo crime family gets wind that he's there. And so they say, we got a perfect opportunity to make up for him turning, at that time, Joe Colombo into a vegetable 
when that black guy who pretended to be an AP photographer shot him, and then the Colombo guy shot him like 10,000 times on the stage at Columbus Circle from the annual Columbus Day gathering of the Italian-American Civil Rights League. Joe Colombo ended up going to Roosevelt Hospital right there and was like on a respirator for like seven years until all of a sudden he went straight to hell without an asbestos suit. So they walk in there, they plug Jerry Orbach, shoot him up like multiple times. And who do you think was hiding under the table when the shots were being fired? Jerry Orbach and his wife, Martha. Uh, they recognized it was not a show. It was the real deal. Oh, and who is his bodyguard who fell asleep while watching the front door? And what was the classic mistake that Joey Gallo made? in choosing a bodyguard to protect him from the other families of organized crime who wanted him dead because he took it within his own hands, the Gallo family, to not only kidnap adversaries, but to actually have Joe Colombo, head of the Italian-American Civil Rights League, head of the Colombo family, whacked in front of 100,000 Italians on Columbus Day. Who was that bodyguard? Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. and um, Pastor Bernard, who will be uh, talking to you uh, in a few hours from 7 to 8 as they do their religious roundtable discussion, the both of them and their guests, followed by John Katsimatidis and his roundtable discussion with the infamous Frank Morano being one of the many who contribute. Oh, I got it. I got it in for Frank Morano at 4.30 when he usually does that scam. You know, you get $1,000 if you answer 10 questions in 60 seconds. Yeah. Uh, All of a sudden, you get bupkis. You get ugats. Because two winners won back-to-back, belly-to-belly. Like just in the Wheel of Fortune, right? You saw that. Three nights in a row, they won the $100,000 jackpot. And who, ladies and gentlemen, in frustration, walked off the stage on national TV, huh? Meantime, Frank Morano had to take out a payday loan to pay off the two winners of the $1,000 prize. And he wasn't praying to God. He was cursing God. Because he never thought any of his Gavon listeners would ever get it on the other side of midnight that you can hear five mornings a week 
from 1 to 5, Monday through Friday. That's 20 hours of Frank. And then you get 11 hours of yours truly, Curtis Lewa, on the weekend edition of The Other Side of Midnight. This edition, the second back-to-back belly-to-belly, as Saturday morning is 1 to 6. And then the super extended version of The Other Side of Midnight from 12 midnight to 6 in the morning. As we are now in Sunday, which is the 43rd anniversary of the Guardian Angels that I started on February 13th of 1979 in now 13 countries and 130 cities with close to 5,000 members. And the reason we're talking about God is as I was thinking the other day, down there in Florida, which is God's country. Remember, they always used to say people go to Florida to get closer to God. Because eventually, they're going to end up ashes to ashes, dust to dust. There are only so many bluebird specials they can have before they die in Florida. That's no longer the case. Everybody's going to Florida. Everybody. At one time, it was the place that you went to die and meet your maker. Whether it was JC, whether it was Hashem, whoever it was. But now let's have a discussion because... I don't understand why God never answers my call. I ran for political office. I ran for the mayoralty of uh, New York City on the Republican line and on the independent line. And I lost to uh, Mayor Eric Adams. I can't tell you how many times that I tried to reach out to God. It didn't matter to me, even though... I'm an AMP Catholic, ashes on Wednesday, palms on Sunday, then you don't see me for a month of Sundays. They call me a lapsed Catholic. I would have accepted that Hashem picked it up. And even though I don't talk Yiddish, uh, I would have listened intently. I want it, I want any God. Nobody. Nobody ever picked up for me. Well, let's go back to the first time I heard that politicians actually had a one-on-one conversation with God. I mean, not that they called up to God, God, I need your help, or that they got down on their hands and knees and prayed to God, or they lit candles, uh, whether it's uh, Shabbat candles on Friday night going into the Sabbath, or they went into a uh, Catholic church and they lit candles, whatever it is. They seem to have a pipeline to God. I don't understand this. And it's not just limited to Republicans, holy rollers, evangelicals, charismatics. No. Democrats, too. Think back. It was Bush 43, not 41. 41 wasn't that religious. Yeah, you knew that. You could tell. But 43, he was a holy roller. He was an evangelical because... He was given a second chance on that same theme earlier today. John Katsimatidis hosted a press conference introducing the world to uh, the new show on Saturdays that debuted earlier to uh, earlier on Saturday. Yours truly, Curtis Lee, with Anthony Weiner, two to four. And he said, I believe in giving second chances, second chances. And obviously here has been the home of the second chance kids. Bill O'Reilly, Sid Rosenberg. Dominic Carter, and now Anthony Weiner. And as I put it in perspective, uh, talking to one of the reporters, I say, you know, we're on, on the cusp a few hours away of the 
what do you call it, the stupid ball, the uh, game, whatever it is that they... I thought this is America for free speech. You can't even call the game for what it... If it was the soccer world championships that I hate, that fake, phony, fraudulent football that you spell with a U, kickball, 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 I could call the World Cup, right? I could call the World Cup. There are no ramifications. What the hell? I can't even call it by its name? This is America? What the hell happened to free speech? But anyway, I digress. There are politicians out there who have had a second chance. Quite a few of them. In fact, let's see if anybody knows out there. There was a young state senator in Springfield, Illinois, called Barack Obama. And he was going to run for the U.S. Senate seat that was available in Illinois, the land of Lincoln. He had just come off a crushing defeat to Bobby Rush, the alderman, excuse me, the uh, congressman representing the west side of Chicago, Gang Central, west side of Chicago. But Bobby Rush had been the former Black Panther chapter leader in Chicago. So he had the street cred. Barack Obama had no street cred. He was, he was, uh, <laughs> he was, uh, he, he could have been called the Howley, the white boy from Hawaii. Uh, he was a um, organizer, community organizer in the south side of Chicago. But you really had to have street cred in West Chicago. I spent time in West Chicago organizing the Guardian Angels. And there you had a slamming jam. That was not Barack Obama. So he went in there against Bobby Rush and he got crushed. Actually, the only time politically that he was humiliated. Uh, For every one vote that uh, Barack Obama got in the Democratic primary to become the new congressperson representing the west side of Chicago, Bobby Rush got two. Crushed him. But Barack Obama went home, spoke with Michelle Obama, and they both agreed that given an opportunity, he would run for higher office when a slot opened up. He was not considered the front runner as the Democratic chosen person to run for the U.S. Senate seat. There was a good-looking guy, white guy, with a really good-looking wife. And they were dominating the political scene because they were going to get all the votes outside of Chicago, even in Joliet, even in uh, other cities of Illinois. It was understood that Barack Obama would probably win the Democratic votes in Chicago, but he wouldn't do well in the other cities of Illinois. Ladies and gentlemen, who was that politician who crashed and burned? I don't know if he was ever given a second opportunity after that. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. That segued into an opportunity for Barack Obama to become the U.S. Senator. And the Republicans who were devastated because this late-breaking news that was disastrous, almost on level uh, the level of uh, Anthony Weiner's, left them little opportunity to get a Republican to run against Barack Obama. So they reached out to Maryland, Maryland, and a very infamous, a.k.a. hardcore African-American Republican conservative, Ended up running against Barack Obama. Naturally, he was called a carpetbagger, and he crashed and burned. And Barack Obama won overwhelmingly that U.S. Senate seat in Illinois. 
Which two guys am I referring to? Hey, answer one of the questions, and you'll get a courtesy of booby price. Don't ask, don't tell. I'm so cheap, I throw nickels around like manhole covers. I will do this. Whatever uh, tchotchke I send you, I will hermetically seal with lots of scotch tape around it. I will go over to the central post office there at Penn Station, and I will mail it to you, COD, cash on delivery. That's right, sucker. I mean, uh, recipient, you pay the freight, not me. This ain't the publisher's clearinghouse of Ed McMahon or Dick Clark. I ain't coming and giving you a million-dollar check certified because if it were my check, it would bounce all the way to the bank before it even got there. All right, see, now, uh, this is a t- they, these are tough trivia questions. Not like what Frank asked, you know, 430. I'll give you $1,000 if you can answer uh, 10 questions in 60 seconds. I call that the moron scam test. And even ask Bernie. Now, those questions sometimes are pretty hard. But I bet you even Bernard McGurk, recovering from stage 4 prostate cancer, he had chemo this past week. Uh, look, I had stage four prostate cancer back in 2012. It's quite the ordeal, but he will recover. He's been doing programs from his home. Great team, uh, Sid Rosenberg and Bernard McGurk in the morning. They lead the ratings. They're the best, not like the rest. But who? Who? Who is the white guy? Who is the pretty boy? He was the marquee. He was, let me help you a little more. Since the, uh, the game is being played in Los Angeles. We know that without a mask, no mask, no mask, no mask, will be pretty boy Governor Newsom. Uh, he'll probably end up taking a selfie with somebody and look pretty stupid in the process. But then again, this guy cannot even chew gum and think at the same time. He's a GQ pretty boy. He had those same kind of movie star looks. Sort of like Ron Duguay, the great... Uh, New York Ranger, who is dating Farrah Fawcett. And the Ranger ownership said, hey, one more piece in page six about you dating Farrah Fawcett or any other Hollywood starlet, and we're trading you. He wouldn't wear a helmet either when the NHL, National Hockey League, said mandatory helmet wearing. This guy had a lion's mane. He wasn't going to be wearing any helmet. Now he's with Sarah Palin as she's... uh, She's taken the New York Times to task, sued them for slander and libel. Looks like a pretty good case to me. I'm familiar with that because I got sued one time for slander and libel by uh, the imam, Siraj Wahaj, an unindicted co-conspirator in the World Trade Center blast of 1992. He was the consigliere to Sheikh Omar Abdelrahman, the blind-eyed, Santa Claus hat-wearing imam of hate who hated the little Satan Israel and the big Satan America and was the inspiration for the first attack on the World Trade Center. This Imam Siraj Wahaj had the culions, the webos, to sue me in state Supreme Court in Brooklyn for $6 million. I don't even have $6, never mind $6 million. And then all of a sudden, the jury was impaneled after many years, many depositions, six Six alternates, three days of testimony right before Columbus Day holiday. And uh, within five minutes of the end of the case in which I had my head pounding on the table, figuring where the hell am I going to get $6 million from? I even had journalists testifying against me. Huh. 
violating their journalistic oath of taking Omerta. No, 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 no. Jury came back in five minutes and said, innocent of all charges, because it was jury nullification. They saw me, Curtis Lee, with guardian angels. They didn't even listen to the testimony. So now you know the rest of the story on that. But this is important. You better believe I was trying to call God then. I, I would have even spoke to Allah. Uh, I mean, if Allah would have taken my call. I mean, hey, one of your guys is suing me. Uh, this hardcore, uh, radical Muslim extremist. Allah, come on, talk some sense into him. Read him some pages of the Quran, right? Nobody, nobody picked up my calls. No gods, not Buddha, not anyone else. And you better believe I was struggling there. Six million, where was I going to get six million dollars? Like Frank Morano, you think I would have taken a payday loan? You think they would give me a six million dollar payday loan? Think I would have hit jackpot, you know, lotto? No. They never take my... Never take my calls. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to the phones. It's Chris in Orange County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Well, it's good to hear from you, Curtis. No, 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 no. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. No, no. You're not hearing from me. I'm hearing from you. You called me. I didn't call you, I, Chris. I did. I did. It's good to hear from you. I, I no, 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 no. Let's straighten this out first. <laughs> You called me, so you're I not did. you're not hearing from me. I'm hearing from you. Let's do reverse osmosis on this, Chris. <laughs> Sounds very good. All right, now, well, Chris, I, guess- I, I understand that you may have an answer to one of the two trivia questions that I asked about then uh, Barack Obama, state senator, running for the U.S. Senate in the land of Lincoln, Illinois. Yes, they have reached out to. Alan Keyes, who is a presidential um, candidate, did two elections. So he failed. So then he was running for a Senate seat in Maryland, in Baltimore. So they reached out to Keyes to run for the Illinois Senate seat to run against Obama because they wanted a Republican black versus a Democrat black. You couldn't be more hopelessly right. You're absolutely uh, Jack Diddley squat correct, Chris. Uh, so that's the answer to one question. The problem is, and I'll give you li- another little hint, another little hint, Chris, and to the rest of you. This guy, GQ, white guy, was going to be the U.S. Senator. Barack Obama and Michelle Obama understood, you know, you run the first time, you establish your trademark, your name, uh, um, reputation across the state of Illinois. You just lost to Bobby Rush, the former Black Panther leader, congressman of the west side of Chicago. But this would have improved your brand. They, they knew they were going to lose. This guy got into a Roger Stone situation. You see, I'm giving you more tidbits, more hints. What caused his candidacy to implode to the point, as Chris had mentioned, in a desperate move, the Republican Party of Illinois, the land of Lincoln. Remember, Lincoln Day dinners, Lincoln, the titular leader of the Republican Party, although nowadays they would say, who's Lincoln? I thought it was Trump. No, it's Abraham Lincoln. What person and his wife did something that so reviled individuals that they were not willing to give him a second chance? And he crashed and burned, enabling 
Barack Obama to become the U.S. Senator of Illinois against Alan Keyes, who was labeled a carpetbagger because he was from Maryland. You see how I'm stringing you all along here, ladies and gentlemen? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, so please, uh, my show, Izzy, give me a little bit, a little bit of that uh, spirit in the sky underneath. Norman Greenbaum, great song. And I'm going to talk about Bush 43. Lower, lower here, Izzy. Izzy, low, 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 okay. Bush 43 was the first uh, political figure I ever knew who uh, said up, uh, openly and publicly that God told me to end the tyranny in Iraq. Well, guess what? God couldn't have been more hopelessly wrong. They're still looking for the weapons of mass destruction, Cheney, the neocons. So let me give you it straight. Bush 43 had claimed he was on a mission from God. When he launched the invasions of not just Afghanistan, that was a good invasion, but Iraq, which was still paying the price right now. In fact, at the time, he was in a spiritual mode because he was in my favorite place in Israel, a lot, right down on the Red Sea, where Moses had brought the lost tribe of Israel through the Red Sea as the Pharaoh, Yul Brenner, was... Yul Brenner? That wasn't a pharaoh. That was a movie, right? That's right. Yul Brenner played the pharaoh. Uh, Charles Heston. Charlton. Charles, Charles Heston. Charles Heston. Heston. Remember, uh, he was Moses. And he led the Jews from Egypt eventually into the promised land. And then all of a sudden, when Yul Brenner was on his chariot chasing the Jews, chasing Charlton Heston, Moses. The waters just collapsed on the Egyptian troops. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen? Well, that's where Bush 43 was. And next door in uh, Aqaba in uh, Jordan was the secondary residence of the prime minister of the U.K., Tony Blair, who had worked side-by-side with uh, Bush 43 to sell the idea that we needed to go to war against Saddam Hussein because of the yellow cake. Remember the Niger yellow cake? In fact, Tony Blair came over to the House and gave a speech in which many Americans said, God, if only he were our president. Oh, he's so lucid. He's so charismatic. He was able to mesmerize the American public and sell the Iraq war to the American public in a way that Bush 43 was not able to. So Bush 43 was there, and then they all went over to Sharm el-Sheikh. Sharm el-Sheikh, which is Egypt, right next to Elat, where the cheaper hotels are. They're still top-shelf top five-star hotels, but it's cheaper to stay in Sharm el-Sheikh than it is Elat. That's expensive. Or even in Aqaba in Jordan. And you're right there in the Red Sea, and you can see the tip of Saudi Arabia in the distance. So apparently, Bush 43. Remember, a recovered alcoholic, a recovered <laughs> cocaine user. Something like had the life of Sid Rosenberg. Remember, owned the Texas Rangers there. And uh, the only thing he ever did was trade away Sammy Slammin' Sammy Sosa from the Texas Rangers to the Chicago Cubs. And now you know the rest of the story. He was a horrible owner. He was doing coke. 
He was drinking. He was a booze hound. And then he found God. He became an evangelical. The second evangelical to become a president of the United States. Who was the first evangelical to become president of the United States, ladies and gentlemen? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So he's down on his hands and knees. He's praying to God. For some reason, God decided to talk to Bush 43. Not Bush 41. Bush 41 shot down twice over the Pacific by the Japanese zero planes. Twice he survived. Never once heard Bush 41 say, yeah, yeah, I had a conversation uh, with Jesus at that point so the sharks wouldn't use me for shark bait, right? He survived all of that. Bush 41 never, ever, ever said that God, Jesus, talked to him. Didn't talk to Jeb Bush. In fact, nobody did. What a schlub he turned out to be. But somehow, somehow, God determined he would speak to Bush 43 as he stood there in Sharm El Sheikh. Tony Blair to one side. But not the Prime Minister of Israel. Because remember, Jesus wasn't going to be speaking to him. That would have had to be Hashem. So Jesus said, he's a Jew. I died a Jew right on the cross, but I ain't going to talk to him. He spoke only, only to the two Protestants in the room. Bush 43, who like Hillary, yes, like Hillary was a Methodist. But what was Tony Blair's religion, huh? 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 What was Tony Blair's religion? How many of you Weisenheimers out there know that? And you believe in religiosity. You re- believe in resurrection. You believe in rebirth and second opportunity, which is part of the Christian faith. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And this is what Bush 43 said. I feel God's words coming to me. Go get the Palestinians, their state, and get the Israelis, their security, and get peace in the Middle East. Bush 43. You think Jesus called him Bush 43 like I do? Well, what do you think he called him? Incredible. He told that story a few times. Now, you know, when he told that story a few times, people had to be nodding their heads to one another saying, hey, is Bush 43 back on the juice? Is he drinking the whiskey again, doing cocaine? Our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And in the midst, in the midst of my mayoral campaign against Eric Adams, the deck stacked against me, I thought I had a friend in Jesus, right? Just like the song says by Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky. I thought I had a friend in Jesus. But Jesus wasn't going to listen to me because I was a sinner and I hadn't repented. Either that or I hadn't paid my phone bill to heaven. Maybe my only connection on my Verizon was to hell. It was kind of hot. That phone was kind of hot. Maybe purgatory. No limbo. That's right. The Roman Catholic Church eliminated limbo, which was where all the unbaptized babies would go. And then all of a sudden, one day, in the Baltimore Catechism, no more limbo and eventually no more Rush Limbaugh. I don't 
understand, ladies and gentlemen, I beg you, I beseech you, you holy rollers out there, you evangelicals, you charismatics, those of you who dance with poisonous snakes around your neck with no shoes on, hillbillies in Clintonland and Arkansas and the Ozarks, and you defy the snakes to bite you. One bite. And that venom, and you be dead on arrival, and yet you have faith in Jesus that you will survive. Why is it that Jesus never took my calls? Why is it that I got crushed? Jesus did not reach his hand down and answer me or help me. Or did he? Or did Bush 43 just make this stuff up? I mean, sounds to me like he made it up. I mean, the guy had a drug problem. The guy had an alcohol problem. You know, he was probably at one time in his life seeing pink elephants. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Coming up next, the other man who had a personal conversation <laughs> with Jesus. Huh, why, why not me? Ted Cruz! Oh, Ted Cruz had a one-on-one personal conversation. How much do you think you paid for that when you have a private line to Jesus, huh? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Ed in Babylon. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Eddie. Curtis, you are our mayor. I don't care what the hell they say. Uh, I want to back you up because a good friend of mine, Judy, trained me in nuclear medicine. Then she was to date a guy named Jimmy who went to school with Bush and said he was the biggest cokehead and partier he ever knew. And Bush acknowledged that. Bush 43 did acknowledge it. He didn't hide it. He said he was a bad, bad boy. Okay, okay. And then, remember, got married. His wife helped him find his path back. And God gave him a second chance. In fact, his own daddy, who had lost all faith in him, and his mother, Barbara Bush, and a mother never lose faith in their bad boy son. She was beginning to lose faith. And then he discovered God. And he as a result, been. he became president because he had conversations with Jesus. Jesus. Don Imus could have been president. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the Reverend who? Who I, was he? That's right. I, Listen, I, I, did Bush hang out with Hunter Biden? <laughs> uh No. No. I'm afraid Hunter Biden might find Jesus, and he's going to be president, <laughs> That's <too>. true. <laughs> uh, beaming himself up to Scotty, smoking rocks of crack cocaine, and we see the video. Oh. I'll bet you at times he had conversations with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. I don't understand. I don't understand. I tried to, to live a good life, right? I, I tried to do good things for the homeless, the emotionally disturbed, the poor, the destitute. I'm no Mother Teresa, but, you know, I, I tried at times to be. Why wouldn't God answer my call? He seems to answer all these other guys' calls. Well, Steven Seagal said in a movie, he said, God has a good sense of humor. <laughs> He'll bust your chop. <laughs> oh, wait. Wait till you hear this next one involving Ted Cruz, his father, and Ted Cruz's wife, who is a graduate of Goldmine Sachs. You know, cash money rules the world. Wu Tang Clan, 36 chambers of death. You know, in God we trust. Apparently, she was speaking in tongues. You're not going to want to miss this. You're not going to want to miss this.
His father was with Lee Harvey Oswald prior to Oswald's being, uh, you know, shot. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. What, what, what is this right prior to his being shot? And nobody even brings it up. I mean, they don't even talk about that. That was reported, uh, and nobody talks about it. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. would have dedicated a song to Jesus Christ saying, Jesus is all right with me. And actually, it was a top 40 hit. The hedonists, the frog kisses, the tree huggers, the atheists, the agnostics, they love to boogie down to this song. Even the holy rollers who believe that rock and roll, though, was a curse. Against God's will. Remember when Elvis came out and started gyrating his pelvis on the stage of Ed Sullivan? And they wouldn't show the pelvis moving because holy rollers across the nation, both white and black, on both sides of the AM dial. That's right. You get a, a dollar for a holler on either side of the AM dial back then would say, This is a sin against God, Ed Sullivan. So I will tell you the story of Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz apparently had a conversation with God, Jesus, in a different way. Let me hear this melody. Oh, so good, so good, yeah. Mm, sing it, sing it. He was friends with the Doobie Brothers. Magic. Friends with rock and rollers. Yeah, you're chasing skirts, you're drinking, you're doing drugs. But the Doobie Brothers will tell you they had conversations with Jesus when they wrote this song. Not that they were doing peyote. Not that they were doing LSD. But they had conversations with Jesus. Why won't Jesus talk to me? Why won't Hashem talk to me? Hey, look. I don't care if it's Buddha. And I got to learn Cantonese or Mandarin. But let me tell you the story of Ted Cruz's dad. Who said... That his son ran for president after God sent him a sign through his wife, Heidi, who was speaking in tongues. Think I could get my wife, uh, Nancy, to speak in tongues? Maybe God doesn't want to talk to me directly. Maybe he'd rather speak 
through Nancy and the 16 rescue cats that we have in our 328-square-foot apartment on the Upper West Side. You know, like St. Francis of Assisi. But anyway, let me explain to you what happened. Ted's uh, father. By the way, uh, can I play, uh, can you play that Donald Trump uh, cut again? Because remember, it was the Indiana primary. Ted Cruz was already running. It was neck and neck with uh, Donald Trump. And the Who's Your Primary, in which uh, Pence was helping Donald Trump. That's one of the reasons he became his vice presidential candidate. And not Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie. But on the morning of that Indiana primary, I'll never forget. Then, citizen, Donald Trump was all over the radio blaspheming Ted Cruz's dad, Rafael Cruz, who was a holy roller at that time. His father was with Lee Harvey Oswald prior to Oswald being, uh, you know, shot. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. What, what, what is this right prior to his being shot? And nobody even brings it up. I mean, they don't even talk about that. That was reported, uh, and nobody talks about it. And the National Enquirer. So here's, here's the backstory. Rafael Cruz, the born-again pastor who traveled the country, was saying that his son's decision-making process came about after a lot of soul-searching. In watching his wife speak in tongues, now his wife Heidi, I, I one time introduced her uh, at a gathering of the Queen's GOP when Bob Turner, the former congressman, was in charge. What a disgraciado, what they did to him, the Ides of March. Eric Ulrich, that Utreditor, that Judas, and some of the other Republicans invited him to a meeting, and they basically stabbed him politically and removed him as chairman. Bob Turner. Bob Turner, who won the Anthony Weiner seat, remember? Weiner quits. They get this guy, Weprin, uh, David Weprin, who couldn't chew gum and think at the same time. And then, remember, Ed Koch came out and supported Bob Turner, the Republican, and Bob Turner won that. And then he becomes chairman of the GOP. He's doing a great job. And Eric Ulrich, who now works for Eric Adams, at Otraditor, arranged a meeting in which Bob Turner was invited in, just like the Ides of March are upon you. And all of a sudden, Brutus and the rest, <laughs> the Haggerty brothers, they started stabbing him. And he bled out. He was no longer the chairman. A coup d'etat. Uh, but at that gathering, which was on that restaurant that is in Flushing Meadow Park, the one that's high in the sky. I forgot the name of it. And I introduced Heidi to the crowd. Heidi, very pleasant, was telling about her uh, having spent time living in New York City because she was uh, one of the top vice presidents of Goldmine Sachs. So she knew in God we trust, that's for sure. But her her father-in-law, Rafael Cruz, said that during a Sunday prayer session at a Texas church, it was actually the first Baptist church in Houston, that they gathered in the pastor's office after the two-hour uh, presentation. And that Raphael, the father of Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz and his wife, Heidi, were on their knees for two hours. Now, 
you know, at least in the Roman Catholic Church, we have the knee rest. You know, you pull the knee rest out. So if you have knotted knees or knee pain, it's not going to, it's not excruciating pain. But I know the Protestants. I know the Baptists. Ain't no place to kneel down except right on the ground. Can you imagine all three of them are kneeling on the ground for two hours straight? They're in a prayer session. And then all of a sudden, they turn and they see Heidi speaking in tongues. She was saying, it is God's will. It is God's hand on you my husband, Ted. They described it as if it was a cloud of the Holy Spirit filling that place. And then some of the congregants who happened to be in the pastor's uh, office were weeping. And Ted Cruz just looked up at his wife and said, Lord, here I am, use me. I surrender to you, whatever you want. And he felt that there was a green light that moved him forward. And then his wife, Heidi, started speaking in tongues. Sort of like that guy was earlier in the last hour, remember? Danny the Danny the K in the swinging soiree. Nobody ever answered what the hell Danny the K in the swinging soiree was saying there. Do we really believe that? That God, in this case, being a Baptist at the First Baptist Church in Houston, was talking through Heidi, who was speaking in tongues. I'm telling you, if you were on your hands and knees, not hands and knees, but your knees for two straight hours on the concrete floor, uh, I think I'd be speaking in tongues too. And that Ted Cruz was then motivated to run for president. Any Anybody out there know that? I, and me, I try to talk to God, you know, try to use, I had Verizon there, I had... Uh, Sprint Mobile. I had the Motorola burn phones, burner phones, remember? Uh, I'll tell you about that some other time. One month, you just toss the burner phones. Why? Why won't Jesus talk to me, Maria? Maria in the Bronx. Why will Jesus not talk to me, Maria? Because you have to expose the fact that when the NYPD special victims saw it. See, that's Mr. Dobbs Ferry. He's going to kick in how, you know, Janine Pirro, he's going to go through that whole routine. In a few hours, Janine Pirro is on just Janine Pirro, 11 o'clock, 11 or 12, right after Michael Budicic, Rudy Giuliani, and Dr. Maria. See, that, that was his attempt to fake his voice to be a Maria in the Bronx. And now, wait, wait now, I need I need a little bit more of the spirit in the sky. Keep it low, Izzy, maestro, keep it low, because it's not just Republicans, it's not just conservatives, it's not just evangelicals and charismatics. I couldn't believe what I heard the other day. I was down in Florida, and I was uh, scanning through the presentations that were being made by our new mayor, Eric Adams, that... I was in quite a struggle with for many months to become the next mayor of the city of New York. And Eric Adams was uh, hosting an interfaith breakfast at the New York Public Library on 5th Avenue and 42nd Street. You know, with the big lions in front. And all of a sudden, he got in front of these holy rollers. And I mean, uh, they were Muslim clerics. They were rabbis. They were pastors. They were priests. 
It didn't matter who they were. They were Orthodox Christians. They had the Greek Orthodox, the Romanian Orthodox, the Serbian Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox. They had all the Orthodox there. And even a few Hasidim to boot who were already doing the Kabbalah. You know, the Madonna Kabbalah. They were already into mysticism. So Eric Adams gets up there, and I don't know what it is about politicians, whether it was Al Gore, whether it was Eric Adams. You can be black, you can be white, and then all of a sudden you want to act like you're a pastor, right? You got no religiosity whatsoever, but you got to talk like a pastor. And that's where he came up with that phrase, Eric is perfectly imperfect. I am perfectly imperfect in the eyes of God. And he said in a very impassioned speech before these holy rollers that he, Eric Adams, notice he never says, I, me. He's always saying Eric in third person. That's very strange. He said, Eric always believed that one day Eric would lead New York City. When I was a state senator, when I was Brooklyn Borough president, I knew that Eric would become the mayor of the city of New York. Now, why not just say, I knew I would become the mayor of the city of New York. Why does he refer to Eric in the third person? Trump does that, too. Donald Trump does that often, too. You know, he'll use that third person qualification, Trump. He said, I never doubted it for one moment. Now, this was the kicker. God told me, Eric, you're going to be mayor. He never said that during the campaign, right? Because some people would have said, hey, time for a psychiatric observation, Eric. You know, you think God talks to you? You know, I run into emotionally disturbed persons every day. I tend to their needs. I have personal relationships with them. Think of the last two people that referred to God as they were walking the perp walk. Who were the two infamous people recently who said that God was talking to them after they committed heinous acts, the worst that you could commit as a human being. Let's see if anybody out there is awake, alive, kicking, and can connect the dots. Because I don't believe Eric Adams. I didn't believe Ted Cruz. I didn't believe uh, Bush 43. They're full of bull feathers. God ain't talking directly to them. He don't have one-way conversations with some people. You would think he'd have a conversation with all people, right? It's called a gospel if you're a Christian. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Peter in Bay Ridge. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Peter. Uh, Why does God not talk to me, Peter? Okay, um, I would say... Uh, you have been touched by the hand of God, by Jesus. Uh, you're an American hero uh, for your fans like me and, and countless others. The fact that you didn't win the mayoral race was uh, was very disappointing. But you've survived an assassination attempt by the mafia. You founded the Guardian Angels. I mean, uh, gee whiz, you, you are proof that there is a God. I'll hang up and listen, but that's my... No, 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 you don't, have to, you don't have to hang up. There was a, those were very kind words of yours. They've sort of reconnected me with my soul because at times I'm quite soulless. You're absolutely right. You know, uh, 
I'm in the Black Belt Hall of Fame, uh, Black Belt Magazine, because they said you survived that assassination attempt of getting shot five times with hollow point bullets on the orders of John Gotti Sr. to John Gotti Jr. Uh, The Carrazzo's engineered it, and Michael Iannotti uh, aerated my lower extremities. So, obviously, it wasn't my skills that enabled me to survive. Clearly, God was looking out for me because I could have easily been a speed bump, easily bled out, easily uh, been in the hereafter. So there is something to that thought process, Peter. But a direct conversation with God, I deal with emotionally people who tell me that they talk to God. How is it that Bush 43 claims he did, Ted Cruz's wife was speaking in tongues, and Eric Adams, the most recent, said, Eric... You're going to be mayor. God told me that. Right. Maybe God didn't, and they didn't talk to him like the way you're saying. Uh, uh-huh. But that doesn't change your story. Hmm. And that doesn't, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say, uh, I would say more than likely God did not speak to them. Um, uh, and, and listen, I hope you run again. But the bottom line is, I look at the, like, like Rudolph Giuliani should have been president for crying out loud. You look at the guys we got, and sometimes the people just choose the wrong guy. That's true, and God lets you make choice. You have free choice. He doesn't guide you. He gives you the opportunity of, of being in that fork in the road. You can either go one way or the other way. It's your choice, pal. Right. Just like now, we chose Biden, and that was a bad choice. You could do a job ten times better. Than he's doing now. Oh, even when he's right, he's wrong. That reminds me, the man who claims he's the Biden of Brooklyn is Eric Adams. Huh. Well, that's that's not a good thing. You would think, right? You would think. <laughs> Get me back on track here, my show. I need to feel. I need to feel God. I need to be. Nobody has come up with the two most recent perps, who during the Pete perp walk was screaming at the media. And those that wanted to hang them from the nearest telephone pole as they were being let out of the precinct. One out of the 25th precinct on 119th Street between Lexington Avenue and Park Avenue in the shadow of Metro North. Don't you remember what he did? And then he said God told him to do it. And don't you remember uh, soon after that back to back, belly to belly? A guy, actually, I had talked to on two occasions, two occasions, emotionally disturbed guy there on the um, the shuttle, going from Grand Central to Times Square where he would hang out. The guy who pushed the 40-year-old Asian woman into the uh, tracks before that speeding uh, number one train. Remember when he was on his perp walk, he said, God told me to do it. Remember that? So if these crazy people, these psychotic killers, are claiming that God talked to them and told them to kill people, the guy who killed that helpless 19-year-old cashier at Burger King, who recently was brought back to a native Commonwealth island of Puerto Rico to be buried, he said God had spoken to him. And the uh, emotionally disturbed guy who pushed a 40-year-old Asian woman into the oncoming number one uh, train and in his purport said God told him to do it. Would God also talk to Bush 43, Ted Cruz, through his wife Heidi, speaking in tongues? 
and to uh, our new mayor, Eric Adams, who decided to play the holy roller part. Just this past uh, a Friday ago at the Interfaith Breakfast at the New York Public Library, you know, with the two lions there, on Fifth Avenue and 42nd, in which she said to everyone, Eric is perfectly imperfect. What the hell does that mean? And then, as the Muslim imams sat in their table, as Rabbi Joe Potasnik and all the Jewish Talmudic Torah scholars sat there, the Hasidic, the ultra-Orthodox, as uh, Reverend Bernard and the other uh, black pastors sat at their own table, and then all the white holy roller pastors of the Protestant faith sat at their table, and then the Roman Catholic, Cardinal himself, Dolan, led by the bishops, sat at their table, you know, with their red skull caps. Eric Adams said, I never doubted for one moment that I'd be mayor because God told me, Eric, you're going to be mayor. You would have thought that any one of them would say, Eric, which God? Was it our God? Was it Allah? Was it Hashem? Was it JC? Why is it? Why is it nobody, nobody whose God ends up talking to me? Anyway, let's go to uh, Jimmy, who's calling from Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jimmy. Yeah, I care. This is the, the two people you uh, want to identify uh, that use that terminology. Was it the guy that shoved the lady on the subway tracks in Times Square that killed a 40-year-old woman and the guy that uh, shot the uh, young uh, worker at Burger King in Harlem? Yes. And I want to applaud you, Jimmy, because you did, as our phone screener told you to do, Camelia, who told you to lower your phone so that when you got on, uh, you would not have the reverb in the background. So actually, Jimmy never heard me say that. You were coming forward for the first time to say that, Jimmy, correct? That's correct. Wow. You you deserve a Curtis Sleeve booby prize. It's don't ask, don't tell. I'm so cheap I throw nickels around like manhole covers. Is there any particular tchotchke you would like, Jimmy? And by the way, what part of Yonkers do you live in? Is that Nodine Hill? Is that Schlobeim? Is that Getty Square? Where do you live? No, I'm living in a place called Ludlow Park. Yeah, I know Ludlow Park. Yeah. By the river. Very nice area. Yes. And were you born and raised in Yonkers? No. Uh, Where were you born and raised? West Virginia. What? the hell brought you up from West Virginia to Yonkers? Uh, I had family here <clears throat> when I graduated high school. I had family here. And, uh, of course, I migrated here, too. Like the play said, did you ever get lost in Yonkers and all those hills, those winding hills? Not really, because I don't, I don't go in hills much. There's, there's more hills in West Virginia than Yonkers will ever see. <laughs> That's true. I hadn't even thought of that. Jimmy nailed it, though. Jimmy played by the rules. He didn't cheat. Like some of you cheat. You're on hold. You got the radio up. Then the moment I pick up your call, I get the reverb because the show is in delay and it's bouncing all over the world. Jimmy, listen to Camellia, our phone screener. 
and played the rules the way it's supposed to be played. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Every time you come around, you know I can't say no. Every time the sun goes down, I let you take control. songs that I and my wife Nancy listen to on a regular basis. My preference is electronic dance music. This is our favorite. It's a great video. You really you get an opportunity just to look at it on YouTube. It says so many things in the visuals that are projected in that video. And the words here are so poignant to so many things. That have affected us in the life of the resurrection of WABC. I've talked about it many, many times because, as you know, I've been in broadcast uh, radio, talk radio, news talk radio for 31 years, approaching 32. Most of it here at WABC. Brief departures to WNYC. Believe it or not, the NPR station, not my place to be. Put there by my kumbadi chief, Rudy Giuliani, when he became mayor because... He wanted to showcase the tower, which eventually he got a buyer for. And guess what? The radio and TV tower at WNYC, owned by our government, was purchased by Rupert Murdoch. And that became the TV signal for Fox News Channel. Now, did I have anything to do with that, helping to showcase the radio tower? Probably not. But it was at exactly the same time. I knew the plans of the newly elected person who gave our city a badly needed colonic and took us from the murder capital of America, the crime capital of America, to the safest city, big city in America, in eight years. Michael Badajaj, Rudy Giuliani, still waiting for the phone call from Eric Adams, who said, I'll talk to anybody who can help us in this crisis. Why wouldn't you go to the man who had the master plan, who created the template, and I've been elected? I would have said, you know what my plan is? The Rudy Giuliani plan. Why do you want to reinvent the wheel? It worked. It worked. But earlier today, history was made here at WABC. 
Our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, uh, believes uh, that you give people a second chance. Those that, as Ed Sheeran sings in that song, have had bad habits. The most prominent was Bill O'Reilly. His ratings are number one here at WABC. As you know, he, he actually has three broadcasts each day, Monday through Fridays. In the 7 o'clock hour, uh, he has like a seven-minute spiel he does every morning for the boys, uh, for Bernard McGurk uh, and Sid Rosenberg. Bernard should be returning with Sid. He had some chemotherapy last week. Uh, It seems like it went well. He'll give you an update on Monday morning. And so Bill O'Reilly does that, uh, his own update in the morning in the 7 o'clock hour, and then joins the boys once a week for a full interview. Then every day at 12, uh, you get a 15-minute edition like Paul Harvey used to have. The 15-minute edition uh, when WABC was riding high, when you had Rush Limbaugh at 12, 12 to 3, and then the King of Talk Radio, Bob Grant, didn't get any better than that from 3 to 7. You actually had former Ed Koch come on at 11. He would do 45 minutes, and then it would be followed by Paul Harvey for 15 minutes, his national uh, presentation. I mean, that that uh, that trifecta of Koch to Rush Limbaugh to the King of Talk Radio, Bob Grant, with the 15 minutes of Paul Harvey there was outstanding radio. And guess who actually for a full year had the best ratings? Ed Koch. Ed Koch had the best ratings. But in this particular case... I've told you so many times, I can't tell it enough. We were on the scrap heap. Cumulus, the second largest conglomerate, owners of radio stations throughout America, second only to iHeart, had already taken the iconic call letters of WPLJ, put them into the scrap heap. No more WPLJ. And then they had eyes to disassemble WABC. If not make the AM Tower and Lodi go dark, they would have turned us and sold us to a foreign language conglomerate where we would have had to either have spoken Mandarin, Cantonese, Hindi, Yiddish, whatever language uh, station wanted to buy a Spanish, didn't matter. It was doomed. And then John Katsimatidis and Red Apple Media swept in and saved WABC. And what a hot mess he discovered. This was not a good station at that time. Half the time there would be infomercials, which were boring. Half the programs on the air were horrible talk-related programs. A lot of the nationally syndicated stuff was garbage. And he slowly but surely put together his leadership team, our capo di tutti, uh, Chad Lopez, who was our general manager, and a whole cadre of others. And now we're the number one news talk station in the nation again. With a lineup that just doesn't stop. It just keeps expanding. With all the social networking we do. We've got the app. If you download the WABC app, it's free. You could be in Kabul in Afghanistan. You can be in Buenos Aires doing the last tangle. And you can hear it crystal clear on your laptop, on the stream, on your computer, the stream. Crystal clear anywhere in the world. And then naturally you have the uh, 
old tried and true terrestrial radio, which I listen to it on. Well, you can listen to it right on your iPhone, your smartphone. You have so many options to get WABC. And if you miss any of the programs, you go right to the podcast at WABCradio.com. Not just the podcast of the repeat of the live programs of the day or the weekends or the nights or the overnights, the other side of midnight by Frank Morano and the two I do on the weekends. But so many new podcasts, like the one that I do with my oldest son, Anthony, father and son, Curtis and Anthony, you don't want to miss it. We've got seven episodes in the can, and there's so many others, and it's growing in scope. And then we have the brand-new TV network. That's right. John Katsimatidis and his wife, Margot have created a TV network, WABCradio.tv. And it aired the debut performance today. The return of Anthony Weiner from the ashes. Well, you talk about somebody who had crashed and burned. O'Reilly had crashed and burned. Sid Rosenberg had crashed and burned many times. Dominic Carter had crashed and burned. And John Katsimatidis, very much uh, like the owner and operator for years, of the Oakland Raiders, Al Davis, who had graduated from Erasmus High School. The football field is named in his honor. Brooklyn guy. When he became the leader of the AFL, American Football League, against the NFL, which, believe it or not, was considered a monopoly. You couldn't compete against him. Years later, Trump and the USFL sued to break the monopoly. They won the case, but they only got a dollar which basically bankrupted bankrupted their league. Remember, that's where Herschel Walker played for the New Jersey Generals. Flutie, you can go right through the the lineage. But Al Davis, he never folded like a cheap camera. And in fact, he said, send me your tired, send me your poor, send me your disgraziata, send me those who have a shanda, send me the football players who maybe at the peak of their performance had domestic issues, drug issues, alcohol issues, ended up going to jail. Send them to me, and I'll uh, I'll recycle them into the black and the silver. And his strategy being out of 10 guys that I would recycle and put them back on the gridiron, if five of them succeeded, I would qualify for, well, that's right, I can't call it, the stupid bowl, the uh, the game, whatever it is, eh, nonsense. This is America, first American rights and free speech. You mean to tell me the NFL is going to sue us if I use the term for what everybody's going to be watching tomorrow? How ridiculous is that? But that being said, John Katzmatidis is the Alan Davis of radio. It's one of the last family-owned operation, and it's growing in scope. It's a global network. At night, heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, parts of Europe, and even sailors going down to Davy Jones's locker and the Bermuda Triangle between Bermuda and the Bahamas, where Cousin Brucey, Ed Morrow, did his first broadcast. Not in Brooklyn, not in New York, not in America, but in the Bahamas. Uh, they have been quoted as saying the last program they listened to before they ended up going down and swimming with the fishes was Frank Morano, the other side of midnight. So, Anthony Weiner was brought back. A lot of people don't realize before he crashed and burned the last time, the front page cover of the New York Post, it was all over then. He actually had been on for two weeks with me in the mornings. He was substituting for Ron Kuby, uh, who was away on vacation, who was my partner at the time. 
I don't think it was the mornings. In fact, it was uh, when we were on the, in the afternoons from uh, 12 to 3. So he was substituting, and he did a very good job in the two weeks. First of all, Anthony Weiner, like Governor David Patterson, who's my husband-in-law, that's right, take my wife, take my wife. He did. He's now married uh, to one of my wives that was Mary, uh, and he is the, uh, he is the, uh, hmm. He is the man who has really helped my older son, Anthony, as his, uh, I guess you call him stepfather. Done a great job. I want to compliment him. And he's a contributor here in the Cats Roundtable discussions. Uh, But he had been my partner at AM 970. Biggest mistake I ever made was spending four years over there. Almost nobody could hear me doing morning drive and then afternoon drive with Governor David Patterson. And the reason that Governor David Patterson turned out to be a good talk show host is he listened to talk radio and sports talk radio going up because he is sight-challenged. And then when given the opportunity to host the show, he actually hosted Afternoon Drive at WOR, Women's Only Radio. With Anthony Weiner, he had substituted for Ron Kuby for two straight weeks. He did an outstanding job. He knows talk radio because he listened to it growing up. He listened to sports talk radio And once you know the rhythm and the rhyme of talk radio, if you decide to humble yourself, you could become a good talk talk show host. He was good in those two weeks, but he completely crashed and burned. And everybody said he's a pariah. Don't go anywhere near him. We figured that was the end of Anthony Weiner. So today was brought back. We had a press conference uh, here in our TV studios. uh, And John Katsimatidis explained why he was bringing uh, Anthony Weiner back into the fold, how he wants to give everybody a second chance. He wants to give Anthony Weiner a second chance. And we had our debut show after many, many years of being away. Anthony Weiner told many of the stories uh, of uh, what uh, he uh, had to be subjected to because of his own personal failings. Not only his own personal failings, but the really bad choices that he made in his life. Remember, here's the guy who could have been mayor. He would have been mayor. This guy was ahead in the polls against Michael Bloomberg when he wanted to steal a third term. Remember, he was Mr. Term Limits, Michael Bloomberg. And then he decided to bribe his way into a third term by bribing the city council members by convincing them they could have an extra term also. I remember. I watched that. And in the meantime, on the Democratic side... Anthony Weiner was saying, no, 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 that's wrong. And he was running for the Democratic uh, primary to be the Democrat to compete against a billionaire who would end up spending $100 million in that campaign and barely beating Billy Thompson, who had no money, who was being attacked viciously by Team Bloomberg for his personal situation. He had some problems with his wife at that time. And halfway through the night on election night, Billy Thompson was ahead. If that had been Anthony Weider, if he hadn't dropped out, he would have been the mayor. He would have wiped the clock on Michael Bloomberg. So I want you to listen to a little bit of what the show was like earlier today from 2 to 4. It'll be on every Saturday from 2 to 4. You can catch it on the podcast if you hadn't listened to it during the day. But here's Anthony Weiner talking about how the federal prison that he went to in many ways was like a community. Sixteen. Sixteen. Ah, we're having a little bit of a frozen issue here. 
let's see if you can uncouple that. They've heard about the process. They've had family members involved in the process. I can't imagine you ever in your life thought you'd be in a federal lockup and then in a halfway house. That's for sure. Um, I look here are a couple of my my takeaways. You know, one is that prison is a community like any other in many ways, and that you find people there that you're like, wow, this person's pretty impressive. I, how did they get to this spot? You find people like, I totally get why they're in prison. You know, I can see it. Um, but a general takeaway is, is guys are sentenced for that, that are just way longer than necessary to do the trick. You know, guys that are in there for 10 years for growing marijuana on their farm, they could have been fine getting a four or five year sentence and we all would have been better off. They would have been better off. Taxpayer would have been better off. Um, we do have this sensibility that, you know, being tough on crime in the 1980s, the 1990s meant throw away the key. And when you start to see the real human beings that are being impacted and you also start to see that it reaches a point, you know, my, my cellmate, um, 60-something-year-old guy, uh, drug dealer from California, he's got a 30-year bid, you know, not he now he's 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 not a criminal now there's zero risk if he had a 20 year sentence or a 15 year and he went on anthony weiner and the show will be doing every saturday from two to four in the afternoons to talk about what the reality of prison is like remember he did 15 months in a federal slammer up in massachusetts so i found a way to kind of fall in with these communities to try to be of service anywhere that i could um but there was nothing like the lights going out at night there's nothing like being limited to 15 minutes to speak on the phone to your six-year-old son. Um, and there's nothing like the desperation that you see in a place like that of guys who didn't go for 21 months, and I wound up serving 15 months and eight days inside and then the halfway house. You see people whose their lives are effectively over. And when you get to spend some time with them and you start to think, well, what, you know, I don't believe the victims are getting any healthier or better served by this guy being here this long. I don't. I know that we're spending a bunch of money to keep this guy not only there but alive because he's kind of going to be sick pretty soon. And I just saw an enormous amount of waste of human human capacity. Like it's it's it's, and I think that ultimately it is a place the Republicans and Democrats have come to closer than they've ever been. And then he commented on how the public reacts to him since uh, he has been a pariah for so long when self destructing. And giving an opportunity to come back after he resigned from Congress, he uh, ran for mayor in a Democratic primary that included uh, Bill de Blasio. And upon his announcement, he was rated number one, according to the polls, and then self-destructed again and then self-destructed a third time. Right after that two weeks of substituting for Ron Kuby with me, that uh, complete implosion took place just about 72 hours later. And he talks about how the public react. And one of the things that I realized going through all of this is that no matter how bad things got for me, I could sit down and write a gratitude list that was way longer than the guys that I saw in prison, way longer than a lot of people that I saw on subway trains and bus stops. And also, in addition to people sometimes yelling, hey, Carlos Danger, give me a selfie, were a lot of people who were coming up to me and saying, hey, you know, my son-in-law did this or I had this problem or my friend is incarcerated now in that same place that you were, you know. People came to kind of see me as a reflection sometimes of what they 
felt, you know, when you live a life in public saying, come take a look at me, here's what I have to say, come vote for me, I'm me, 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 we sometimes forget, and you probably experienced this on the campaign trail, people imbue a lot of their hopes and aspirations in what you're trying to do, and they just don't let go of that because you had a rough patch. And in fact, today there was an article in the New York Post based on our broadcast from two to four Saturdays. Uh, we'll be on every afternoon, two to four on Saturdays, that the uh, official document had been signed, sealed, and delivered uh, between him and his wife, Huma, and so they're now officially divorced. Uh, and they uh, share the custody of their 10-year-old son. So there it was. John Katsimatidis, a guy who gives everybody a second chance, was saying, I'm putting it all on the line for Anthony Weiner. Was this the right thing to do? Or as some of you have uh, rejectedly said, it was the wrong thing to do. 1-800-848-9222. And if you had a chance to listen to our first uh, program for two hours, what responses, what reactions did you have to what Anthony Weiner had to say? First time that he has been heard publicly in a month of Sundays, 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Well, let's go back uh, to, well, God. God, talking to me also. I'm obsessed with this. As to why God will not take my phone calls. God won't have a conversation with me. God has had a conversation with Bush 43. That's that's on the record. With Ted Cruz, through his wife, Heidi, who was speaking in tongues. And the most recent, Eric Adams, my opponent in the general election, who I lost to, who said in front of an interfaith breakfast at New York Public Library where Rabbi Joe Potashnik was, uh, along with Rabbi, uh, excuse me, not Rabbi, but Pastor Bernard, who you'll hear in the 7 o'clock hour. I'm sure they'll be commenting on that. 7 to 8, right before the Cats Roundtable where Eric Adams got up in front of all these holy rollers and said, I never doubted it for one moment. God told me, Eric, you're going to be mayor of the city of New York. I guess I wasn't available for God at that moment. It might have been me instead of Eric. Who knows? Maybe I wasn't available. I was in the subway, a place that Eric Adams never goes. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go, if we can, to June in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, June. Oh, oh hello. Yes. Hi. Yes, June, yes. You, you, oh, you can hear me? Loud and clear, June. Okay. Yeah, hi. Um, my girlfriend is a nurse, and she was shocked when Cuomo, um, you know, uh, didn't use the ship, the uh, tents that uh, the president sent to Central Park and the hotel for the uh, patients. All right. Well, let me uh, let me clar- well, let me quantify that. So remember, it's March of 2020, uh, and uh, uh, Governor Cuomo signs an executive order for a total lockdown during this pandemic, and he's screaming he needs ventilators. There's not enough hospital beds in the municipal, the state hospitals, the private hospitals. So uh, he asked the president to send the naval vessel, which is uh, two hospital ships that the Navy has. One went to San Diego, went, one went to the port of New York City, which the president sent 
He also set up Jacob Javits Center, the state center, with the National Guard. They had the beds out. There was another location uh, in Flushing Meadow Park uh, at the tennis stadium. Uh, those were the main places uh, in which they were prepared to uh, take care of the many people that they felt couldn't be taken care of by hospitals. But when all was said and done, they really weren't needed. They weren't needed. And Andrew Evelyn Cuomo, even though he was screaming every day, the ventilators, we need ventilators. In reality, he never used all that, uh, all the aid that was provided, the bedding, the tents, everything else, the actual tents you were referring to in Central Park were uh, provided by Billy Graham's son and his religious crusade. Uh, They were accepted, and then, ungratefully, some of our gay and lesbian leaders protested on the last day before Billy Graham's son uh, removed the tents since they were no longer needed uh, across from Mount Sinai Hospital up in the uh, northern part of Central Park and said, oh, uh, we don't need homophobes here. Well, what the hell are they talking about? We needed all the help we could get at that point, June. Well, uh, that's correct. And she said that in the place that she works at, they put the sick patients on a completely separate wing of the uh, home, and the nurses had to change uh, to their PPE equipment and, you know, uh, coverage and everything and go into the other hall and take care of them. And then when they left, they had to remove everything and uh, totally sanitize themselves to go into the other wing. Oh, yeah. So no, but so there was no cross-contamination. Yeah, well, we're going to discuss that in the next hour because uh, John Katsimatidis the other night in his roundtable discussion at 5 which is the number one rated program in that time period now, actually had on Cuomo's attorney, Rita Glavin, going to be playing some cuts of what uh, Cuomo's pit bull attorney, Rita Glavin, had to say. Now that Team Cuomo is flexing, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo the second, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo the first, uh, who is bedded down in the Cuomo compound uh, at Fredo's house, Chris Cuomo's house, uh, and they've been joined by Joe Pococo, who is the wartime consigliere, the leg breaker, who just finished doing a bid of six years in federal jail for corruption. Yeah, they're ready for revenge. We'll talk about that in the next hour. Let's go to uh, Russ calling from Columbus, Ohio. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Russ. Uh, good evening, uh, Curtis. I just uh, was listening and just wondering, uh, do you believe in God and one uh, one big, uh, all powerful God? Oh yeah, no doubt about it. He saved my life uh, a month of Sundays. All right. Well, uh, you gotta you gotta realize that there's another uh, person in that called Satan, and uh, a lot of these people that's uh, hearing voices from God and whatever is probably hearing hearing from him on the other end because he is a uh, angel of light. Ah, so the Antichrist then. Yeah, pretty much. Wow, so you mean the Antichrist could basically reshape himself and fool an individual into believing that, in fact, he was the voice of God? Yes, yes, I figure uh, he's probably here on the earth, and he's pro- he, uh, Satan's got his demons just like God's got his angels, so they're they're everywhere. Wow, I never even thought of that as a possibility that... These people, like Bush 43, 
Ted Cruz, his wife Heidi, who was speaking in tongues, telling him he should run for the presidency, and even uh, Eric Adams, who claims that God told him that you're going to be mayor, that in fact that might not have been Jesus Christ, but rather the Antichrist. Yeah, the way he was talking about Eric Adams talking in the third person, that really sounded like a demonic thing to me. Yeah, that is weird, although Trump does that also from time to time, not as much as Eric Adams. But Eric Adams will say, and this is the classic one of late, uh, he'll probably get onto a new track of thought. He says, Eric is perfectly imperfect. And I'm saying to myself, what Eric is he talking about? He's talking about himself. Yeah, he sounds like a like a double personality of some sort. That that's kind of weird. He is. He's an enigma. He, yeah, there's an AM, an AM Eric Adams that we know all about because he has lots of press conferences, lots of avails, lots of visibility, which is good. Unlike Comrade Bill De Blasio, who basically lived in a bunker and walked around Greenwood Cemetery two hours a day, when he should have been doing his work. But then there's the Eric Adams at night. We don't know where he lays his head to rest. He likes the nightlife. And as he has said, Russ, he says, I love to sample the nightlife. And you know what that means, even in Columbus, Ohio. Right, Russ? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's not good. I, I don't know. I've learned a lot from uh, you and uh, several other guys on uh, WABC about New York City. But some of it uh, is pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Russ. Let's go to Rosemary calling from Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rosemary. Hi. I think you have a rhetorical question about God. Didn't he save you a bunch of times? I was afraid for you when you were in the hospital Hospital, and Nancy was helping you. Maybe he has other plans for you. When you, when you uh, survived the bullets, when you were sick with your colitis and everything else, you think of that, right? He didn't want you to become mayor. You're going to do something better. How's Hmm. that? You are a person of consequences, you would say. (laughs) Well, that makes me feel good. So I lost, but God has other plans for me other than being mayor of the city of New York. You're kidding. All you survived health-wise. You don't count that? You have to. So maybe I wasn't necessarily listening to the messages that were being conveyed to me because I generally play these songs over and over. Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky. Uh, It's very poignant. It's very cogent to what we're discussing because maybe if I would have paid more attention to the words, I would have understood what you were saying, Rosemary. Yeah, can I ask you something else that you probably won't answer? I, I listened to you. I enjoyed it very much. You're with um, your new guy. I'm, I'm a little nervous. I can't remember his name. Oh, what Wiener. That's right. I like that. And you were saying about second chances, and you named a few people. Now, you're probably not going to say it, but I didn't know Dominic Carter got a second chance from what? I don't get that. I don't know. You said it a few times. What do you mean? Well, at one point, he was uh, New York One. That's the local news outlet that gives us all our local news. Uh, And he had a problem with his wife, who he's still with. uh, But it blew up uh, on him, uh, and it caused him to lose his job. And for a long time, 
Nobody would hire him, Rosemary. Nobody would hire him. And then, uh, that and then John mm-hmm. Katzmatidis said, Dominic, I've known you for years. You're a good man. You're a good broadcaster. You love radio. You have a home of your own here at WABC. He was the only one to do that. Wonderful. Can I say one more thing and then I'll of shut course, the hell of off? Of course, of course. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, about your chances about God. And look how you met Nancy. And you say she's the best and she helped you the most. So you keep saying thank you. That's okay? right. There's no doubt. Nancy is the keeper, the best, not like the rest. And if not for Nancy, I would not be alive today. You're absolutely correct. She nursed me through chronic Crohn's disease, which uh, uh, just about took my life. Uh, eight and a half hour ops, uh, uh, operation at Columbia Presbyterian. And a long road back, and she was my Florence Nightingale. You're absolutely right, Rosemary. And when you came on the air for the first time, it was around Christmas, I think, when you came back onto the radio waves. We couldn't, my husband and I couldn't believe it. We were so happy. You sounded pretty strong. That we were so happy. So shut up about God. <laughs> Yeah, I better I better take the the claptrap on God here. Or you know what it was, Rosemary. I have a tradition of always doing a live program on Christmas because I realize for many people out there, it's the worst day of the year because they're all alone. They're all alone, and I know that their family and their friend is WABC. So I come on the air, and people actually start crying. They start breaking down because. They, they never thought that anybody cared about them in their, their time of loneliness. But that's part of what we do here at WABC, Rosemary. Yep, and we all prayed for you. And look, now you, you have your big mouth back and you're raring to go with the cats and Nancy. And we're so happy. Oh, well, thank So you. don't judge God all the time. Yeah, no, no, I'm not going to judge God. I don't want damnation. I don't want to burn in the fires of hell without an asbestos suit. Anyway, let's go to Helena calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Helena. Hi there. It's been a long time, Curtis. The last time I spoke to you were guest on another show. And uh, I was the one that called in and informed you that uh, the same words Eric Adams uttered were uttered by the host, one of the co-hosts of that show. That he was the he was the mayor, the future mayor of New York, and uh, I even told you who the host was, and uh, you said that uh, you were surprised that he was the host, he was invited, and that you weren't, and you were going to speak to the other co-host. I remember that now, Helena. You are absolutely correct. I'm sorry that I doubted you. Uh, and you- in fact, I even would like to remind you. That I said that the co-host that had invited him had also stated several times that Louis Farrakhan is a spokesperson for the African-American people. Oh, no, no, no. I remember that. I remember that. And I kept pounding away at that, that Eric Adams in the early 90s was a follower of Screwy Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. And nobody seemed to care. Nobody seemed to care about this recent thing. We're in front of this interfaith breakfast just a Friday ago. Eric Adams 
told our own Rabbi Joe Potashnik, who was there with a rabbinical group, uh, told uh, Reverend uh, Bernard, who was there with the black pastors, uh, that, in fact, God told him, Eric, you're going to be mayor. And I bet you Joe Potashnik and Rabbi, excuse me, Pastor Bernard just nodded their heads, right? Oh, yeah, sure he was. Oh, what are we going to say, no? What are we going to try to get a psychiatric observation for a guy who keeps referring to Eric? Instead of saying me, I, he goes, Eric is perfectly imperfect. Eric is perfectly imperfect. This is his uh, knee-jerk answer to everything. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Frank M. Amaranac, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Frank. Okay, so, uh, Curtis, my utmost respect for you. I, you're an amazing broadcaster, I just got to say that. You, you do shows for like six hours at a time, and I say to myself, how the hell did you do that, man? But anyway, as far as we know, goes, I caught part of the, the uh, interview with him that you had, and me personally, he sounded pretty sincere, And because I've been in, in his shoes. I've been in his shoes quite a few times, and when I got a chance, it turned my whole life around, and I, I, I wound up running a successful business, and, you know, I, I believe in a second chance, so people that don't want to give it to him, screw them. And uh, what else is uh, to say? I just I, I, I'm sick to my stomach that you lost the freaking election. Sick to my stomach. Well, you just That's heard you just heard uh, our our friend call up, who said that God has better plans for me. I wish God had informed me of that, because I would have much preferred to be mayor. And I can guarantee all of you that in the first five weeks you would have seen a Rudy Giuliani-like difference in public safety, in crime. I wouldn't have been vacillating trying to please both sides because you know what happens when you try to please both sides, the law and order side and the pro-criminal side. You please no side. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. into the morning at 12 midnight with uh, the retrospective on the 35th anniversary of Dirty Dancing, our pre-pre-pre-pre-Valentine's Day extravaganza in honor of my beautiful wife, Nancy, uh, who has been the very best thing that I could ever have hoped for in my life. This is not because I hate the boss, Bruce Springsteen. I hate him. Farmer Bruce, right? He went, what, freehold New Jersey, blue-collar working class. Then he became one of the one percenters in Rumson. And now he has to spread somewhere in New Jersey. Very privileged area. 
in which he writes off a whole section of his estate in which he claims it's farmland. Yeah, Farmer Bruce, get out of here. Knock that music off. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Craig, who's calling from New Haven, Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Craig. Hey, how's it going? Oh, here we go. Here we go. I really got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. I can tell I'm getting a Frank Morano-style audience now. You know, I, I, I've run the rules and regulations uh, of what what you have to do in order to be a uh, talk radio caller. Camelia, our phone screener, has certainly run the drill to them. Don't ask Curtis, uh, hey, how you doing? Because I'm going to be saying to you, I've had better days. Don't thank me for taking your call because I keep soliciting for your calls. I should be thanking you. And don't ever think I know who I'm going to. And lastly, don't ever use that hackneyed expression, first-time caller, long-time listener. Kabish, Kabish, Greg, Kabish. Yes, what did the screener put me down as saying? Oh, no, nothing. It just has you, Craig, from New Haven. Oh. Wow, you're interrogating the screener. Ah, how do you like that? What a diss and dismiss. Camelia was kind enough to put him up there, give him an opportunity from nowhere, Connecticut. I don't believe he was calling from New Haven, Connecticut. I believe that was an act of sabotage. You see, I turned the tables on him. I gave him an attitudinal readjustment, like I give some of you callers out there who don't seem to understand there is a certain decorum, a certain method that you have to take when calling. That's why I so desperately want our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, to purchase or at least lease or rent out one of the old uh, bed-and-breakfast facilities up in the Catskills, the Irish Alps, the Jewish Himalayas, you know, Sullivan County, whether it's Grossinger's, Kutchner's, whether it's Brown's, Concord, whatever the last one standing is. So we can talk all over these callers to come in for a re-education camp, and I can conduct the seminars. By the way, uh, I want to encourage more of you to call When you uh, actually break down the analytics, you notice that a lot of the same people call on a regular basis. Uh, Only 1% of people who actually listen to talk radio will ever call. With this show, it's a stream of consciousness. If you have something really good to say, you could be on as long as a guest would be on, on some other shows. But I don't, I don't deal with guests because, you know, it becomes the amen corner. You know, oh, I, I agree with you. Oh, no, 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 I agree with you more. No, 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 I absolutely am in solidarity with you. Phenomena. Ofa. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to the heartland of America. Let's go to where many a national election is decided. State of Ohio. And Greg, who is in, is that Sugar Creek, Greg? Yes. Where is Sugar Creek? It's in uh, Mennonite country, about 20 minutes south of Canton, Ohio. Where every church is called a friendship church, right? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I'm very yes. familiar with Mennonites, uh, with Amish, uh, with Quakers. Yeah, I moved out here. I retired with my kids. I moved out here, worked for 40 years, and I moved out here just love it. So uh, I, I, want, want to, I want to say something to you about God. Yes. 
you know, I, I just retired last year. I worked for a big fire company 40 years, and I was having stomach problems. And I went to see a doctor, and he sat me down and said, Greg, you're going to die in three days. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I mean, you've got a big hole in your colon. I need to get in there and fix it. And I went. He goes, when was the last time you seen a doctor? I said, maybe 30 years ago. He wow. 30 goes, years? I never needed a doctor. The only time I needed a doctor was I needed to get off work. 30 so, years? Yeah, well, he, he cut me open, put a bag on me for six months. And uh, the funny thing was, when he said, you know, I'm going to take you in a, in a prep, he goes, I said, can I have a cigarette? <laughs> he let me go outside and smoke a couple of cigarettes. And I think that's what God said to me, Greg, you got to do this, you know? Now, Greg, what kind of cigarettes were you smoking? Uh, I, I smoked in uh, Marlboro's. Marlboro Reds? Yeah. Like yeah. Barack Obama, the former president? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Th- those are like anyway, ch- those are chess breakers, Craig. I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying to explain, say to you, though, is God speaks to you in different ways that you don't listen. Maybe I wasn't listening. Could that be, Greg? Yeah. You know, uh, when I'm out in the summertime here and I'm picking berries, and the sun comes down through the leaves and hits me in the face. God say hi. Wow. So you actually acknowledge God when the, the beam of the sun strikes you in the face while you're picking those berries. Or if the wind hits you in the face on a, on a rainy day. Mm, well, you see, you're out in the heartland of America, Ohio, where many a national election is determined. I'm a Trumpster. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I get. I'm a Trumpster. I get. Hey, you know, I get I'm a that sense. I'm a God fearing. I love the flag, and uh, and uh, I was pretty devastated about what happened in the election. But uh, I'm going to vote again shortly. But I've been listening to your show because I've been staying up late at night. I love your show, and and actually I've been listening on my Pioneer receiver. I'm picking up on AM. Right, you see, we broadcast globally now. People listen to us all over the world, Greg. Great station. I love your show. Sugar Creek, Ohio. Yeah, take care. Love you. You know, Frank Morano don't get calls like that. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, Frank Morano does segments in which he's got a, a, a paper clip and he's cleaning the wax out of his ears for like 20 minutes describing it to you. Eesh. You know God ain't talking to Frank Morano, that's for sure. No way. Anyway, uh, let's go, if we can, to Natasha, who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Natasha. Hello, Curtis. Hello, Natasha. Thank you for having me call you. Uh, Did I ask you to call me? No. Why are you so grumpy, Sabotaggio? Uh, I'm a bit of a curmudgeon today, a bit of a curmudgeon, because God doesn't seem to want to take my phone calls, Natasha. That's not true. God loves you. Look how many chances he gave you, right? You're still alive. That's true. Many of the callers are reminding me of that. That's softening me up right now, Natasha. That's fine. We have to be grateful and thankful each and every minute of our lives. Hmm. That's right? that, that's good advice. That's excellent advice. It is. You know, you have a little short fuse, my darling. That is true. 
I am known to have anger management problems. There's many a guy walking around with a face that I've rearranged as a result of my anger management problem. Oh, no. Violence is not the solution. They deserved it, Natasha. They deserved it. Okay. But I don't want you to be so grumpy. Please. I, okay, for you, Natasha, I'll, I'll, I'll stop taking my grumpy pills this morning. Oh, thank you, darling. Now, what else is on your mind, Natasha? Well, um, I'm not too sure. Do you like Anthony Weiner or do you not like him? Well, you know, I've had so many partners in talk radio since I started with uh, then my uh, wife. I'm trying to remember which wife it was. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, my second wife, uh, Lisa Evers, who was Angels in the Morning. Um, and that lasted uh, three years. And then I went on to a series of other radio partners and a series of other wives so it's somewhat confusing because I don't know if I've had more wives or more radio partners, but whoever they put in with me, uh, I'm prepared to deal with them. I don't have to like them. Some of them I've hated, I've despised, I've loathed, but okay. I'll make it Fair work. Enough. I'll make it work, Natasha. I'll make it work. Well, Anthony Weiner is a bastard, though, like you said, disgraciato. Ah, so you're not a fan of Anthony Weiner, huh? Of course not. Would you be a fan if he was showing your daughter those kinds of pictures? No. No, obviously not. You would rearrange his face really quickly, correct? Oh, that's for sure. But Ah. do you believe that he is entitled to a second chance? Absolutely. All right. But he better not freaking screw it up again. Well, I think he knows that directly. I think John Katsimatidis made that very clear uh, at our earlier press conference in which he told them, this is it. This is the last time around, Natasha. Well, I hope he listens to good advice because a wiener is always a wiener. A wiener is always a wiener. That's a good line. Is that an Oscar Mayer wiener? I hated the Oscar Mayer Dirty Water Hot Dogs. They were the worst. But they, Midwest, they love Oscar Mayer. Anyway, let's go to uh, John, who's calling from the capital area of uh, New York State. The newer capital as opposed to the older capital, Kingston, New York. He's calling from Albany. Albany itself, John? No, Curtis, you know me from Schenectady, New York. Oh, yes. On the hill. Yes. And when are you going to please come back so I can buy you a hot dog from newest lunch and please straighten out Albany? Yeah, well, do me a solid. Please uh, make sure it's not a uh, Oscar Mayer dirty water hot dog. No, no, no. no. It, it, it's one of those ballpark my ass hot dogs. Oh, the ones that plump up, right? That, that, <laughs> that they used to sell in Yankee Stadium for like $29. Exactly. But seriously, when are you going to come back up this way, brother? I have to. I'm getting a lot of calls uh, because originally we had patrolled uh, Arbor Hill, the south end in Albany. Yeah. uh, And then over where you are, Hamilton Hill. Yeah, I'm still there. And parts of Troy. uh, A lot of of problems up there. And, you know, a lot of the problems are the result of the people from down here who go and move and live up there, especially after they've gotten out of prison upstate. They decide, I'm not coming back to Brooklyn or the Bronx. I'm going to settle in Hamilton Hill in Schenectady. 
Yeah, the country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, how's oh, that? Brother. How's that casino doing? Because my wife, she loves to play cards. Uh, five cards draw uh, poker. Uh, she she uh, right. she can hang out in the casino while I thump some thugs in ha- uh, in Hamilton Hill. Oh, they need some hugs on thugs. Believe me, brother. Oh, you, that's what I live for. That's I that. what I live for. Let's go to Janet very quickly in Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Janet. Yeah, I was wondering if you knew why Governor Cuomo can't use his war chest to pay for his legal fees instead of the taxpayer paying for them. Because he has qualified immunity that judges, DAs have, even though they unfairly sometimes send somebody away in perpetuity in jail. They've stripped it from police. Police do not have qualified immunity any longer because of uh, a woman named Biagi, who is a state senator who now wants to replace Swazi as the congressperson in the 5th District, which will include Nassau, Suffolk, Queens, the Bronx, and yes, even where you're from, Westchester, right on up to Rye. It looks like a Rorschach test, the way they've redirected it. In fact, I'm going to be getting into Cuomo, uh, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, Alfredo Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, and their leg-breaking wartime consigliere, Joe Pococo, up next because John Katsimatidis in his roundtable discussion at 5 o'clock, the number one rated show in talk radio, had on Cuomo's attorney hit person named Rita Glavin, who laid it all out for everybody to hear, and we'll recreate it for all of you. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Soul, soul brother number one of the big one, two, five at the Apollo. Who Al Slim Shady Sharpton was a boy preacher to. That's right. When Godfather of Soul, soul brother number one, James Brown, would go on tour, he'd have Maceo in the Mac with his horn section. And before they get out and do their performance, Little boy preacher known as Al Slim Shady Sharpton would come out and preach to the James Brown crowd. By the way, where is James Brown, godfather of soul, soul brother number one, buried? Who knows where a man who had more jet covers, more ebony covers, who's a hardcore Republican, 
supported Eisenhower for president, supported Richard Nixon for president over JFK. Whenever you needed an African-American to show up to support a Republican for president, it was always Godfather of Soul, Soul Brother Number One, James Brown. And at times, if James Brown wasn't available because he'd be on world tour going, hot pants, I need to dance. I got ants in my pants and I need to dance. Hot pants one, hot pants two. And they would bring in a man who had broken the color line in baseball, Jackie Robinson, who was a hardcore Rockefeller Republican. Yep, but it was still... Father of soul, soul brother number one, James Brown. Yeah, raised the roof with Richard Nixon. With Ike, he loved Ike. And this is the theme song now of Andrew Evilized Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo. This is a man who actually, at the eulogy that he gave for his father, Mario Fachabruta Como, said that I only wish I could have been like Joe Pacoco. He was more of a son to Mario. He never referred to his father as my dad, daddy, my father. It was Mario, Mario. Weird. And at that eulogy, at that Catholic church, St. Thomas Aquinas, I think it was St. Thomas Aquinas on the Upper East Side, he said before a crowd of Cuomoites, Joe Pacoco was more of a son to my father Mario than either I or Chris Cuomo Fredo was. And the reason that we know that Andrew Evilized Cuomo is making a comeback is he's out at his island of Elba, just like Napoleon, except it's the Cuomo compound in Southampton. Owned and operated by Fredo, Chris Cuomo, formerly of the uh, Cuomo National Network, turned that way by the former CEO of CNN. Oh, wow. Did he take him down? Man, the Cuomo showed that they have no mercy for friends or for foes. The idea is to get back into power. What I want to find out from all of you is what position is Andrew Evilized Cuomo vying for? He just recently said in an interview that he wants to write the score. He wants to bring the Attorney General Tish James up on legal charges for having misused information that she appropriated from some of his accusers. But he said, not himself personally, but through Araposi, or words to that effect, whatever the hell his spokesperson's name is, that he's not interested in running for attorney general. So if it's not attorney general, is he running for governor? Is he running for controller? Is he running for the state senate? Is he going to run for Congress? Is he going to run for the state assembly? What the hell is Andrew Evilized Cuomo to do? And I want you to be prognosticators because his revenge is in full effect now that his wartime conciliary, his leg breaker, Joe Pacoco, is out after doing six years of federal time for corruption. 
A guy who grew up in, believe it or not, Connersville in Rockland County, right? You would have thought, oh, Pococo, he's from Brooklyn or Queens or Staten Island. You know, you open up his muscle car, you go in the trunk of Pococo's muscle car, it had a series of Louisville slugger baseball bats. Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Joe DiMaggio, Rocky Calavito, autographs on it. Uh, it was intended to uh, rearrange your kneecaps. He'd hit you so hard in your kneecaps that it would spin around like a slot machine in Atlantic City. That's his calling card. He'd go on walking talks with political foes and friends and break it down to you. It was the Cuomo uh, way, the Kennedy way, just as they had done in the 60s. Cuomo inherited that policy through marriage, through Kerry Cuomo. And Joe Pacocco would go to you, and there'd be an offer from the governor. He would try to convince you of his logic. If uh, you couldn't be convinced of the logic, they'd try to try to politically bribe you, try to sweeten you up, see what it is that you needed for your constituents or your own personal well-being. And then if you wouldn't uh, submit yourself to bribery, then Joe Pacoco would have to really get down and dirty with you. And he could. Feared. Feared. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I ask all of you listening in 38 states and parts of Canada and parts of Europe and right there in the Bermuda Triangle itself where Bahama meets Bermuda. What is Andrew Evil Eyes Cuomo plotting to do now? Because they're amassing at the Cuomo compound, Fredo's house in Southampton as we speak. 1-800-848-9222. They've hit the mattresses. They're stirring the marinara sauce now that Joe Pacoco has returned to the fold. 1-800-848-9222. Let's first go to Bonnie in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bonnie. Hi, Curtis. I just wanted to wish you a very, very happy Valentine's Day. And uh, I have a few things. I do know what religion Tony Blair is. He's a Roman Catholic. He He converted to Catholicism, but he didn't make the announcement until after he was no longer prime minister, because I think prior to that he was an Episcopalian. That's Church of England. So that wouldn't have gone over very well. You know, with the people in England, if they knew while he was in office, he had converted to Catholicism. But that's the story on Tony Blair. There was a large write-up a number of years ago in Catholic New York, okay? Also, that gentleman who called in from Ohio, I think his name was Russ, he is right on absolutely everything he said. Curtis, God hears everything. God hears all of us. The thing is, he gives us what we need. He doesn't always give us what we want. And he has a great sense of humor. I know that for a fact. Now, I never called your show before because I thought you were just a terrible, grumpy old man, even though I loved your show and had been a long, long time listener. But then I saw you on Columbus Day at the Columbus Day Parade at 70th and 5th Avenue. You had your red beret on. You came over, and I thought, wow, is that Curtis Lee? Well, he is so 
handsome. And you worked that crowd. Everybody was screaming. They were carrying on as though Jesus had just arrived, to be quite honest. And I thought that day you were going to be our next mayor. And I prayed for you every single day after that. God wasn't listening to me either because he is not in the plan for you. Not right now. Mm. He has greater things planned for you, Curtis. Mm. And you just got to wait to see it. I mean, when Trump got in the first time, you know how many people prayed for Trump? Our prayers were answered. Second time, I prayed my little heart out. It didn't work. And I thought, God, were you listening? Were you listening? I, it, we got so upset. So, so upset. But hey, I think when Trump comes back the second time, he's going to be greater than ever. And I think... <laughs> The sense of humor comes in. We make plans, and then God laughs. You realize that? That's what happens. That's what happens. So be patient. I think that everybody has told you God has greater plans for you, Curtis, and you've accomplished so much in your lifetime. But when I saw you, that first lady who called and said you were cute, she's wrong. You're very handsome. You're a good-looking guy and so tall. I said, oh, wow, is that Curtis Lee? I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe my eyes. This is is incredible. (laughs) This is incredible, Blair. Bonnie, because you started off talking about Tony Blair. uh, Once he had left being prime minister, then Mm -hmm. converting to the Roman Catholic faith, because naturally it is Church of England country there. The queen, queen mother, is uh, technically in charge of the Church of England. Mm -hmm. Uh, Henry VIII, who said to the Pope, I'll chop off my wife's heads whether you like it or not. And then got excommunicated, and instead of recognizing the uh, ill deeds that he was doing, instead of just divorcing his wives, uh, chopping their heads off, decided to create the Church of England, which became the Episcopalian faith, the wannabe Catholics, Catholic light. And are you aware, Bonnie, that Frank Morano, who does The Other Side of Midnight, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5, is a practicing Episcopalian? I think he was baptized Catholic. Yes. Um, and, you know, being Italian, I, I think he is. But um, he doesn't talk much about it. It's, you know, he prefers to go to churches where they have coffee and donuts, you know, in the narthex at, at the back of the church. <laughs> Not what the Catholic Church is all about. We do have some coffee hours, okay? But uh, <laughs> when I heard him say that, that he liked the socializing at certain churches more than others, I thought, you don't go to church to socialize. You go to be with Jesus, you know? <laughs> have you have you seen uh, Frank Morano, his picture? Let me tell you something. You understand why he'd go anywhere for free coffee and donuts. <laughs> well, I know. I really haven't. You know, I don't... Um, I don't have a computer, so I, I, I had no idea how any of you looked. But I also wanted to say something about uh, John Katsimatidis. I'm of Greek descent, and I know he's Greek, but I'm a Roman Catholic. I'm not Greek Orthodox. However, the Greeks are known for their hospitality and their generosity. If you've ever been to Greece, there's not a more wonderful people on the planet for how they're so kind and they're so generous, and they have 
a very, very sensitive heart and feeling for the underdog. And I was so pleased tonight when you talked about all the second chances that he has given to people. And I'm talking about Anthony Weiner. I, I was out today, so I couldn't listen to the program, but I'll listen next Saturday. And I thought, oh, no, I said, the cat man's making a big mistake. Why is he bringing him on? But then when you explained about second chances tonight, as Jesus told the people, those of you who've never sinned, be the first one to throw the stone. We've all sinned. We've all been there. We've done stupid things. Some people have even had to do time for what they've done. But God is a very forgiving God. And you know, he made John Casamitidis a multi-billionaire. He's watching the cat man to see what, how he does with that money, how much good he does with his money. And I think John Casamitidis is on the right track. He's been very, very blessed, and thank God for him, he gives second chances. That's all I can say. We have to get Frank Morano back on track, Bonnie. I'm going to depend on you on any Mm -hmm. given morning to call through to him and bring him back into the fold, the Roman Catholic fold, because he has been uh, dallying with the Episcopalians, the wannabe Catholics, the Catholic lights, for too long simply because he wants to socialize, which means that he was so desperate to socialize with people. He's considered such an outcast. He's such a nebbishy, schlubbishy, pissier kind of a guy that mm-hmm. he actually chose his faith because people would socialize with him. I know. I heard him say that, and I, I just I thought, oh, no, that that's really, you know, not, not what it's all about. And, you know, whether it's a Protestant faith or a Catholic faith, we all go to church to be with God. That's the one day on Sunday we go to spend time with the ones we love. And God wants us there on Sundays, and we go for him, not for the coffee and donuts. That's nice if that's a side, you know, thing that we now, do. But Now, now uh, I, I have to give you insight into another quirky aspect to Frank Morano, he uh, drives around in a demolition derby reject. He actually, in order to stop sometimes, the floorboards have been rotted out. He puts his feet out, like in the uh, Flintstones cartoons, to fully stop his car. He will see a funeral parlor. He will see that someone is uh, laid out for viewing. He sees the sign. It mentions the person's name. He drives into the parking lot. He doesn't know who the person is at all. He goes in to pay respects as if he were a co-worker or a relative or a friend. And people naturally say, that. do you know this guy? Wow, I never saw this guy before. He actually goes, he kneels down, he says prayers. He then reaches out, he touches the hand of the person who is in the casket. And people say, how do you know this? How do you know my husband? He goes, I really don't know your husband. I, I just like coming to funeral parlors and paying my respect. And then do you know where he goes? Right to the back where the coffee clutch is, where they have the Entenmann's coffee cake and the fresh cup of coffee. This guy will do anything to socialize. Well, you know, Curtis, he mentioned on the show the other night that he has married uh, dozens of couples because he belongs to some international church, and he's been ordained, not a minister, but I guess whatever they call it, that he has the right, like a justice of the peace, I suppose, uh, to to marry people, you know. And um, I don't really know whether that's against the Catholic faith or not, but then again, I don't think he's ever been a really 
deeply devout Catholic or a practicing Catholic, and I don't think he understands the faith. Otherwise, none of these things would have happened, you know? No, no, absolutely. uh, He is a contrarian. There are certain people who are born into life. You say red, they say blue. You say jump, they don't say how high. They say I sit. So because his family were baptized Roman Catholics and raised him in the Roman Catholic faith, he this is a form of rebellion to him. Now, even though he's 40 or 50, who knows how old Frank is? He never tells anybody their age. I think this is part of that continued rebelliousness towards his father and mother because he was raised a Roman Catholic. They made him go since he was going to public schools, Tottenville High School. He had to go for his catechism classes on Wednesday afternoons uh, over to St. Joseph by the Sea. Uh, so I mm-hmm. think he objected to that. And now all of a sudden, oh, I'm an Episcopalian. Oh, I go there to socialize and to get the free coffee and the donuts. You ever hear such a nonsensical reason for choosing a religion? Well, there are a lot of people like that. They like the camaraderie, and they go for the socializing. I mean, I don't think he's alone in that. And um, I have two first cousins. They are twin brothers. They were cradle Catholics, okay? And what did they do when they got in their 60s, had been Roman Catholic all their life? They left the Roman Catholic Church, and they joined the Greek Orthodox Church because they have food and coffees and Greek pastries and everything. And that's why I said, why, why would you leave the Catholic Church to go to the Greek Orthodox Church? Mind you, you know, in the faith, the Greek Orthodox faith is just as, as valid as what the Catholic faith is. We know St. Paul went to, St. Peter went to Rome and St. Paul went to Greece. So it is an Orthodox faith and they are just as legitimate as we are. But um, they told me it was for the social aspect of the church, that at the Catholic church, everybody says hello and goodbye, and that's it, and then they go home. But they like that socializing, and you know, what can I say? That's people for you. Having gone to some of these Greek Orthodox uh, Mm -hmm. sermons Mm -hmm. uh, with John Katsimatidis, in fact, uh, he had me join an entourage of Greek Orthodox. We went to Cuba, where Fidel Mm -hmm. Castro tried to say he was open-minded to religion, so he uh, he had a basilica built there for the Greek Orthodox. I said to John, there are no Greek Orthodox out here. None of the Cubans were born Greek Orthodox. This, right, is, this is all a front to try to say he's open to religion. He won't allow a Catholic church. He won't even allow a synagogue. And That's so right. they, they brought all the, the Orthodox in. There were Romanian Orthodox. There were Serbian Orthodox, Russian Orthodox. They tried to convert me. There were the Greek Orthodox. And the ceremony went on and on, Bonnie. You have oh, to have the peace. Two and a half hours at least. At least two, two, two to two and a half hours. And in Greek. And in Greek. <laughs> and you need food and drink and everything by the time that's you over. Faint. You faint. In, you faint in the pews, in the aisles. And, and, and the priest up there, you know, is just going on and on in Greek. And then, you know, they have uh, all the tapestries out there. They don't have statues of saints. 
So it's like a maze. Some of them are four-hour ceremonies. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. And then not only that, but the Greek Orthodox churches, a lot of them, they talk and they chatter and they're running up and down the aisles. They're not that respectful <laughs> yes. in the church. Yes. At least I found that. Well, you know, let's face it. You'd have ants in your pants if you had to sit there for four hours. Well, that's true. That's Jeez. true. Curtis, can I ask you another question? Course, Didn't John Casamitidis buy out the D'Agostino um, yes. Food yes. So he yes, he, he runs not only Gristidis but Dagostinos. Right. right. Uh, and right. now, because of all the looting and the shoplifting, he was in the news on Friday because he is hiring uh, off-duty armed security officers, police officers, uh, to begin patrolling uh, some of his supermarkets because right. the looting is so out of control. The shoplifting. With the okay. Alvin Bragg swag bags that are given out, it's so ridiculous that he's putting his foot down and saying, we can't continue to do this, or all of us as retailers will be out of business. Well, Curtis, tonight when I was coming back from Mass at um, uh, St. Vincent Ferrer, I went down to 65th and um, Lexington, and I decided to walk home because I live on the Upper East Side. And I stopped into a Digostino's on 76th and Lexington, right across the street from the other Catholic church, St. John Baptiste. And so I went in there, and I walked around, and I was just amazed. It was the cleanest grocery store I have ever been in in my life. The shelves, there wasn't a dust particle anywhere. The floors were immaculate. I mean, it was just, you know, I never think of supermarkets as being dirty, but when you go into one that was that clean, you really noticed it. So coming out, I did tell the cashier, I said, I must give you credit. I said, this store is so clean. It was just my first time here. I said, but I was so impressed. And I said to her, have you had problems with um, the snatch and grab and the people? Oh, yes. She said, we've had problems. I said, even up here on the Upper East Side? She said, yes, we've had problems. I said, well, I think your boss is going to hire off-duty police officers. I said, there's an organization within the NYPD that allows the police to do that kind of work on their off hours, and I think they're going to be able to be in uniform, and I think they're going to have their guns on their hip. I said, so that should put an end to it. She said, oh, praise God. She said, I hope they send those people here to us. We can certainly use them here. Well, I had this old, decrepit, white liberal standing behind me, reminded me of Biden. Oh, God. He said to me, are you out of your mind? He said, why would he do something stupid like that? So I looked at him and I said, have you been following the news? Have you been reading newspapers or listening to the radio to know what's going on in this city? I said, how many stores have to close because they're being cleaned out to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars every month? I said, I don't live in this neighborhood. I said, do you? He said, yes, of course I do. He said, people come in here and they steal food because they're just hungry. I said, oh, really? I said, oh, really? Is that what you think? I said, no, they're taking the food, the steaks from from this place and from from Trader Joe's, and they're going out to the Bronx and they're selling them over to the bodegas. I said, that's what's going on here. They're not even eating the food. They're stealing it to go and sell it to the bodegas. And he said to me, well, I think that's ridiculous. So I said, no, when this D'Agostino closes, because they've been robbed so many times, you just remember what you said. You lost your supermarket in your neighborhood because you're an idiot. I said, now have a good evening. And I walked out.
house. You did the right thing. There are people. That is the AOC belief, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Right. When I was battling the looters and the shooters in the summer of 2020, uh, her attitude was, oh, no, they're breaking into stores. They're stealing uh, clothing. Uh, they're stealing limited edition sneakers and other items because they need to be able to go out and get a loaf of bread. They I know. actually believe this nonsense, and they believe, well, don't worry. Uh, property has insurance. Product has insurance. And I've always told them, I said, once they come for the property and they come for the product, the next thing they come for are the people. And now we're seeing uh, all of that come true. Well, yeah, of course we are. Look at look at the pizza parlors in New York. There's one on 84th and Lexington, and the guy told me there, he said, every time they have a shipment that comes in, the prices of everything has gone up. He said, now we have to keep raising our prices because the incoming merchandise, he said, but then he looked at me, he said, how much can you charge for pizza? So I looked at him and I said, I remember when you could get two slices and a can of soda for four bucks. I said, now it's $8. He said, Exactly. That's what they're charging up here on the Upper East Side, $8 for two slices and a soda. And it used to be just two years ago, $4, okay? So if people don't see that and they don't understand what's going on, um, and they're going to have sympathy for these thugs that are out there robbing the stores, then, you know, like I said, but also when that man said that that, um, Mayor Adams was talking about God spoke to him, you know, he, they should get him a mental men, mental aptitude <laughs> test. I mean, he, you know, he's speaking in tongues or what? I mean, what, and have you ever noticed his pictures in the newspapers? His eyes, he looks like the, a deer that's caught in the headlights. You know, that's yeah, the look of a crazy yeah. person. But we must do what we're on a mission now, Bonnie. We have to reclaim one of our own. Uh, right. Frank loves to read anything that he gets for free. We have to get him the weekly tablet. Get him to start reading that weekly tablet again. Wean him away from the Church of England, uh, the Episcopalians, in which uh, he has actually joined them, not because uh, he prefers their form of worship, because it's really very, very little difference between the Catholics and the Episcopalians. But as you said, it's for the free coffee, the cake, and the socializing. If he wants yeah, well, that, yeah. why doesn't he just go to uh, one of those old folk masses that they used to have in the Roman Catholic Church? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Then he can sing Kumbaya he, he with them. to Our Lady of Good Counsel, and they have the Franciscan Friars, and they have folk masses up there all the time. Yes. They still exist. Yep. They still exist. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my. But, you know, he's never going to take my... I never called you because I was afraid you would would get upset with me and be grumpy and nasty to me. And even though I've been a big fan for a long time, but I have called Frank Morano's show a number of times. Now, Curtis, in all fairness, I listen to his show also. Good. And I have learned good. a lot from him. He, he has a good show, I will tell you. When he starts talking about aliens and flying saucers, then I turn it off and I go to sleep. But <laughs> I'm not into that. But there are times when he's had some very, very interesting guests. And, um, he, you know, he's on top of his game. He's well prepared, I think, for his show. And uh, he's a smart guy. There's no question about it. And um, But I, I, you know, like I said, there are just certain things that he says on occasion. And when he does his, his um, uh, 
get frank or get it frank or whatever when people call in. They can be so insulting. And I thought, why would you open yourself up to something like that for people, for these loons out here who hate you anyway and they're not listening really to the show. They just want to be nasty. Why would you subject yourself to something like that? Well, because he's a masochist. Uh, he's like a human piñata. I'll be playing some of those in the 430 hour, oh. which is the time he runs that scam of a game in which he claims if you guess, you know, uh, in 60 seconds, uh, 10 of the questions correctly, you get $1,000. Right. The other week he got jacked up because two nights in a row – uh, people won the $1,000 prize. He had to take out a payday loan, which is extortionary. And now he's running around borrowing money from everyone to try to pay back the $2,000 that he had to pay out. Well, isn't the, does I assume that the radio station was footing that bill? Oh, no. They're not paying it. He no. has to pay it? Because he wanted to act like Mr. Big Stuff. Who does he think he is? <laughs> And he figured nobody would ever win the prize. And then all of a sudden, two people, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, won. Two nights in a row. Uh, It's like uh, Pat Sajak the other night. uh, They had the Wheel of Fortune. Three nights in a row, a person won the special lotto prize of $100,000. The third night, Pat Sajak walked right off the stage. uh, And Vanna White had to take over because that was coming out of Pat Sajak's pocket. Okay, okay. Yeah. Now I get it. Now yeah. I get it. But yeah. so, well, do me one favor, though, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to do an intervention for Frank. So, okay. as you said, most of the time he's on the beam. He's well prepared. He has a good show. Then when he talks about the little gray aliens, you know, he loses some people. But if you could report to me on a regular basis, rat him out. Uh, because okay. it's the only way we can sort of keep him in his lane. Uh, you know, I do the other side of midnight two two mornings a week on the weekends. He does five. He just scored the highest rating of any overnight show in the history of WABC, higher than Art Bell, higher than Alan B. Combs. And he refuses to see that, well, what's the difference from a year ago and now? Oh, that's right. Curtis does two of the seven days. He won't give me any credit for the ratings increase. Oh, no, you you are definitely a big part of that increase because, you know, the thing is, I have never listened to his show right through until 5 o'clock in the morning. But on the weekends, I go the whole time with you from midnight or from 1 o'clock, whenever you come on, different times at night, on the weekends, right on through until 6 o'clock in the morning. Now, I turn him off, you know, halfway through. So if other people are listening to your show and you have a huge following, and I definitely will listen now. Next Saturday, because I'm very interested to hear what Anthony Weiner has to say. And the poor man, yes, he did some terrible, terrible things. But he did the crime, and he paid that he paid his debt to society with the time that he did in prison. And we're all entitled to second chances, no question. There's another question I have for you. I'm originally from the Bahamas. Did Cousin Brucey appear in 1960 on ZNS, the local radio station in Nassau in the Bahamas? I believe that was his first radio gig was Uh in the Bahamas. He did not work first in New York City or anywhere else in the country, which is the norm. Uh He he got a job in the Bahamas, and Uh apparently the signal was strong enough that it could be heard in the mainland, in parts of the United States, and that's how he was discovered. 
as okay. a radio DJ spinning stacks of wax. Yeah, because they don't say uh, Z like Z, like we say it here. They say Z and S. It's the old British way of saying it. That's the radio station down there. And the fellow who was the station manager was Carter. Um, I left there in 1972, so that would be 12 years before I left down there. And I used to be a very big radio fan. And I'm trying to think. I thought maybe he just made a guest appearance, but I thought to myself... Do I remember hearing, did he refer to himself as Cousin Brucey when he was on the, the show down there? And I tried to get on his show to ask him how many years or how many months was he in the Bahamas. And, um, you know, maybe I heard him. I'm well, not sure. remember, his real name, not his uh, stage name, is Bruce mm-hmm. Morrow. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he might have used uh, the name Bruce Morrow when he was broadcasting, when he broke into the business in the Bahamas. Oh, wow. That's very, very interesting. Because, you know, it's a tiny little place, and it's a very small island. It's only 21 miles long and 7 miles wide. And to think that that's where he got his start, and then look what he became later on here in, on the radio stations in New York. It's really quite incredible. And, and Bonnie, look who brought him back, because he was on the verge of retiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in his 80s. Uh, when he came back to WABC, because John Katsimatidis was always a fan, said, I want Cousin Brucey here on WABC where he started it all. You know, the, the number one uh, top station in the nation spinning stacks of wax. He arm wrestled me. The guy is in incredible shape. He's in his 80s. Mm-hmm. And he beat me arm wrestling in front of everybody. It was embarrassing. <laughs> it was oh embarrassing. <laughs> No, he's great. I listen to him on Saturday nights, and I also love uh, Tony Orlando. I love that show, and he did a great show tonight also. Very, very nice for Valentine's Day. And, um, you know, your your wife, Nancy, is a very lucky lady, and I'm sure she's a beautiful lady. I don't know what she looks like, but you always say how beautiful she is. But, Curtis, you are my cat man. I love cats, and I've always had cats. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I said, you're the real cat man over there. Possibly you can do me a favor because you obviously have very, you do very in-depth research. You're well-spoken. You're well-versed. We got to find out what happened to Dawn. It used to be Tony Orlando and Dawn. And- well, you know, one of those ladies, she died last year. They were two two African-American women with really great voices out of Detroit, I think they were originally. And he paid tribute last year on the show to one of them, and I can't recall her name right now at the moment. But, yes, she passed away. She was in her 70s. So there's only one of the Dawn girls left. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And, again, we're on a mission. We're on a mission, Bonnie. We have to get copies of the weekly tablet into the hands of Frank Morano. He reads box tops. He reads whatever's put in front of him. We've got to bring him back. He's a lost sheep now. He's the lost sheep. He's going, eh, 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 because remember, you know, I was a big fan of his also, but I figured, you know, I always use my real name and I thought, oh, my God, Bonnie on the Upper East Side. He's never going to take my call again if he's listening to us tonight. But, but think of but it. Think like of him, it. Yes. Uh, he's raising his young son, Carmine, now, and we have to make sure that he and Rachel bring mm-hmm. him back into the fold. He was he, right. he, he needs to be baptized uh, in Mount St. Loretto which was the scene in The Godfather in that church there in the south, south Shore of Staten Island 
right by, uh, uh, right by, uh, uh, oh, what is that uh, road right there, right near Highland Boulevard. He needs to take Carmine there and have him baptized the way the baptism took place in The Godfather when Michael Corleone, remember, was at the baptism mm-hmm. of his child, and he said, right. we settle all scores. That's we settle right. all scores. That's right. Well, the baby's almost three months old. If he doesn't do it soon, he won't be able to find a christening suit to fit him because they make them for newborns, not for – and you said the kid is over 20 pounds, oh, right? At, at least <laughs> – Approaching 24 now. It, it is ungodly how huge this child has become. Oh my. And he has, he has Carmine listening in the wee hours in the morning when the baby should be sleeping. He has him listening to talk radio. You know how much agita you get listening to talk radio. Mm-hmm. Well, not not to you guys. I have to say, since you know WABC has come back, it's I don't listen to anybody else. I I don't listen to any of the other radio stations that I used to listen to. Once in a while, I'll listen to um, Relevant Radio, the Catholic radio station, yes, of course. because yeah, they pray the Rosary yes, and they yes. do the Divine Mercy yes. Chaplet, yes, and I'll yes. tune in for that. But other than that, I'm back to WABC morning, noon, and night. I have a radio in every room of my apartment, so. <laughs> Whenever I'm well, home, you know, as I, I told I told my Aunt Mary in Howard Beach uh, when she lived there before she passed to the hereafter, and she would listen religiously to me when I was on with Ron Kuby in the mornings from Morning mm-hmm. Drive. I said, Aunt Mary, turn all seven of your radios on all throughout your apartment, mm-hmm. and my ratings will increase seven times. So oh. she left all seven radios on, and my cousin Joey G, the cheech from Howard Beach, and her daughter Jeannie, they called me up and said, what are you doing? You got mom listening to seven radios simultaneously because she said this will increase your ratings, Curtis. See, that I didn't know. That I didn't know. Uh, no, I usually just whatever room I'm in, I turn it on. I don't keep all of them on at the same time, but whatever room I'm in, then I turn that radio on. Yeah. Well, well we're, <laughs> we're, we're on a mission now, Bonnie. We've got to bring back Frank Morano. He's a lost sheep. Imagine this guy drives around Staten Island in a demolition derby reject with the floorboards that have been rotted out. He sees that there's a wake in a funeral parlor. He doesn't even know the people. He stops there. He walks in. He acts like he's concerned over the person who's laid out. He he kneels down. He takes a prayer card. He says prayers. People in the room are saying, do you know that guy? Is he related? Was he a co-worker? Who? Nobody knows who he is. And he goes in there and he pretends that he's concerned about the person who's died. And he's simply there to bum rush over to the coffee and the cake table for the Entenmann's free coffee cake. Oh, he loves coffee cake. 1-800-848-9222. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. He's back. Andrew Evilized Cuomo with a blood feud and vendetta on his mind 24-7-365. Has teamed up at the compound of Fredo out in Southampton. And now joined by his wartime consigliere, Joe Pococco, 
uh, who has just been sprung from federal prison where he did six years for political corruption. And as part of his uh, wardrobe of options of fighting his way back, clawing his way back into some political office, could be to run against his James for attorney general, although a spokesperson says he's not, could be running against Holcomb, which means nonsense, uh, Kathy Holcomb, or could be maybe a congressional race, of which there are many open seats for Democrats, to be continued. But as part of that revival campaign of Andrew Evilized Cuomo, his lead attorney, Rita Glavin, joined John Katzmatidis on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion that he hosts every Monday through Friday, the number one top-rated 5 o'clock show in the tri-state area. So the status right now is that uh, after the attorney general uh, announced her report on August 3rd at that press conference, Five district attorneys uh, began investigating, and um, where we stand today is all five district attorneys announced that they were not going to bring any charges against the governor. And um, from the governor's perspective, this is what we have said all along, is that the governor didn't sexually harass anyone. He did not commit uh, any crimes, any forcible touching, nothing. And uh, it proves, you know, the points that we made back in August. So one is that, um, you know, the attorney general's report uh, had a lot of things to say, but the attorney general to this day still hasn't released all the evidence underlying the report. And I think that that speaks volumes because we pointed out in numerous presentations why what the attorney general described in the conduct doesn't rise to any violation of uh, law, civil or criminal. We've said it over and over again. And then Andrew Evilized Cuomo's lead attorney, Rita Glavin, had this to say to John Katsimatidis and his uh, roundtable discussion. You know you know how many women I've kissed on the cheek at, at Greek and Italian weddings? <laughs> Should we set up a hotline, John? I, I'm not going to comment on that, John. I'm not going to comment on that. Yeah. Would you, uh, would well, you represent, got, John? We've got another Italian here. We've got Borough President Vito Fisella. You don't just kiss many, women, they kiss men. Yeah, yeah. I do a double kiss. President, how many women have you kissed at Italian weddings? About uh, 10,000 <laughs> over the years. That's what the, that's a custom. It's tradition, and it's uh, the way other people's wave or shake hands. Italians and Greeks uh, hug and kiss. That's the way it is. But in fairness, well, in politics, they do that as well. Well, you you know, also included was the governor got a COVID test uh, broadcast live. And uh, he made a joke to the doctor administering the test who had on an N95 face mask, the face, a plastic face shield and the gown saying, you make that gown look good, doctor. That's one of the examples of the 11 that was in the report. And then she sort of summed it up for John and his roundtable. There was a group of people that were coming up and greeting the governor. There were people all around. We have uh, three photos of his interaction with her. She's smiling and has her hand on his shoulder. His right hand, which is what uh, the testimony was under oath that supposedly did this, was nowhere near her. And they're both laughing. Boy. Andrew Evilized Cuomo is using every every piece 
in his arsenal to get back from the island of Elba. Like Napoleon, who went there to regroup, only to come back bigger and badder than before. It is my belief that Andrew evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Francia Bruta Cuomo, likewise, is reorganizing to launch an attempt to either be elected governor again, attorney general, and take on Tish James, his nemesis, in a uh, primary, or maybe uh, in any one of the open uh, congressional seats with uh, all the reapportionment that has taken place. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Ann from Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ann. Ernest, are you aware that uh, Frank's wife is Jewish? Frank's wife is Jewish? Well, he made that statement uh, during the week. Wow. I didn't know that, Ann. Well, a couple of months ago, he just said something that his wife is is half Jewish. And during the week, he, I don't remember what the conversation was about, but he did say that even though his wife is Jewish, he does very much if she would raise the son as Jewish. Now, hold on a second. He doesn't have a choice in that, end. If you're born to a Jewish mother, you're Jewish. Yeah, he said that. You know, that's incredible. That he, a guy who has renounced his Roman Catholic faith by becoming a wannabe Catholic, a light Catholic, an Episcopalian, uh, started by Henry VIII, who believed in lopping off the heads of his wives that he wanted to discard, not divorce them, but chop off their heads. That's how that religion came about. And you can believe, can you believe this? He is completely avoiding what is Talmudic and Torah law, that if you are born of a Jewish mother, you're Jewish. There's no wiping that away. Well, that's why, That's why. maybe that's why the kid hasn't been baptized. Wow, I never thought of it like that. You know, Curtis, uh, my friends call me the sponge, splash, uh, splash, the vacuum cleaner. Now, what do they both do? Hmm, well... Uh, the child would soon need to have a bris. Just think about it. A sponge and a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. What do they both do? They both pick up the... Uh... I, 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 I know what you mean. I know what you mean, man. <laughs> What's going to happen, though, now? He's going to have to be straightened out, Frank. His son is a Jew. Carmine is Jewish. And there are Italian Jews. There were many of them in Italy. In fact, uh, Mussolini uh, did not gather up all that he was supposed to and send them off to their uh, uh, internment and to their concentration camps and to a certain death for some of them. Uh, but that's not to give any slack to Benito Mussolini, who, by the way, in the square in Milan, got hung upside down and stripped. Skin actually stripped from his skeleton. I'm going to have to have Rabbi Joe Potasnik have a uh, person-to-person conversation with Frank. Frank can't do this. He really can't. Uh, we're going to have to get to Moyle uh, to make sure that he's blindfolded when he has that Rambo knife in his uh, hand and he's ready to give little Carmine a bris. And then, of course, uh, Carmine will You know, Frank will probably faint uh, because of the Mameluke, the Mongoluch that he is. 
But see, this is typical Frank. He's such a contrarian. I, I have told uh, Jews everywhere that I've seen them. I just recently told that story in southern Florida, which might as well be uh, a little a little Jerusalem for all the Jews that live down there. I said, do you realize that one of the toughest men ever to walk this earth was a Jew? And they said, what do you mean, King David? I said, no, no, no. We're not doing biblical uh, parables about, you know, David and Goliath. I'm saying one of the roughest, toughest guys, and I... I would query them and I'd say, what's one of the greatest movies that's ever been made? And then naturally, uh, a lot of them would say, Ben-Hur, you know, Moses. i say, come on, knock it off. One of the greatest films of all time was Scorsese's, uh, Jake LaMotta, The Raging Bull, right? Remember that famous scene where Jake LaMotta's in the ring with Sugar Ray Robinson for like, what, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or eighth time? They go, Ray, you didn't knock me down. He's all bloodied and bruised. You didn't knock me down. So all Jews are going, man, I don't want to be like that guy. He's a gavon, right? He's a real jadrul. He's a real knuckle dragon. Turns out that Jake LaMotta, who was born and raised in the Bronx, was born to a Jewish mother. That makes Jake LaMotta Jewish. There's no way. You can wipe that away. And apparently, Frank is messing around with uh, Talmudic law here. In typical contrarian fashion, there's just no way he can do that. Let's go to Bill in Philadelphia. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Billy. Hey, good morning, Curtis. Uh, I've I really uh, enjoy your show. You're the you're the best. But you forgot somebody who had a lot to do with this station coming back on uh, in a second life. You forgot Lydia. Oh, Lydia Serrano. That's right. The Albanian bad girl. That's right. You're her. You're her. You're her groupie, right? That's right. I listen every day to the Lydia report. Wow. You mean you, now she's on morning, noon, and night, all different times. Do you mean? She has a lot to do with the station making the comeback. Well, hell yeah. If if guys like you are listening morning, noon, and night, the ratings have to be absolutely astronomical. Yeah. Well, she's, she's very intelligent. I read this. uh, Somebody wrote a text message, uh, that uh, she ought to run for office. I think she should. Man, I'm telling you, what is it you like about Lydia's broadcast? I like her voice. She's just very pretty, and she's very, very intelligent. Very intelligent. Now, would it be uh, would it be okay for me to come to the conclusion that you are hot to trot for Lydia Serrani? Yeah. Yes, I am. I think she's awesome. I told her that. And how did she react? Did she blush? Uh, she did, I think. She she said, thank you, Bill, from Philadelphia. See? You see? She's grateful. She's magnanimous. Uh, right. You and other guys love listening to to her, her many updates uh, during the course of the day. And, That's right. And, Bill, you, you are just magnanimous in your listening because... There are a number of uh, talk radio stations right in the Philadelphia area, the greater Philadelphia area, but because of Lydia Serrani. 
Bill, who's hot to trot for the Albanian bad girl, listens to 770 AM WABC 247365 because he figures maybe she'll mention my name. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Doesn't believe in the vaccine passport, so the mask, a no-masker, a no-vaxxer, along with Van Morrison. But the reason that we're playing this song, I Shot the Sheriff, the version of Eric Clapton, is because have you seen the descent from an apex of fundraising for Black Lives Matter? Remember, in the summer of 2020, in the aftermath of the killing of George Floyd by the four police officers in South Minneapolis, all hell broke loose in the major cities and even suburbs of America. And Black Lives Matter, which uh, we hadn't even known, known much about, I did, because they were participants in uh, demonstrations in our neck of the woods, going back uh, all to... uh, about 2010, uh, at the time that uh, Eric Garner uh, ended up dying in the streets uh, of uh, the north section of Staten Island, where Victory Boulevard meets uh, Bay Street, as he was selling Lucy's, and then was approached by the police from the precinct uh, and end up uh, dying as a result of being taken down, choked out by... Uh, the police officer Pantaleo and not being uh, taken care of by the EMTs who had come from Richmond Hospital. A real mess. A real mess. So that's where I really first saw Black Lives Matter emerge 
the guy we most associated with, Hawk Newsom here in New York City, along with his sister, who went on to run for a congressional race as a communist, uh, as a registered uh, communist, uh, lost, uh, just got defeated. But uh, they have continued to build their wing of Black Lives Matter in New York. And there are wings that are part of the Global Network Foundation, which began to collect money from major Fortune 500 corporations hand over fist. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. To the point where they had accumulated, as far as we know, $90 million in the summer of 2020 alone. Some of the largest Fortune 500 companies, hedge fund monsters, uh, crypto uh, uh, devourers, it didn't matter. Bitcoin, they all started contributing to Black Lives Matter for a number of reasons. If you were a retailer or a wholesaler, you found it was like buying your civil rights insurance. That Black Lives Matter might not loot and end up shooting up your establishment or your franchises. Yeah, knock yourself out. See how that worked. But it turns out that Black Lives Matter has not only misused and misspent the $90 million, but nobody is now coming forward and saying, I'm in charge. You know, it's sort of like that scene out of Spartacus. Remember Spartacus? Kirk Douglas is Spartacus. Tony Curtis is his his aide-de-camp. And the Romans having captured Spartacus... And that band of uh, outcasts, those warriors, uh, was asking uh, in the crowd, who's Spartacus here? Who's Spartacus? And remember, Tony Curtis stood up, I'm Spartacus. And all of Spartacus's men, in that case, Kirk Douglas, stood up and said, I'm Spartacus. And Kirk Douglas felt so good that all of his men were going to ultimately face death by throwing that into the face of their Roman captors. And in fact, remember, on the way to Rome, they were crucified upside down uh, and stabbed in the process so that they would bleed out. Remember that famous scene in Spartacus? Great movie. Absolutely great movie. I wonder if any of you could tell us any of the nuances or the things in Spartacus we may not be aware of, not just the role that Kirk Douglas played as Spartacus, Tony Curtis, his aide-de-camp, But some of the other great scenes in one of the greatest movies ever made, 1-800-848-9222, that's 1-800-848-WABC. So there is now no visible leadership of Black Lives Matter, the Global Network Foundation, none. They were never really visible to begin with in the summer of 2020. These were three women, dedicated communists. They didn't hide... uh, Uh, The fact they were loud and proud about it. Hardcore lesbians. Uh, One was Patrice Khan Cullors. Who all of a sudden in the aftermath of the summer of 2020 went on a real estate buying spree. uh, Like four homes for three million dollars. And a lot of people said, how could you afford those kind of homes? You're only earning on the books $20,000 a year from the Global Network Foundation. Well, obviously, she was skimming money. There's no doubt about it. Even bought a property up in T.O. in Ontario, Toronto, Canada. And then it was Monifa Bandley and Makani Themba. 
These are the three founding members of Black Lives Matter. The basis of Black Lives Matter is that it was dedicated to the actions that have been taken by Asana Shakur, a.k.a. Joanne Chesimard, who is behind the sugarcane curtain of Raul and Fidel Castro. She's there in perpetuity. They take good care of her. She's on the FBI's most wanted list. In fact, at the time when he was governor and then became presidential candidate, Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie, said that the United States should cease any activity with the island of Cuba, any normalization until Joanne Chesimard, a.k.a. Asada Shakur, leader of the Black Liberation Army, responsible for the killing of many police officers, especially the state trooper in New Jersey, that unless she is returned, there would be no normalization of relationships between the United States and Cuba. And it turns out that Asada Shakur had been found guilty of executing a New Jersey state trooper uh, and then had been transported to uh, Clinton, uh, at the time the female correctional facility in New Jersey. Members of the uh, Black uh, Liberation Army sprung her. Remember, they, along with the Weather Underground, the white faction, joined together with the black faction, Black Liberation Army, and they had declared war on America. They felt that other organizations, like the parent uh, Black Panther Party, was not violent enough. They felt that the SDS Students for a Democratic Society run by Mark Rudd, who took over Columbia University, were not violent enough. So they joined forces and declared a revolution against uh, America. And one of the keynote measures they took were the execution of police officers in the line of duty. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. And think of that. Where did the $90 million go? The Attorney General in California and the Attorney General in Washington State have ordered the Black Lives Matter parent organization, Global Network Foundation, to stop taking donations. They, in return, have told Attorney Generals in which they're registered in states uh, across America that they've shut down their fundraising. They have no visible leaders. They were started in honor of Joanne Chesimard, a.k.a. Asana Shakur, who uh, led the revolutionary effort against America by the Black Liberation Army, one of their goals, executing police officers in the line of duty, of which they did many. And the other role model was Angela Davis. Oh, I fell in love with Angela Davis at a very young age with that fro. She was magnificent. Well, boy, she was a hardcore revolutionary slash communist who was hooked up with George Jackson and the Soledad brothers, helped smuggle a gun into Soledad prison where they conducted a breakout. A year, two years later, she went on federal trial in San Jose, beat the charges, and then went on a worldwide tour preaching revolution and the downfall of America. And I think now she lives in Birmingham, Alabama. And has no eyes for me because she's a lesbian. Boy, what a bummer that was for me to find out that she was not interested in a guy like me or any guys to begin. Sort of like Joan Jett in the Blackhearts. Joan Jett playing that guitar, dressed all in black. Oh, man, what a, what a, what a great rock and roll band. 
I forgave her. She was a Baltimore Oreos fan, even though she was from Long Island. And then to find out Joan Jett was not interested in me because she didn't like guys. <sighs> what a conundrum. What a conundrum. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And it doesn't seem that there's this desire to find out what happened to all that money that was raised by Black Lives Matter. Much of it wasn't raised by them. It was thrown at them. Fortune 500 companies, Wall Street, retailers, wholesalers, just voluntarily gave them money thinking it could insulate them from looting and shooting sprees which were plaguing the nation. Who do you find responsible for Black Lives Matter and now their demise in which they've basically, they've gone underground. They've gone back to their roots. They've gone underground, out of sight, out of mind. And yet, there's still a force, not quite the force that they were in the summer of 2020, when people feared them, when people capitulated to them. Wow. Remember every freak. In day, Bill de Blasio at that time, the part-time mayor of the dope from Park Slope, would be out there painting Black Lives Matter on a street near you. Oh, the, all the asphalt in New York City. He, who was he joined by? Eric Adams. That's right. Remember, the Brooklyn Borough president every day was painting Black Lives Matter on streets throughout the five boroughs. In fact, that's how he came to learn about the five boroughs because he never traveled there. He was the Brooklyn Borough president. And then they were joined by the uh, unlikely individuals, the odd couple, Carolyn Maloney, the congresswoman from the Upper East Side, who would be out there in front of Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue, joining de Blasio, joining Al Slim Shady Sharpton, joining Eric Adams, painting Black Lives Matter logos. And I said to myself, what? What the hell is this? Catering to the mob, catering to the crowd. Figuring that if Black Lives Matter perseveres, they wanted to be saved when the revolution uh, started coming. Remember, L. Scott Heron said the revolution will not be televised. Well, this revolution certainly was. And a lot of young huckleberries, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, they got involved in the process, raising money, donating money. And it just went right into this abyss. No, no responsibility or confirming where this money went. Doesn't seem anybody cares. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go north of the border into Ontario. I'm surprised our signal can even be heard there, figuring all those truck convoys blocking the bridge entrances and exits to Ontario from uh, Buffalo, New York, from Detroit into Windsor, and other parts unknown would have blocked that. But somehow, Gordon was able to make it through the uh, blockade. Where are you calling from, Gordon? Uh, Waterloo, Mr. Sliwa. And where is that uh, in proximity to uh, Buffalo or proximity to Detroit? It's uh, Okay, so it's three hours from Detroit, an hour and a half from Buffalo, and uh, about an hour in a slow car from Toronto. 
Can you do me a favor and give us an update about what's happening with those convoys, those blockades, uh, your prime minister there, and the attempts to uh, extricate them uh, through the police? Well, future prime minister Doug Ford uh, came out rather strong about this because of the uh, economic problems that are starting to appear. Lack of parts to make cars and trucks. Uh, there's starting to be some shortages of, uh, you know, uh, foodstuffs and things like that, stuff that people are used to. But it's nothing that people can't live through. But the interesting thing is uh, they've cut off. Uh, there's a lot of American funding coming in to support the truckers and their causes. And, and uh, the, uh, of course, the liberals do not like uh, American money coming in to support freedom of speech sort of agendas, especially the prime minister. So uh, they've cut off the funding and uh, frozen it. Uh, but uh, they're standing strong still in Ottawa, and uh, they're going to have to uh, remove them one by one. Now, when um, future pr- prime minister Ford came out, uh, you know, uh, Trudeau came out of his cocoon and basically parroted what uh, Ford was saying and uh, because he knew what to do now. <laughs> so uh, it's a confusing sort of time up here. Right, but the whole world is watching you. In fact, apparently there are truck convoys in Australia, in New Zealand, uh, in America, that are gathering up may even block uh, the stupid bowl, aka the game. Oh uh, no! One group uh, that is amassing in Sacramento uh, and att- will attempt to convoy all the way to Washington D.C. and surround Washington D.C. and cut off traffic uh, to the Biden White House and to the halls of Congress. You see, you Canadians have led, and now others are following all over the world, Gordon. Well, Canadians are the biggest complainers in the world, and I'm surprised people don't know that. Uh, the uh, And the influence of uh, freedom of speech in the USA is not lost here on a lot of people. And uh, they've had enough of this uh, agendas of people like Trudeau and Obama and Clinton. Uh, people have had enough, and there's a lot of people getting very wealthy off this it's like the new scare, right? And the, the people that are getting wealthy are, uh, you know, those types. Well, for instance, uh, your Prime Minister Trudeau Jr., he has called the truckers and their supporters homophobes, sexist, misogynist, racist, xenophobes, uh, neo-Nazis, fascists. And it just doesn't seem to be sticking with the mass majority of the Canadian population. Would I be uh, true in making that assessment? It, it is true because uh, it, he, this is a tactic of his. Whenever he's losing some sort of argument, and, and he really doesn't understand anything, uh, but he, he pulls out this card that, that paints, uh, you know, there's perhaps a few bad apples in in like the the truckers or that are associated with them, but the majority of these people are just regular folk, and he knows that. So they back down. They first tried to smear them, okay, uh, and paint them all with this brush of his that he uses to to close down debate. 
and uh, he wouldn't face them. You know, he had the COVID scare, and then I think he pretended to have COVID, so he didn't have to face these people. And finally, uh, Ford came out and, uh, you know, had to start dealing with it because uh, it's affecting the economy too much. But uh, it's it's just, uh, you know, it's uh, Ontario's the juggernaut of Canada. And uh, we have to have business here. And, uh, like, there's $700 million a day goes, uh, you know, border to border. So that's, you know, significant dollars. And uh, auto workers have been laid off now. And uh, they're forcing, uh, not forcing, but uh, union members are being brought in to uh, sweep the floors and paint the building. Wow. It's their option. Yet it no, does I, not seem, as you had mentioned, that the uh, truckers are retreating at all. Uh, I don't know how they're going to remove those trucks because, remember, once you park the truck, if you as a uh, driver of an 18-wheel tractor trailer just decide to hide the keys so the authorities don't have access, it's going to take them a long time to move those rigs, a long time. Well, how, how many uh, how, how many trucks do they have that are capable of uh, removing a rig like that i mean i mean it's a i i don't see them winning unless they sort of uh, sit down and talk seriously with these people uh if they hold fast and i noticed that uh joe biden our president here stateside is in solidarity with trudeau jr saying you gotta you gotta uh, unfreeze the bridges you gotta clear the lanes of the bridges uh, have you detected if uh, Americans are attempting to do uh, their part of that on the American side of the Friendship Bridge uh, that connects Windsor to Detroit or Buffalo to uh, uh, Ontario? I'm not sure about what Biden and uh, Trudeau, they're peas in the pod, aren't they? But I noticed that Ted Cruz is getting a lot of uh, airplay up here. Oh, he is. Fine. Yeah, he is. Like... Uh... He's kind of like the go-to guy for the Canadian media. He's like well, Gordon, up everywhere. Gordon, remember the argument in the election of 2016, the primary, was that, in fact, Ted Cruz was a Canadian and not an American. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I remember that. He was born in Alberta, wasn't he? Uh, his father was in the military. Yeah, well, you know, Alberta, I've been in Alberta. I've spent time in Edmonton and Calgary organizing Guardian Angels and on the uh, uh, Native Indian or what they call indigenous uh, reservations there. And I got to tell you, that's the one part of Canada, and I've traveled from Canada all the way from the the, uh, provinces, uh, from uh, Halifax, Newfoundland, throughout Quebec, Ontario, uh, to uh, Regina, Saskatchewan, you know, where the Chinook uh, winds would take me right into uh, Edmonton, Calgary, across the Rocky Mountains to Victoria and British Columbia in uh, uh, right there on the coast in B.C. And I got to tell you, Alberta, the province of Alberta, might as well be the 51st state. They have, you would think you were in America there. Well, it's big oil and uh they have a decent uh, premier out there now. He's a conservative. He, he could have actually been the leader, but he chose to go back uh, home and uh, figure out uh, well, what they jokingly call the 51st state. But, I mean, uh, 
They have a lot of problems in the energy sector due to uh, liberal mismanagement. Yeah, well, when they have that annual uh, Calgary stampede uh, with all them cowboys, I mean, you'd swear you were in Fort Worth, Texas, not in Calgary, uh, in uh, Alberta, Canada. Well, apparently it's the biggest rodeo uh, in the world, and uh, I've never been to that, but I've driven out to uh, Vancouver before. But may I say one other thing? Uh, like you staggered me. How did I? How did Jet. I? How did I stagger you? I didn't punch you in the schnoz. Oh, with the Joan Jet news that she's a. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that that she's a carpet muncher. I had no idea. Like I really thought I didn't know that. Yes, it broke my heart. <laughs> she just did today. Joan, I don't know why. Like, Joan I Jet. Uh, who uh, one of the greatest rock and roll performers of all time uh, actually prefers the companionship of a fellow woman than of a guy. Like I said, uh, she's a Baltimore, a Baltimore Oreos fan, who, although who grew up in Long Island. I, I, I was crestfallen. I was crestfallen when I learned that. Me too. Uh, I, I... The Baltimore Orioles thing, that's one of my favorite trivia questions, uh, Mr. Sliwa, is uh, only one time in history has a team had four 20-game winners. What's the team, what's the year, and name the four pitchers? Would I be correct? The Miracle Mets of 1969 beat them? No. Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But the uh, they beat the Baltimore oh, yeah. Orioles, okay. right? I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. Four one. It's yeah. okay. So okay. I'm Can thinking you name all four. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, Dave McNally. Yeah. I'm thinking uh, Palmer. Right. I'm thinking Pappas. No. Hmm. I got two. Two out of two out of four. Uh, give me. Give me all four. Dobson and Quayar. Yeah, see, I was thinking of Quayar. I said Hispanic, but I said Pappas, so I was wrong. So I only got Dave McNally. I got Jim. I wear my BVD Fruit of the Looms Palmer. <laughs> that was the GQ guy. I mean, Jim Palmer was yeah. like right out of GQ magazine. Hey, money in the bank, Palmer. And uh, Quayar uh, might as well have been uh, like the catcher, Andy Etcher-Baron, uh, who... <laughs> who clearly did not use Clearasol when he was growing up. <laughs> he had the worst scar marks on his face, probably from acne or probably from something that caused that, of any ball player I had ever seen, Andy Etcheberrin. He's a guy in hockey like that, too. He's a silly, I felt sorry for. Yeah. Silly barber. But I, I'm telling you, I can see that I did a shock and awe on you. About well, John Jett, I, 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 I still don't want to believe it. <laughs> it, it, it. If you were standing there uh, and the Blackhearts were behind her as she was playing the guitar and next to you was your girlfriend and you were both looking at her perform, she'd be looking at your girlfriend and not you. I mean, that's just uh, the reality. you got to accept that, Gordon. I know it broke your heart. It broke my heart. Uh, but, hey, if it can happen to an American, it can happen to a Canadian also that our hearts get broken simultaneously as our hands are across the border in solidarity with the convoys, right? Right on. <laughs> now, 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 we cut your money supply. 
all of a sudden we said, oh, no, 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 you can't, you can't have the money that was donated by Americans, Canadians, and everyone else around the world. That was like the worst possible thing you could do, the GoFundMe money. Yeah, and then it was uh, Angela Davis. I found out she preferred women as opposed to men. That broke my heart. Imagine, you know, three strikes and I'm out. I don't know if that happened to me with anyone else. But then again, when I was growing up, oftentimes if a woman preferred another woman as opposed to you, the guy, you wouldn't know that. It wasn't uh, as out loud and proud as it is today. But it broke my heart. Joan Jett of the Blackhearts and Angela Davis, who was in solidarity with George Jackson and the Solidarity Brothers. <sighs> 1-800-848-9222. Now, if you remember our caller from a while back, a real great Catholic. Oh, boy, was she a loyal Catholic. Trying to... Uh, Speak about how Frank Morano wants his Entenmann's coffee cake and wants to eat it too by being a wannabe Catholic and Episcopalian. His son, born of Rachel, who apparently is of the Jewish faith, and then immediately say, oh, but he's not Jewish. Again, a contrarian, completely trying, like with uh, strat- not stratomatic, but remember how we used to have the Etch-A-Sketch You write down, okay, Carmine is Jewish because Rachel is Jewish. If the mother is Jewish, then the child is Jewish. And then you just take the Etch-A-Sketch and you make it go away as if it didn't happen. This is what Frank Morano was trying to do. And that caller, solid Catholic, who's going to start getting the tablet every week from a local parish and force Frank Morano to read it so we can bring back the lost sheep and turn it back into an RC, which stands for, not Roman Catholic, real Christian. And we'll know that when he has the ashes on Ash Wednesday. Although I think the Episcopalians have ashes on Ash Wednesday, too. If I'm wrong or if I'm right, please let me know. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But remember how our caller, the hardcore Catholic said, I don't understand why Frank Morano would do a segment called Get Frank Morano when the callers just humiliated him, degraded him, turned him into an ashen heap. Well, you got to understand, Frank Morano loves it because people are paying attention to him. Now, I know it's negative attention. It's debilitating. But Frank loves any kind of attention. Up next, we're going to give you just a, a little bit of the flavor of the Get On Frank, Get At Frank hour that he did this past week, trying to imitate the king of talk radio, Bob Grant. Can't do it. He's just low budget compared. I mean, Bob Grant did it so splendidly, so magnificently. You can't in any way, shape, or form imitate that great success of the king of talk radio. But then again, Frank Morano tried. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
Ladies and gentlemen, this was the song specifically contoured and crafted for me. For the two mornings that I do the other side of midnight, which is Saturday mornings from 1 to 6, 5 hours, and then the mega 6-hour show that we're in the process of doing right now, which is from 12 midnight to 6 in the morning, Sunday morning. David Crosby of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, the bad boy David Crosby, specifically came up with this song. I want you to listen, listen, listen. Flows. Now compare that to Frank Morano's low-budget theme song that was created by a garage band of some junior high school quartet. Really low-budget. This top-shelf five-star. And as a result of that, You heard our hardcore Catholic caller of the previous hour said she couldn't understand why Frank Morano would allow himself to become a human piñata because uh, he wanted to recreate what was such a great segment of the old uh, Bob Grant show, the King of Talk Radio. But when you're not up to snuff, when you're not a Bob Grant, you know, you, you can't do it at the level of Bob Grant. And Frank Morano tries. He tries. But he can't stop himself from uh, laughing or being anger, angered or weighing in. The whole idea of get it, get it Frank or get it Curtis or get at Bob Grant is that you stay completely quiet. You suck it up. You take it. And then you go on to the next caller instead of engaging them in conversation. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Listen to Dave in Dumont who uh, is quite upset that Frank Morano will not allow Dave to uh, read some of his lines of poetry. Let me begin with Dave in Dumont. Hello there, Dave. Hey, Frank. How's it going? Well, it depends on how the rest of this phone call goes, and then I'll be able to answer that. Okay. Well, I feel that um, you don't give me enough time to speak my mind. I think... uh, Sometimes you cut me off. I know you have a lot of callers because you have a very good show. But I think you cut me off, and you don't let me read any more poetry, even though I have a very good one called, Is There a Doctor in the House? It's a comical poem about doctors, and I want to read that one day. But also, my teacher in college said, Dave, I'm going to write a letter to your boss at work so you can get a promotion because, Dave, you think analytically. You think outside the box, and you're a smart guy. And a lot of people told me, Dave, you're a smart guy. So I want you to hear me and hear my opinions because I know what I'm talking about, and I think outside the box. And then Frank just completely dissed him and dismissed him and introduced him to Mr. Click. That's not how you deal with get it, Frank. You got to suck it up. You don't interfere. 
You don't introduce the callers to Mr. Click. You allow them to finish their incredibly well-prepared statement. I want to applaud Dave and Dumont, who, as you know, has regularly called us here in the wee hours of the morning. You're welcome to read your poetry here, because Frank Morano is going to think you're going to encroach on his precious talk time. How dare you read poetry? That would be like on Golden Pond, right? You know, Frank will be, oh, this this will be, he'll upstage me by reading poetry. He'll actually add some class to my show. And there was another caller named Dave who came right at Frank. Dave, it is time for you to get at Frank. Oh, yeah, Frank, I love you, bro. You're so, you're the contemporary issues you cover, like the history of the wooden nickel and the fate of the hard rubber tire. <laughs> of course... When it comes to contemporary music, bro, you certainly got your pulse on things. Al Jolson, I know how contemporary he is for you. If you're a betting man, of course, you're very reliable. Just pick an issue, make make an opinion, and, of course, you put money on the other side. (laughs) Now, when you're doing this, he's not supposed to be giggling like a little girl. Frank Morano is supposed to be restraining himself He's supposed to be impervious to any human sentimentality at that point. But notice, he's giggling like a little girl. Like a little girly. Like a little girly man, as Arnold Schwarzenegger would say. And then finally, in the Get It Frank segment, Melvin gives him a piece of his mind. Melvin is in the Bronx. Hello, Melvin. Number one is... You do not take calls for your listening audience, which is why you on air. You got a severe case of diarrhea in the mouth, constantly running in the mouth, and you do not do your homework. You need to open up your archives and see and listen to the phenomenon of cause and effect. Whatever happened before is going to repeat. For those who forget the lessons of the past are doomed to repeat mistakes in the future. I'm talking about credibility, which you totally lack due to your lack of integrity. You need to grow up and listen to what's going on around it and do your homework and take more calls from your listeners so they can express their point of view. Everyone on this rock called has a point of view. Don't make them right. Don't make them wrong. But let's get down to facts. And you need to start speculating because it shows what you don't know. You can take any speculation you express on the air to any casino or racetrack in this, in this country because it shows your total lack of what you're talking about. So you need to listen to people around you who've been born before you or what's going on. I got drafted 53 years ago by the United States military for what? And you better study up on executive or 9981, what that was all about, so you can understand what exactly is going on out here in this particular rock called Planet Earth. Grow up while you have opportunity to do so. You really think that Frank knows anything about executive order 9981, Melvin? Uh, I must say that Melvin shellacked him there, rightfully so. He kicked him uh, here, there, every which way. Frank Morano needs to learn a lesson from the past. And even though he lives in the past, even though he acts like an 85-year-old when he's probably a 25-year-old, Melvin was spot on. I mean, you couldn't have gotten at Frank any better than Melvin did. Now, do you think that through this constructive criticism, Frank Morano is going to put any of these suggestions into the, the flow of his talk radio? Of course not. 
He's pretentious. He's obnoxious. He's omnipotent. He he really thinks he knows it all. So he he, he patronized. He placated Melvin. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. In fact, look, it's Dave from Dumont. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dave. Curtis, you're the man. Well, I had, you're I, the man, Curtis. I, I can't believe you played my... I, I can't believe you're talking about me and you played that uh, that bit I uh, when I was talking to Frank about him cutting me off. And I haven't read my poetry in a long time. I talk about a lot of other things. Yeah, well, he was so egregious towards you so and so uh, so snotty towards you also. Yeah, I mean, especially when I started. He, he liked one of the poems that I read entitled Eternal Life which my minister said after I read it in Bible study, he said, you're getting better. And uh, that was back in 1995 when I wrote that. You see, uh, you know you know what would impress Frank Morano if you did some haiku poetry, something that he doesn't understand at all. Haiku? Yeah, haiku Jap- poetry. Is that Japanese? Yes. I don't know any haiku hi, poetry. Hi, 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 yes. That's a lot. Of, that's that's a lot of saying the same word. Yeah, but you, <laughs> I, I must tell you, uh, I don't know if you recognize that Frank Morano was just tolerating you when you were trying to offer your creativity to a show, which at times has just a lack of anything creative. It's just like a, you know, he regurgitates stuff. You know, I have to tell you something. I can't tell you who this person is. But my brother-in-law was a radio personality on this radio station for 27 years. Mm. Mm. I can't tell you who he is, because if I tell you, he's, he's going to get very mad at me. No, no, I understand. You don't want to upset that kind of relationship. Yeah, so I don't want to say who he is, but he was on this radio station for 27 years. Well, I just want you to know, you're welcome. Frank will not allow you to come on and do poetry which he should, you're welcome to do it here on the Curtis Lee Show uh, in all the different time schedules that I do. Morning, noon, night. Remember, WABC, the acronym uh, stands for, according to John Katzmatidis, owner-operator of Red Apple Media, our parent company, always broadcasting Curtis. How do you like that, Frank? He, he's so gauche. He's so boorish. His Dave writes out the poetry, right? That, that, that It's... Such a creative endeavor. And Frank won't even let... At one time, he let him read his poetry. Let's go to Pat in Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pat. Hi again. I was on earlier, but I have to tell you. um, Frank Morano's wife, Rachel, her mother was a Jew, but she raised her family as evangelicals. Now, her maiden name was O'Brien, so I'm assuming her dad... Might have been Catholic, but this is why they don't know where to have Carmine, um, you know, baptized. Well, let me tell you, Pat, even though Rachel might have been raised an evangelical, she can't get away from the fact that her mother, who may have converted and become an evangelical, is still a Jew. In the eyes of Hashem, is a Jew. And according to Talmudic and Torah law, she is a Jew and has just had her first child, Carmine, who is Jewish. There's no getting away from that. No getting away from that, which means that 
This young man, Carmine, must be told that he's one of the chosen people. He cannot be denied that, Pat. Oh, no, he doesn't deny it. Frank doesn't deny that his son is Jewish. It's just that they, um, her family didn't practice the Jewish religion. So they, they've been going around to different churches. They don't know where to have them baptized or oh, what they're oh, going to become. Oh, so they're going church shopping? Oh, yeah. As if, as if this was going for carpet, like, you know, Kaufman carpet? <laughs> they're going church shopping? Oh. Pat, what a disgraziata. What a shanda. I know. It's strange. It's strange, isn't it? Pat, there is a fine church called Mount Laredo. It was featured in The Godfather. It is right there in uh, the south shore of Staten Island. You can't go any further. It's right there in Tottenville. And that was the scene where, remember, Michael Corleone at the uh, baptism of one of his children was telling all of those who attended, we're settling all scores. Do you remember that scene? Mm, vaguely. Well, let me tell you something. He should immediately go to Catholic Charities, which runs Mount Laredo, and let them know that he wants young Carmine baptized there in a church that is world-renowned and something that is so close to Catholic, Roman Catholic dogma and the Italian-American traditions. Not to do so would be a double disgraziata, Pat. Yeah, but I guess Rachel doesn't want that. I don't know. Well, you know it's not Rachel. Rachel will conform. Mm. The contrarian in that relationship is not Rachel. It's Frank Romano. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's is it strange, is it Rachel? Is it, it, I know. Is it Rachel who gets up and marries couples? Is it Rachel who pretends to be a minister? Is it Rachel who goes on a barnstorming tour, puts a collar around his neck like a snake oil salesman, and tells people that he's licensed to marry them? Yeah, that's very strange. Very strange. Yeah. You understand? Oh, well, he's a wannabe. He should have gone. This is what he should have done because he was a mamaluke when he was born. He should have gone to the seminary. He should have become a priest so that he could properly marry couples instead of this fake, phony, fraudulent, fagazi way in which he pretends to be a minister. Yeah, a lot of people are into that. I think that's very strange. I wonder if they're le- really legally married, these people he marries. No, no, they're not. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if you happen to be listening out there and Frank Morano signed you a certificate of marriage, I ask you, where is the freaking blood test? (laughs) Right? He doesn't he doesn't extract blood like a vampire. How can it be official? There, There was no blood test done to make sure that the couples will not be transmitting STDs. And that's not STP of Andy Granatelli that's going to give you the racist edge in your in your engine. Yeah, well, well, the crux of the matter is they have to have that child baptized someplace. Yes, they, I, 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 I agree, and it's got to be a Roman Catholic church. It must be a Roman Catholic church, a basilica. It must be conducted by a Roman Catholic priest, not a wannabe Catholic, an Episcopalian. It's got to be the but real he's not deal, a Catholic Pat. Catholic anymore? He doesn't go to the Catholic church anymore. I know, but so it, I guess he's not a Catholic. No, but how is it you follow a religion? It came about because King Henry VIII wanted to chop off his wife's heads instead of getting divorced. 
I mean, can he be mm. any more barbaric? It's very sad. Really sad. Do you think maybe we can do an intervention here, me and you, Pat? I don't know. I just know you should tell him because I know you talk to him when on Sunday nights when he comes on. They've got to get that child baptized. I think that you and I, Pat, can do an intervention. You can talk to uh, Rachel. You'll you'll make sense with Rachel. You'll you'll explain uh, what needs to be done for young Carmine, and she's very reasonable. The problem is, Frank, he's a contrarian. So what I'll do, Pat, is I'll just threaten him. <laughs> How are you going to threaten him with what? Look, this is what I do. I've done my whole life. I'll threaten to bend his leg and stuff it in his pocket. Oh, no. Well, you know what? This is what I'll tell him. This this will get his attention. I'll say, look, Frank, I am going to live my entire life so that I do all seven mornings of the other side of midnight. Oh, boy. That's right. Now we'll see if he complies, if he conforms, if he gets on track. Because this is not about Frank Morano or Curtis Sliwa or you, Pat, or his lovely wife, Rachel. This is about young Carmine. What's best for young Carmine, right? Absolutely. And we want, we want J.C. staring down from the heavens, sanctioning this baptism, which is so important. We're not talking about taking him when he's like 22 years old and dunking him in water like some religions do. We're talking about well, baptism. be the evangelicals. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. which and means you have three sons, and two of them are Jewish, and your other son Anthony is he Catholic or was that your wife then a Catholic? I don't remember. Yes, uh, Roman Catholic. He was baptized. Uh, my youngest okay. son, uh, Carter, my middle son, he just had his bar, uh, bar mitzvah uh, as right. a gentile. Yeah, as a gentile, I was uh, permitted to come to the Beamer in the Reformed synagogue, not the conservative synagogue. Oh, they took my checks. I said, oh, Cantor, Rabbi, uh, my checks don't bounce, but you won't let me uh, go to the Beamer. The Reform let me go to the Beamer and actually read a few words. And then naturally there's Hunter. He's 11. Uh, two years from now, he'll be going through his bar mitzvah. Uh, the, the mother there is raising them Jewish because she's Jewish. Uh, the, yeah. the mother of Anthony, uh, actually Anthony's uh, stepfather is Governor David Patterson now. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Well, you know, it's a shame because a lot of people in this day and age have gotten totally away from not only religion but away from God. And it's I think that's the problem with a lot of that's going on in this world. They've gotten away from God. So you have to give Frank and Rachel credit for searching for something, really. Yeah, but what are they going to do? Go to a department store and try to find a religion for Carmine? Yeah. What are they going to go? To Walmart? Which which aisle do you go for the Roman Catholic religion in Walmart? Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't know. I, I'm just glad they're going to do something. Well, I I'm telling you, we, we need to do an intervention, Pat. Like I said, you work on Rachel. I'll work on Frank the Contrarian. Uh, but when all else fails... Threatening to punch somebody's schnoz right down their throat and then simultaneously bending their leg and stuffing it in their pocket usually gets their attention. Anyway, let's go to Rocco, who's calling from Selden. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rocco. 
Yes, it doesn't sound like Rachel and Frank are picking you as the godfather anytime too soon there, uh, Curtis. Curtis, I'd like to mention something about the songs. Uh, Frank's song, I, I, I think Frank's song is fabulous. You could hear the words. You, I like the music there. Your song is fabulous also. It's just that you don't know. I, I can't make out the words. I'd also like to say something about uh, Anthony Weiner today. Uh, or yesterday was it yesterday? You did fabulous. It was a, it was a fabulous two hours until he started saying that uh, Joe Biden is doing a fabulous job. There, it's amazing how the Democrats stick together. You know, Eric Adams said uh, gave uh, De Blasio De Blasio a uh, B plus rating. Uh, Anthony Weiner says Joe Biden's doing a fabulous job. And remember, and I, I, remember, Rocco, uh, Eric Adams says he's the Biden of Brooklyn. Amazing. Absolutely. Well, well, in a lot you of know, ways, he's proving that to be true because haven't we caught Eric Adams telling a lot of lies in the way he does his stories and narratives just like Joe Biden does? You know, you know, you know, it's amazing. Only 23 percent of uh, uh, New York City voters voted. I, I, I don't understand all those people that are frightened in their homes. There, They can't come out. There's bullets flying around all over the place and they can't come out and vote for Curtis Sliwa. It, it makes no sense to me. There. And can I say something about Lydia Serrano? Of course. Of course. Every, every, whatever she says, I agree with 100 percent. And and if she ran for public office, I would immediately, immediately uh uh, support her uh, so that she could join uh, Elise Stefanik and uh, Representative Nicole Maliotakis and we'll form our own squad to contest uh, the other squad. That, 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 Rocco, is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Up next, we're going to get back to the rap crap. Nobody seems to understand what's going on in the rap world affecting both the game uh, and the drill rap and Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre doing their hydraulics and their Chevy Impala in Long Beach as they're cripping along. You don't want to miss this up next. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. To the phone, Snoop Doggy Dogg and Dr. Dre is at the dope. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Before I have to pull the strap off the cut, give me the microphone first so I can bust like a bubble. Compton and Lone Beach together, now you know you in trouble, cause ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. Two low down G, so we're crazy. Time to talk about that rap crap. Because it seems it's the flavor of the day everywhere you look. Let's talk about the stupid bowl first, or what they want me to call it, the game. How ridiculous. What happened to First Amendment rights of free speech? We can't even call it what it is. I mean, look, as much as I hate the fake, phony, fraudulent football you spell with a U, kickball, 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 soccer, you're able to call it the World Cup, right? Nobody has a problem with that. But, oh, if you call the game... What, by its real name? What are they going to do, lock you up, throw away the key? It's America. And then you got these two guys performing at halftime with Slim Shady, Eminem, who said the N-word in 1993, and then all of a sudden, Dr. Dre came and gave him absolution. 
You know, unlike Joe Rogan, they gave him absolute hey, hey, Eminem, Slim Shady, never do it again, white boy, Caucasian persuasion, snow bro. I won't, I won't, Dr. Dre, don't beat me up. Don't beat me up. And then you have Snoop Dogg, right? In the midst of him haunting everybody at uh, the Stupid Bowl, a.k.a. the game, during the halftime show, we find out that he bought Death Row Records, which originally was owned by a domestic terrorist known as Suge Knight, whose claim to fame was that when Vanilla Ice, I don't know, is it Vanilla Ice, Ice Cube, Ice Tea, Ice Tray, one of those Ices, or the white boy from Florida, that's right, Vanilla Ice, when he first came out and Vanilla Ice did his rap song, all the brothers thought he was black. Until all of a sudden they said, oh my God, he's a white boy. And I said, yeah, stupid, he's called Vanilla Ice. What do you think Vanilla is? Oh, yeah. They never liked him after that. So he goes out to the West Coast. He meets with the terrorists, the domestic terrorist, gangbanger extraordinaire from Compton, a blood, hardcore blood. He meets with Chug Knight, owner-operator of Death Row Records. And what happens, Chug Knight takes him on a balcony on the fourth floor of his uh, headquarters and holds him by the ankles, puts him over the balcony and says, either sign now, white boy, or splat. So Vanilla Ice did the right thing. He signed right on the dotted line. Now, I think he had to give up his second-born, first-born, and the child that was born out of wedlock. Who knows? But Suge Knight, owner of Death Row Records, owned him lock, stock, and barrel. Reversal. It was sort of like indentured servitude. But everybody wanted to sign up with Suge at that time, including Snoop Dogg. Dr. Dre, and of course, Tupac Shakur. And remember what they led to, ladies and gentlemen, West Coast versus East Coast. Give me a little bit of that rhyme there. That's right. It's got a flow. I can just see the hydraulics as all of a sudden that Shelly V Impala is bumping and hitting every pothole in the streets of Long Beach while they're cripping along. So remember West Coast, East Coast? That's why I look at everybody talking about the new form that they just discovered of rap that's been around since 2011. Hey, where have you been for drill rap? We'll get to that momentarily. But remember East Coast versus West Coast. So you had Puff Daddy Combs hooked up with Biggie Smalls. And that was East Coast rap. And then on the West Coast, you had Death Row Records with Suge Knight and all of its subsidiaries... Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Tupac. So they viewed Tupac as a traditor because originally Tupac was East Coast, remember? Came out of Body Bag City, Baltimore, and then ended up hooking up with Death Row Records. So they say, you're supposed to be East Coast, not West Coast. And uh, the war began in earnest. So Tupac Shakur, he's, he's doing a... Um, a performance in advance of a concert and a record he had to cut, a rap record he had to cut. So he's at studios right in the Times Square area. And in order to send a message to him that he is traditor to the East Coast, it appeared that Puff Daddy Combs, graduate of Mount St. Puff Daddy Combs uh, Academy, Michaels, 
Senate team, along with Biggie Smalls, to uh, relieve him of his three-piece set. And I'm not talking about the uh, the fork, the knife, and the spoon. So he's in an elevator coming out of the studio. And they shoot him in his three-piece set. And then he was soon to go and do uh, a bit of prison time upstate for having possession and using an illegal handgun, of course, in New York State. You go to jail if you have an illegal handgun back then, not now. See, if now, if he had done it in Brooklyn, he'd be in a diversion project uh, handled by the district attorney, Eric Turner. <coughs> I almost choked out there. See, that's what happens when you start talking about the rap crap. But Eric Gonzalez, the DA in Kings County, a.k.a. Brooklyn, has a diversion program. You get caught with a loaded 9mm, you get caught with a gun, you don't go to jail. The mandatory one year that Tupac was facing, no. You get to come in once a week, meet with a counselor, they buy a little pizza pie, you have a little Coca-Cola, and you promise I won't do it again, and promise, promise, promise I won't do it again. But Tupac manned up, he went upstate, he did a little bit of time, and then he got loose. And he said, I'm going to get you, my little pretty. I'm going to get you, P. Diddy. I'm going to get you, Biggie Smalls, if it's the last thing I do. And remember what happened. Biggie Smalls went out to Los Angeles for the NAACP uh, Awards, the Entertainment Awards. And he was in an SUV. And he got capped big time. And room temperature he was. So they bring him back to Brooklyn. They have the hearse pull him through the streets of New York City. They pass the projects there in downtown Brooklyn where he was slinging crack to pregnant women. Yeah, great guy, Biggie. Like he had to do it. Yo, I had to do it, man. You know, I had to do it. He went to Catholic school, right? His mother worked hard. He didn't have to be slinging crack. And nobody has an excuse for me for slinging crack like Jay-Z over at the Marcy Avenue Projects, who was not only slinging crack, he shot his own brother. He shot his own brother, made a rap record, and it went platinum. That's why I call it rap crap. I need a little more music, maestro, uh, to sort of fill in the beats there. So now Biggie Smalls, he's laid to rest. No big loss. Ah, there's revenge and retaliation in the air. There's a blood flu. So they're saying like, hmm, how are we going to get, how are we going to get Death Row Records, Suge Knight, how are we going to get Tupac Shakur, Traditor, the Judas? So all of a sudden, Suge Knight's in his caddy, along with Tupac Shakur, and they're going to a Mike Tyson fight in Vegas. And so they leave the fight, and all of a sudden, you see in the video, they get into a fight with some thugs from L.A. Struck me as if they were Crips, not Bloods. And so they're riding around the streets looking for trim, looking for a shot of leg in the streets of Las Vegas. And all of a sudden, a car rolls up on Suge Knight driving the Cadillac with Tupac as his passenger. And the guy just unloads on them. I mean, he's capping shots. They're here and everywhere. And Tupac Shakur ends up being taken to the hospital and he's soon dead. Although many people say, Tupac is alive! He's alive! Yeah, like Elvis. Like uh, Jim Morrison of the Doors. Yeah, yeah, he's alive. Sure. Uh, Jim Morrison in Paris, Elvis in Memphis, and Tupac Shakur 
in Body Bag City, Baltimore, his city of origin. So we had West Coast versus East Coast for many years. Rap at that time was extraordinarily violent. Guys would be capping shots at one another, whether they were homeboys together on the East Coast, they were homeboys together on the West Coast, or they continued the feud from East Coast to West Coast. And now we see in the uh, shadow of the Stupid Bowl, a.k.a. the game, that at a club, very trendy club in West Hollywood. Pack, what was the name of that club? I don't know what that The Nice Guy Lounge. Well, I guess the guys there, the Nice Guy Lounge, weren't so nice. Because there was the rapper, No Flocking. No Flocking. You know who that is? That's Kodak Black. I know for many of you, he's sick. What? Yeah, No Flocking. Kodak Black. So he's outside with his homies. And they get in their car. And there's valet parking. And then all of a sudden, there's a brawl that takes place. Some guys come out of nowhere. They're brawling with Kodak Black and his homeboys and the other group's homeboys. They're, like, out there in the street. And all of a sudden, the other side pulls out a gun. And they shoot four of the guys, including Kodak Black. And they take him to uh, the nearby hospital. I think it was um, uh, Ounce. Mount Cedar Cider or whatever the hell that place is. I've been there a time or two. And so they get shot outside this trendy West Hollywood club. And guess who's inside? Justin Bieber, Biber, whatever. You know, probably pretending that he's having a conversation with God. And there's Leonardo DiCaprio outside on his cell phone. I don't know if he was scoring coke or whatever, but the point was they're having a shootout right outside of this very trendy club. And if you know anything about West Hollywood, it ain't the hood. It ain't Englewood. It ain't Compton. It ain't Watts. It ain't uh, even uh, East L.A. Where the Vatos and Cholos are. It's mostly a gay and lesbian area. Very trendy, though. At the Nice Guy Lounge. I need a little more music here, my astro, please. Uh, keep it going. Keep it going. Keep the beats uh, and the rhymes going. Make sure I can hear, hear it out of the woofers and tweeters there. So it turns out that Kodak Black, a.k.a. No Flocking, had a previous uh, collar for armed robbery, false imprisonment, weapons possession, sexual assault, <laughs> which only added to his street cred as a rapper. You know, it's like earning stripes because he's keeping it real. Who do you think commuted Kodak Black sentence? Ladies and gentlemen, I ask all of you to stimulate your medulla and cerebellum as we talk about this rap crap leading up to the stupid bowl, a.k.a. the game. Who gave a commutation to the rapper Kodak Black that you don't even know? President of the United States commuted him. A guy who had already been charged, convicted of armed robbery, false imprisonment, weapons possession, and sexual assault, and probably for every crime he got arrested and convicted of, he committed 10 more. 1 800 848 9222. That's 1 800 848 WABC. Well, I notice nobody seems to know. See, when I really keep it real in terms of what's happening in the streets and up there in the suites, how few of you seem
seem to know. You're sort of like uh, our own Dominic Carter. Wait, what's drill rap? Or Eric Adams. So I didn't know anything about drill rap. Yeah, we'll get to him momentarily. Then I find out that back here in the Bronx, where rap was created as a genre at the very time that I started the Guardian Angels in 1979. In fact, today is a 43rd anniversary in which uh, we're now in 13 countries, 130 cities. But it marks the time as a night manager in the Bronx, right up the block from Teddy Roosevelt High School, where a lot of those initial jams took place. Starsky! Oh, yeah, Red Alert! They were all there, and they come into the Mickey D's late at night, all cheapened up, after stealing the power off a telephone line in the playground of Teddy Roosevelt uh, High School, which was nothing but the drugstore at that point, and they'd have a jam. And then they'd come in and want to jam my head right into my shoulders. And I said, no, 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 it ain't happening. Ain't happening. So now they're establishing a hip-hop museum to the tune of $80 million in the place where rap first began, the South Bronx, on East 149th Street. They're going to have different sections for DJing, MCing, breakdancing, graffiti, and knowledge. Knowledge meaning uh, that's, uh, that's 5% terminology. You know, A for Allah, B for born, C for circumference. I can I can kick knowledge with the five percenters. That's the pendulum, uh, at, not pendulum, but that's the uh, the uh, actual um, necklace. The Jay Z rocks. It's a pendant of the five percenters, which means they're five percent of the nation of Islam. They consider all white men devils. They consider Uriel Asiatic black men to be gods, superior to everyone else, and the women that they fertilize earths. So I guess in this case, Jay-Z, who is a true believer in that, coming out of the Marcy Avenue projects because he rocks that pendant as a five percenter, believes that Beyonce Thunderthighs, who always has her hair flowing in the wind even when there is no wind, is an earth. And an earth is there to be fertilized. That's how crazy that is, right? And the 5% is believed because they are gods. They refer to one another, peace God, peace God, peace God, that a god needs a gun to protect themselves from the other Euro-Asiatic black men who haven't determined that they know the words of Allah, born, circumference, and all that nonsense. And they actually have parliaments where they have meetings. And they smoke their chiba going puff, puff, pass. And they say it brings them closer to God. Now, is that convoluted or what? We're talking about, that's Jay-Z, right? We're talking about Puff Daddy Combs. We're talking about the former, in life, Biggie Smalls, crack seller. Jay-Z still alive, crack seller, to pregnant women. And some of you have put them right up on a pedestal. And now the focus of the uh, halftime show of the Stupid Bowl, a.k.a. The Game, is going to be the rap crap. Who was it? Uh, Slim Shady, Eminem, who wanted to rape his own mother and kill the mother of his child? Yeah, he did a rap song about that. Oh, He's being so creative. Yo, you don't understand. He's gone through all kinds of trials and tribulations. Hey, let me tell you something. Anybody tells me they want to rape their mother 
and they want to kill the mother of their child. Maybe we're talking psychiatric observation, huh? Maybe we're talking he's a Looney Tune, a screwball, or crazy. Oh, no! It's Eminem! Oh, you're going to see all, all the teenagers running out at the halftime show. Meantime, Snoop Dogg talking about, yeah, 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 yeah. Bend over, you know what. Dr. Dre, oh, that's a nice piece. And then Eminem, 8 Mile, saying, hmm, could I have a piece of that too? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And let's get back to uh, what nobody seemed to know as of yesterday. Eric Adams, former Brooklyn Borough President, claims he was a police officer for 22 years. He's not lying about that. Continue with that music, Maestro. I need to feel the vibe. I need to feel the beat pumping through my veins and arteries. Here was Eric Adams saying every day I would put on a bulletproof vest and I'd carry a gun and a badge to protect the people of New York. And I was busting my shoes in the street, first in the subways as a transit cop for 10 years and then an NYPD cop for 12. Much of that with a white shirt, which provided me with immunity like all white shirts have in the police department, who are lieutenants, captains, and move up the ranks. Nothing ever happens to them. I don't care if they're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, male, or female. It's only to the guys and gals busting their shoes who wear the blue shirts. And he didn't know what drill rap is. Huh, drill rap? I had to ask my son. Uh, my son was telling me, oh, my God, we got to ban drill rap. We got to ban drill Ban drill rap? What country do you live in, pal? This is America. This is the land in which you have free speech. Did you want to ban Snoop Dogg, who actually did a drive-by shooting in California, in Los Angeles, to establish his street cred, killed a person in a park, went to trial, criminal trial, and when all of a sudden the jury basically uh, decided, man, that's Snoop Dogg, man. He's a crip. He's a crip. We can't find him guilty. So it was jury nullification. All of a sudden, some of the witnesses who were summoned to testify in court against Snoop Doggy Dog looked at a sea of blue, the Crips, that were in the peanut gallery, and they said, nah, I don't even know who Snoop Doggy Dog is. What? You don't know? No, I never saw him before in my life. Absolutely. I, I couldn't identify him in the lineup, and my life depended on him. And he walked. Gee, did uh, Eric Adams uh, suggest that Snoop Dogg's uh, records or Dr. Dre's records or um, the new company that uh, Snoop Dogg owns, Death Row Records, be banned? Did he ever say that about Suge Knight and company and even Vanilla Ice, Ice Cube, Ice Tea, Ice Tray, all of those ices? Of course not. But now he's going to have a drill rap summit, a drill rap summit. And you know who's going to be attending the drill rap summit? (laughs) Hazel Dukes, who's like 138 years old, the head of the NAACP, will have a heart attack if she hears any of the language. And Al Slim Shady Sharpton, who's 67. Oh, they're going to know a lot about drill rap. Might as well reach out to Screwy Louis Farrakhan of the Nation of Islam, who every year would have the Savior's Day Convention at the McCormick Center in Chicago. And all of his followers and supporters and celebrities would be invited to hear the anti-Semitic, the anti-white hate just drip from his evil lips. And who would be in attendance from time to time? That's right, Ice Cube. 
and Snoop Doggy Dog, who would pay tribute to what they would say, oh, Minister Farrakhan, he speaks knowledge, he speaks truth, he speaks anti-Semitism, he speaks hate, and he hates those crackers. 1-800-848-9222, that's 1-800-848-WABC. And then, of course, there's Pop Smoke, who is the leader of the crew of Drill Rap, which started here in our neck of the woods in Brooklyn. Although originally in 2011 in Chi-Town, Chicago, amongst the gangs and thugs who rule that city. And then it transplanted itself across the pond to London, England, only to return to Brooklyn in 2018. The king of all the drill rappers, Pop Smoke, who ended up having a, having a gathering uh, in the home of one of the housewives of Beverly Hills that he was snacking on in L.A., his theme song was Welcome to the Party. And I guess some of the homies from Los Angeles felt, hey, I'll, I'm welcoming myself to your party. I got my loaded nine, and I'm here to execute you. And they shot him full of lead. So if you go to 81st and Flatlands Avenue in Canarsie, you see a big mural that's been erected, a memorial in honor of who Pop Smoke. And it's dressed all in blue because he's a crip. Like so many of the other drill rap monsters in that part of Brooklyn. Recently, one who was shot and killed in front of his house on 96 and Avenue L down the block from Original Pizzeria. The best, I might add, Original Pizzeria. T.Dot Woo. I'm sure you guys in the control room are real familiar with T.Dot Woo, right? No, they took him out with a headshot. And it's all about dissing gang music. It existed before... It exists now. In fact, it was Eric Adams, our mayor, who knows nothing about drill rap, who was shedding tears for Jaquan McKinley in Bed-Stuy, who had been shot while sitting in, laying up in his uh, bends after he had just finished a studio session with his new drill rap songs. And he was crying and he was saying, we failed. We failed Jaquan McKinley as a society. I'm saying, hey, guy, you don't even you don't even know what drill rap is. What the hell are you talking about? This is the outcome of what they're talking about. They diss and dismiss one another as part of drill rap. And so the homies that he was riffing with decided to drill him with a 9mm. Man. Trying to straighten it out. Trying to straighten it out here at WABC before we hit the uh, stupid bowl. And what is it they call that? The game? How ridiculous is that? Now, now I'll bet you when you go on your apps, your FanDuel app, and you're voting, uh, right? Since New York State has legal gambling now, and then the state is making money hand over fist. Uh, do you think you get to call it by its real name? Or do you think you have to call it the game? You better believe that the NFL has some uh, moolah schmoolah involved in that all four of those app systems that you can place bets on. And remember, this is the day in which more bets are placed than any other day, 365 days of the year. Used to be the wire rooms. This is the one time of the year that the Lucchese's, Bananos, Columbo's, Genovese, Gambino's, the DeCalvacantes in New Jersey, and yes, the Cuomo family. Yeah, they're the seventh uh, family of organized crime. Uh, they'd be making money hand over fist in the wire rooms because they'd extend your credit. And then all of a sudden you'd bet all kinds of money on how long did that punt go 
How many yards has that halfback gained from the Natty Boys just in the first quarter? You can bet on anything in the Super Bowl. Up ways, down ways, every which way. You get yourself credit from a bookkeeper. And then you got to pay the big because most times you're a loser when the over-under point spread doesn't come through. And then they send what looks like a defensive lineman on the L.A. Rams to take your leg and bend it into your pocket because you haven't paid your big. Oh, this is so wonderful. All these apps that allow you to gamble, gamble your life away, gamble your way into uh, gambling uh, anonymous. Or if you do it in the wire room, finding your way into the ER, the ICU, because some jadrul decided to drill you hard because you haven't paid your VIG. See, we got a lot of explaining to do, as we did, about all that's going on in the rap crap world. So let's open up our phone lines if we can. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. As we take you to the 6 o'clock hour, let's quickly go to Pam Lowe's calling from Central New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pam. Well, since they copyrighted the name of the event today, how about we qualify its true deserved name, the Toilet Bowl? The Toilet Bowl. I like that. The Turlet Bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then as a subsidiary, as an ancillary product, because naturally we want to shield products, uh, you have to buy the Tidy Bowl to clean the Turlet Bowl. Yeah, and while the games are going on, we can clean our toilets. That is an excellent idea. That is an excellent idea. Did you ever hear anything in your life? In America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, that you cannot refer to the biggest sports event in America by its real name? Well, I'm sure if you do, they get ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. How the hell? How the hell did they get a copyright or a trademark that covers all of that on every... It's a newsworthy event, isn't it? Correct. It's It's very public, so you would think... That it would be public domain by now, but no, they're getting money. Every and, time somebody misspeaks, they get money. And you can't call it by its real name. Yep. Now, when yep. you have WrestleMania with the WWE, which is the biggest wrestling event, uh, I never heard Vince McMahon Jr. say, we'll sue you if you call it WrestleMania. Right, right, I, but I, you know... They're smart. They're smart. Any way they can get money, they'll get it. Yeah, but it ain't smart. It's being greedy. And by the way, there were more fans around the world who watched the annual World Cup. As much as I hate that fake, phony, fraudulent version of football that's spelled with a U, soccer. Kickball, kickball, kickball. They still allow people to call it the World Cup. And I mean, that's a band. That's a, that's an Alibaba, uh, Baba band of 40 thieves uh, who take money. Uh, wherever the World well, Cup is being played. Well, internationally, they probably gamble on the cup, but but the gambling is so big for the toilet bowl that, um, you know, they really rake in the money. You know, everybody gets a cup. I like that. I like that, Pamela. You have renamed the stupid bowl, uh, the game, the turlet bowl. Yep, I like that's that. That's how I'll refer to it today. Good. That's creative license. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go all the way across the Pacific Pond to the land down under Australia where at this very moment, 
if I were to flush our toilet, toilet here, it would go one way uh, in a circular pattern. But in Australia, if uh, Benjamin were to flush that same turlet, it would go in the reverse way in a circular pattern. Am I correct on that, Benjamin? Yeah, that's correct. And I've been listening to you talking about um, Frank Morano, and it sounds like you're having, like, um, bad blood, like rappers or something like that, or even boxers. So I'm just, I just think it's good-natured, but... If he were to brandish a baseball bat and had, like, a clock around his neck, you know, like Flavor Flav, would would you have to get, like, violent? You know, I loathe, I despise Flavor Flav with that clock around his neck. Maybe one of the grossest things that I have ever seen in my life, Benjamin, uh, and I've seen a lot of gross things here in America and around the world, was uh, Flavor Flav getting in bed with Brigitte Nielsen in that, uh, what was that, that reality show in which he was doing the nasty, nasty, he was fornicating and copulating with her. Remember, she had been originally with uh, Rocky Stallone, uh, and she was with, uh, who is the guy, the Russian guy in uh, Rocky Four, the big Russian guy, and then all of a sudden she ends up with Flavor Flav, Benjamin? So would you have to do that to Frank Moran? If he were wearing a clock around his neck, would you have to kind of, would you have to smack him down? Nah, nah, I wouldn't do that because you see uh, he is, uh, if you look in the uh, in the book that will tell you about Italian phraseology, street Italian phraseology, he is a combination of three things. He is a mashad, he is a mangalooch, and he is a mamaluk. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. Now, uh, by the way there, Benjamin, uh, you have uh, your world championship there, which is uh, uh, two sports, rugby, and the other uh, sport is uh, Aussie rules, right? Uh, I, I, I can tell you I don't know who's going to win between the Bengals, and I think they're playing the L.A. Rangers. I don't really, I'm not really following it this year, but some years I would, I would follow it. I would know, like, that the Seattle Seahawks would win or something. That's, that's all I can say about football. But I'm, I'm, I'm just scratching my head about what you're saying about Frank Moreno because I really think you guys are probably just buddies, and you're not, like, um, going to each other like rappers or something. But I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, perplexed by it, that's all. Benjamin, I can assure you we won't be sitting down and hoisting a few false staffs, that's for sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but okay. What I, what I will do is I will force him in front of me to eat pounds of Vegemite, maybe the worst thing we could have ever exported to you from the craft company. The way Vegemite came across, which is a marmalade that Aussies can't get enough of, is that nobody would buy it from the craft company here in America. So we figured, hey, the Australians, they take prisoners there. You know, it's a, a penal colony. I'm sure they'll love uh, this uh, this stuff that is so good that we can't even sell it in the United States, Vegemite. And let's face it, Benjamin, that's like your national fair, Vegemite. Yeah, I, I don't like the football codes here, but I, I've always liked Vegemite. I grew up eating Vegemite, so I'm not going to say anything bad about Vegemite. When I was in New York City, uh, I was working with an Italian-American guy. He was always talking about 
Carvel ice cream like it was so special to him. <laughs> I couldn't really understand it. I didn't think we even went to Carvel ice cream and then you got like Folgers coffee there or something and it tastes okay, you know, I don't know, like, you know, yeah, I don't know. I like Vegemite. Let me tell you something, Benjamin, that is the equivalent of Sanka instant coffee, which if you pour the hot water into it, it's like liquid tar. So that's bad coffee, right? Is that good coffee? Why, why don't I? Why don't I send you a little canister of Sanka Instant Coffee? You uh, warm up. Yeah. Your, you, you warm up your kettle. You know your tea kettle. You put your water in there. You boil it. You pour it into a cup in which you already have the granules of Sanka Instant, and you'd swear as you put your spoon in it and it got stuck in it like it's the La Brea tar pits that it is the nastiest form of coffee that you could ever drink. So I was always buying coffees there in New York City, actually. I was getting very nice coffees for like $3 out of the American money there in the mornings. Everyone's going to work. And, you know, I was going off to work with my Italian-American buddy there. And, yeah, good coffee there, actually. I, I don't know the coffee you're talking about, but I enjoyed the coffee there. Well, well, Benjamin, I can tell you, having spent time in Sydney, in uh, Melbourne, and in Brisbane, that a typical Aussie... Uh, they uh, will get up on Monday afternoon and realize they haven't made it to work. Then they'll decide to go to work Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Thursday. Then it's time for the Bobby on Friday. You know, you got to get out the shrimp and the fall staff. And then they're pissed drunk on Saturday and Sunday. You guys only work a three-day work week, right? Yeah, I don't know about that, you know. You'd think so, but no, there's people here are very materialistic, you know. It's kind of like living in Queens. Imagine if you only ever lived in Queens and you never left the borders of Queens. It's kind of like that, you know. You'd just be working all day and making money. Everyone wants money here. It's and just, and, and you're, per- money. you're perpetually having to wear masks, socially distant. You're in lockdowns. And the pandemic, pandemic there is never going to go away, according to your officials, Benjamin. Well, I think it's worse in New York City. But I think the Canadians, they'll, they'll, maybe they'll force a change for everyone. Understood, Benjamin. But the national... Uh, Animal is the koala bear, who's always stoned to eating eucalyptus leaves. Just look at a koala bear as they eat and poop. The wombats, the kangaroos, who if they get out in the middle of a road, it's like in India, if a cow gets in the middle of the road, all traffic comes to a halt. You cannot harm a hair on the head of a kangaroo or a wombat, or you'll actually go to prison. You could rob a store. You could loot. You could shoplift in Sydney. God forbid if you hum the hair of a wombat or a kangaroo. That's it for you. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Oh, yeah. Snoop Doggy Dog, uh, star 
of the uh, halftime uh, stupid bowl, uh, a.k.a. the game. Interesting uh, that in the same week he uh, bought out Death Row Records to continue the rap crap coming. He also got sued for sexual assault against a woman. Oh, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. And by the way, in this hip-hop museum, they're opening up to the tune of $80 million in the South Bronx on 149th Street. They're going to keep on display Snoop Dogg's bicycle from the MTV show Doggy Fizzle Televizzle. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that was a hit. Oh, I couldn't miss an episode of Doggy Fizzle Televizzle. God. How down low that is. Anyway, let's go back to the phones. It's Robert calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Bobby. Good morning, Curtis. Well, after that last hour and a half of listening to you give us a history of one of the worst types of, dare I call it music, I would soil myself. I don't consider rap anything except of what it is. Um Someday I'm going to have to give you a history lesson on what really happened under Henry VIII. Of those six wives he had, only two of them were executed, as you probably know if you know your English history, both of whom were executed not for any infidelities, although there probably were with Ed Boleyn. Uh, they were executed for royal intrigues. However, I didn't call you on that. About an hour and a half ago, you asked about the movie Spartacus, which happens to be one of my favorite films. Oh. And you asked if any of the scenes in that movie touched one when you saw them. I'll give you two scenes. Hmm. The last scene in the movie when Gene Simmons, who, by the way, was a great actress. I mean, the role that she played as Verinia, Spartacus's wife, is just marvelous. She was not a powder puff. She was not a wallflower. She was a great, great, great thespian, as far as I'm concerned. And that last scene when, with Peter Ustinoff, a.k.a. Um, uh, the, 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 the Lanista of the uh, gladiatorial school at Capua, um, she's leaving Rome, and she sees the body of Spartacus on the cross, hanging, and she tells him, I'm going to tell your son that he was born in freedom. I'm going to tell him who his father was. Marvelous, marvelous, marvelous. The other scene, when Tony Curtis, who played the uh, the role of Antoninus, the singer of songs, wants to join the slave army. And Spartacus says, and what did you do? He said, oh, I'm a singer of songs. And uh, But Antoninus says, he, he had run away from Marcus Licinius Crassus, the richest, most conservative patrician in Rome, Played by Peter Houston, uh, Peter Houston, Peter Houston played uh, the the Lanista, the, the guy in Capua, real smarmy guy, Peter U uh, Peter O'Toole. Anyway, he uh, Antoninus says to Spartacus, "I've come to fight. I've come to fight. I've come to fight." Because he had run away, he wanted to join the slave army. And Spartacus said a very meaningful thing. He said to him, Antoninus, "There's a time to fight, and there's a time to sing." Sing for us, Antoninus, and teach us to sing. And I think that is a great, great, great moral point. My God. Fabulous, fabulous, marvelous, marvelous. I almost feel like Billy Crystal now and analyze this. Marvelous, marvelous, Robert. 
That was such a great rendition of the movie Spartacus. Remember with Kirk Douglas with a little uh, cliff uh, in his, uh, uh, in his, uh, what can we call that? What do we call that? Cliff chin. Yeah, a little cliff in his chin. Uh, and where was he from? Uh, he was from where all the carpet in the world at one point was made. Amsterdam, New York, with a name in Russian that you could probably barely uh, pronounce. Uh, but he had to change his name, and they gave him his name, Kirk Douglas. And then, of course, it was Tony Curtis. Tony Curtis, who got up in that crowd of all of the uh, warriors for Spartacus, the rebels, when the Roman centurion came over and said, Who's Spartacus? expecting that some in the crowd would give him up in order to uh, engage their freedom and not be crucified and bludgeoned. And Tony Curtis was the first to rise up and said, I'm Spartacus. And then all the other men, I'm Spartacus, which was which was basically writing out their death sentence. And then Kirk Douglas himself rising to his feet. All of them were uh, were actually crucified upside down on the way to Rome and bludgeoned. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Linda, who's calling from Borough Park. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Linda. Is that me? <laughs> Hi. Hi, Curtis. Um, I'd like to talk about what nobody's talking about, the senior citizens. Let me preface this by saying this is an opinion. This is just my opinion. The senior citizens are frightened, and I'll bet that a lot of them are rooting for the truckers because it seems the only thing left to free speech today is free radio and the truckers. Every platform is beginning to censor everybody. And the reason the seniors are frightened, that's my opinion, is because, you know, some of them, I'm an active senior. Well, I was before the pandemic. I produced TV for 20 years. And they're, they've taken the shots. A lot of them have taken the shots because they want to keep going to the senior centers. So many people have taken the shots, people who work, kids to go to school. I don't know anybody, and I know a lot of people. I don't know anybody that wanted to take the vaccine. But that's okay. Vaccine is a choice. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm for freedom of speech. You know, freedom of speech is the most one of the most important things in our country. And if you stop speech, you can really control people. And well, you can change well, Linda, a Linda, that, that is happening today, the uh, greatest sports event of the year in America. We are not permitted to refer to it by its official name. We have to call it the Turlet Bowl, the Stupid Bowl, the game. I mean, isn't that an example of free speech that's been cracked down on? Yes. It, it's. I've, I'm over 70 years old. It's the first time in my whole entire life that I have ever seen such freedom of speech taken away from the people in our nation. I've lived a lot of years, and I've never been so frightened. And yet I speak up because, you know, I've, I've had in the past, just before the pandemic started, I just got free from being bullied for years and years. And this is like a bullying situation where people have said no. So many people have said, no, we don't want to take it. And when you tell people, well, you can't have your jobs, you can't go to your senior citizens, you can't go to school. And when you tell people that, you're really forcing people and you're taking away their choice. Yes, freedom of speech is important. I'm glad you have radio. The people on radio seem to be 
somewhat free. And I say somewhat because I'm sure there are things that even you guys on radio are not saying. No, you know? but, but, but you are so correct. The authorities are putting the uh, their jackboots to the napes of the necks of Americans, forcing them to mask up, forcing them to get vaxxed, forcing them to get booster, booster, boosters. It's an absolute nightmare here, Linda. Our freedoms are being trampled on. And today of all days, the biggest sporting event of the year, and we are not permitted publicly to pronounce it by what it was when that first stupid bowl came about, that first game came about. And who can remember what that first game featured, if I remember correctly? It was Vince Lombardi and the Green Bay Packers on one side. It was thought that they might win the... uh, Stupid bowl, the Turlet Bowl, by anywhere of 40, 50, maybe 60 points. With Bart Starr as their quarterback, Jim Taylor as their fullback, Paul Horning, who actually couldn't play a year because he was a degenerate gambler, along with uh, Karras from the Detroit Lions. They spent a whole year uh, on the shelf, not able to play because uh, they were caught in a gambling scandal, gambling on their own football games. And yet each of them continued to succeed in their field. Paul Horning is the halfback of the Green Bay Packers. And Alex Karras, who went on to be featured in sitcoms. Oh, yeah, I'll never forget that. And then, oh, there were a number of other players. Ray Nitschke as the middle linebacker. So it was considered that they would stuff Hank Stram's Kansas City Chiefs. Remember, Hank Stram had one of the baddest rugs that has ever been devised on his head. And he would have those polyester waffle weave uh, uh, jackets that came right out of Kansas City. The Hunt family owned the Kansas City Chiefs, and they had invested in gold. So if the uh, country's economy ever went south, the only ones with money would be the Hunt family. They owned that AFL franchise. And I remember they had uh, Len Dawson, who was the quarterback. And they had a guy named Taylor, who was the wide receiver, who was like 6'9". Oh, it was great. And then they had uh, uh, Freddie, Freddie uh, the Hammer Williamson. I believe that was his name, Freddie the Hammer Williamson. The Hammer. Yeah, he was featured in movies with Jim Brown eventually. And he was the Hammer Man. And, boy, the Green Bay Packers hammered him on that Sunday afternoon in the uh, toilet bowl, the toilet bowl number one, the stupid bowl number one, the game number one. Give you a little bit of that uh, nostalgic view of the Charlotte Bowl, as we are forced to call it, because they won't let us call it by the name that it's been called for all these years. Let's go to Mike, who's calling from Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Yo, what happened to Mike? Here's a good question. I think it was the 1 to 2 o'clock hour. Yeah, somebody called up and say that there was a DJ... Uh, that uh, used to play the sound bite. But I heard it as Blah Beba, Blah Beba. And to me, I'm pretty sure that was some kind of African. Because that was going on throughout the whole. I mean, that guy used to play it all the time. Yep, 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 sure. yep, yep. No, no, no. We were talking at that time. We started talking about it was dirty dancing. And I said, uh, Bruce Morrow, uh, AKA. Um, a guy who is synonymous with WABC now, uh, our guy, Cousin Brucey, 
what what role did he play in Dirty Dancing? And one of our listeners guessed, yes, he was a magician, but also you could hear his voice in the background as a DJ all throughout that great movie. And then all of a sudden, an individual emerged, Mike, and said, Murray the K in the Swinging Soiree. Uh, and then he did exactly, could you repeat what he had said? Give me that, that phrase. I remember it being as Balah Bay Bah, Balah Bay Bah. And there was an Afri- it was an Africa, it sounded African in nature because there was, it sounded like there was a bunch of guys saying it all together at once. Balah Bay Bah, I'm pretty, so what, what was the name of the guy? What was the name of the DJ? Murray the K and the Swinging Soiree, he would actually host shows on Fulton Street, you know, that the performers would come uh, to, whether it was uh, at that time, Jerry Lee, uh, Jerry Lee, Great Balls of Fire, uh, you name it, the stars of that lifetime would come to the Paramount and they would perform. What year was he on? What years? No, I think we're talking late 50s, early 60s, uh, and even had an album that said Murray the K, the swinging soiree of all of those acts that appeared for him. On Google, I'll find out, and I'm going to get the soundbite. Oh, but not I only remember. that, you have to find out, because we were in the middle of the Cold War, was Murray the K of the swinging soiree, was he actually transmitting Soviet communication? Through that uh, subliminal way of talking to young people. There they were wearing their bobby socks, the groupies. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, for the doo-wop a cappella singers of that time. Was this a way that Nikita Khrushchev was trying to destroy us as he sat there at the Soviet Union table in the General Assembly of the United Nations saying he would destroy us through rock and roll? And jeans and Ford fix or repair daily cars, the Thunderbird, the muscle cars, and obviously beer. I want to figure that out. Let's go to Jerry in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jerry. Uh, how you doing? Listen, first, I'd like to say that I remember you from the 70s when you used to work as a manager down the, on the block at McDonald's. I used to work as a stock boy. And Crazy Eddie's, those, those shysters over there. Crazy Eddie's up the block. Yep. By Valentine Avenue. Yep. Uh, second, I just like to know. Yeah, I remember you. You probably, you might recognize me by my, my face, but I, I don't know. But my point is, what the hell is drill rap? I heard that thing came came from Chicago. It's all about shooting everybody up. You know, what? The, what is that? What is that, man? And you got to, I, I never heard. I heard well, it, but I, I, I you know. I'll tell you, Jerry, this is synonymous uh, with, as you mentioned, you remember me as a night manager of Mickey D's right there on Fordham Road in Webster, where I started the Guardian Angels. Today, it marks 43 years ago. At that time, the rappers uh, came about. Uh, it wasn't rap of a retaliatory nature, but then as rap evolved, it began, I'll dis and dismiss you. So you had East Coast versus West Coast. You had the killings that took place. And now it is emerged into drill rap, which means if you diss me and dismiss me, I'm going to drill you with a nine miller slug, nine millimeter slug right in your head. That's what happened to Pop Smoke 
in the home of the Housewives of Beverly Hills in Los Angeles when he was the number one drill rapper and recently to T.Wu on 92nd Street Avenue L in Canarsie outside of his house just down the block from my favorite pizzeria, Original Pizza. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 